93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. So our next guest uh, does a tour of some uh, bars and breweries and uh, talks about murders <laughs> and things like that. It's a very interesting concept because uh, it's we're, we're fascinated with uh, uh, stories of 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 evil and, and mayhem and, and all of that. It, um, it, it, it does fascinate us. And the series is called Felonious, the Sorted History of Philadelphia Murder and Mayhem. And the host of these events is right here. This is Sarah Kalen. Who is here. Hi. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, our pleasure. So you are uniquely qualified to <laughs> speak about such things. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. So um, the first portion of my uh, childhood, teen, and early adult life, I was in theater. And then at the age of 23, I decided, no, what I really want to do is be a cop. And I went and did that. And I was um, a police officer uh, for about 10 years and then decided what I really wanted to do was move into academia and study serial killers and serial sexual predators. Wow. And so, and I'm I'm still doing that. I do work as a cold case homicide investigator. You consult for uh, various... uh Organizations. And, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I usually work directly with an agency. I have at times done it um, for like documentary film stuff, where I'm not necessarily connected to the agency. Right, you are a filmmaker uh, as well. Correct? I yeah. am. Yeah. yeah, and I'm actually working on a doc right now um, where Wait. we are we are embedded. The doc is embedded with me and with the agency investigating a 26 year cold case in Alabama. I was looking at the 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 trailer, or I guess a teaser that's up for this, and it's there 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 are. Um, Explain that story that you're doing and how you approach something, a cold case that's decades old. Uh, Well, gosh, that's a great question. Um, Really what you want to do with something that, like the way I go into one that's really, really old is, is literally to start from the beginning and so any as case, if the crime just happened as if the crime just happened yeah, yeah. but with the advantage of also having the original um investigators notes and stuff right. like that now the one that you probably saw the trailer was the one out of oklahoma yes and that yes. one we were not working in partnership with the police agency okay. so that one was tougher it was harder there were a lot of FOIA requests there was a lot of difficulty in getting access is, so, is that a, is that a, is that a difficulty sometimes because sometimes I, I and we see it depicted in movies a lot of times where oh, there's don't want to step on toes don't want to step on toes and sometimes you get that is that is that in fact the case a lot of times you... a lot of times yeah because i think um and understandably in an investigation, especially for something as serious as a homicide or a disappearance, there is often a sense of, of like a need to know basis. Yeah. And even within an agency, when I was an officer, you know, sometimes I'd be working on something in the detective bureau and the patrol officers are not even made aware of necessarily what's going on in the course of an investigation. Everything's very, very tight. But as we're, I mean, and there are times when that's still really important. But what we're starting to see and with the advent of really good investigative journalism when it comes to um, to true crime is more and more agencies are realizing that they can walk a line with that and that there are some advantages to having fresh eyes, to having outsiders, and even to having more public awareness. So you can hold a lot of stuff back and still work with people. Sure. It's akin to my, my family and I, we, we put together jigsaw puzzles, and you can sit there and you can look for this one piece for freaking ever, and it's just you just can't find it. And somebody else walks in and goes, oh, yeah, it's right there. Right there. You know what I mean? Yep. And so it, a fresh set of eyes, yeah. a, a different perspective 
giving you a break for a moment because you're so buried in one direction, I would imagine. That's that, exactly yeah, what happens. You sort of get blinders on. Yeah. yeah, and so this the next project that I'm working on, this case in Alabama, is very different. The agency has brought me in and is essentially letting me lead the investigation. What are the specifics of this case? This, uh, in November of 1993, um, a man testing his, like, he got new brakes and he was yeah. out testing on a dirt road next to the highway and found the remains of a decapitated female who had been thrown essentially off the high, like, right. you know, just discarded. tossed out, discarded. Yeah. Um, and at the time, they did investigate as, as well as I think the agency had the tools to do so, you right. know, at, at that time. But 1993 was a very different time in law enforcement. And all the stuff that we think of now that is sort of everybody thinks is kind of universal, like, oh, you know, fire starting and, and animal torture is definitely indicative of serial killers and stuff like that. This is all like everybody watches CSI or whatever thinks they know this stuff. It's true. That work had only just been published in the late 80s and early 90s. So a lot of agencies didn't know this stuff. Right. And so there, there were things when I opened up this case, I was like, well, this is clearly based on this. This looks like this. This looks like that. That was stuff that wasn't even in in the toolbox at the time. Yeah. And so... Uh, you know, as you said, I'm just starting from scratch. I've got 5,000 pages of case notes. I literally have gone through every single note, every single name, made a database for everything, and then I start pulling it in. In a second, we're going to ask you about some of the cases in sure. Philadelphia. We're eventually going to get to that. <laughs> but uh, Nick was telling me, Sarah, that you're you're a fan of uh, the show Mindhunter, uh, which my wife and I delved into, and have, we're going to watch it a second time as well. And, and it's funny that you bring up the techniques and so forth, because that is about the development of the behavioral sciences. And at first, cops and so forth were resistant to any of these things uh, as far as techniques go of looking into the mind of these people to find answers. Are there new things that, that and, and, and new ideas that, that are popping up that maybe are hard to get uh, officers or, or the powers that be interested in because they might be a little radical or a little different than we're used to running? hundred percent. Okay. I mean, yeah, as a field, um, law enforcement tends to be small C conservative, right? Like where it's like, well, this has worked really well, so we need to stick with this. But it's funny that you would bring that one up. That was uh, the original Mindhunter book, which John Douglas wrote 25 years ago, was what made, like, I was three chapters into that my first week in the police academy, and I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Okay. Um, and But, yeah, there are developments still in profiling now. Like, there there are changes along the way. And the FBI, Behavioral Science Unit, and, and John Douglas and stuff, they tend to be much more receptive of those advancements mm-hmm. now. But we've seen cases um, where when the science changes an agency may be reticent and there are mistakes made because of it. There was a case in Texas around 2000 at the time that fire science was changing drastically. Um, Arson, you know, up until 2000 was looked at very, very differently. And then the science kind of got turned on its head and we found out that there were all these convictions that were probably not actually arson and there were people walking free where they probably had committed arson and a man was executed because the agency refused to take in the new science, was there some sort of uh, uh, some epiphany or something, or was it was it a, 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 like a, a, a series of um, of conclusions that they came to that sort of reversed what they were thinking? Because arson, to me, you know, we, we think of these things. Oh, this is one category. This is another category. But I'm sure this the 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 thing that drives somebody to commit arson is 
may have a certain DNA connected to someone who's a serial killer. Is that correct or is that incorrect? Yeah, no, no. And and definitely what you're talking about psychologically. Yeah. Um, what, and, but in this case, what had happened was the actual science. The actual science. Been, the actual science of arson study. Like, what, what, so, what, what's, was anything specifically come to mind that they had believed that led to this they person? They had believed that certain, um, like the, the way the fire licks the walls and stuff right. like that in certain places was indicative of like a splash pattern of this and that and everything. And like with most science it's sort of constantly under review and mm-hmm. so it were it was academics at universities who were doing you know follow-up studies and saying we're finding different stuff mm. yeah and they were presenting that to this texas agency at the time and they just said no we can't it's it's got to be this guy and that it was wasn't. it wow yeah. uh, so sarah obviously knows what she's talking about and that's what she does she talks about these things these true <laughs> crime lecture events how do these roll out do you have a presentation do you open up the floor what do you what do you do it is a little bit of everything okay. so what i like to do is 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 take this stuff and and you know everybody is fascinated by this true crime definitely is in a renaissance right now um but it, i think as long as we're we're always careful where we're punching up and we're never you know making victims the punchline or anything we can have fun with it too people can learn and be fascinated by this and and also have a good time so what i i like to yeah it is audience engaged we do a trivia component um, you know, we make fun of some really stupid criminals. <laughs> it's the dichotomy, though, of yeah. it, and, and we talk about this. And again, you're talking about like you know, the, the Dateline specials, the podcast, the things that proceed, the police procedurals. We're all fascinated with this. And I and I and you you said something that really does ring too is you don't want to re-victimize the victims, but it does allow us to understand, you know. That there, there, there is this happening out there. You, uh, you, you do thematic uh, things as yeah, well. I was yeah. looking at some of the things uh, that you have coming up. There is uh, Romance is Dead, Black Widows, Lethal Lovers, things of that nature. And uh, there's an 80s theme and so on and so forth. So you, you bunch them all into certain things. What do you find is the most fascinating to the audiences that show up to your to your uh, perf- lack of a better term performance? No, it, yeah, it lectures. does kind of it, it does yeah. turn into it to a performance. Um, I, you know, honestly, I don't know that there's any one thing. Everybody kind of has a, 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 yeah. has a fascination they're excited by, and that's why I kind of try and mix it up. And Felonious is my signature event because right. obviously it's Philadelphia and it's the greatest city on earth. Yeah. So obviously <laughs> we want to hear these crazy cases. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, there's 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 another one coming up a week from tomorrow at the Devil's Den, which is the Warriors and the Wicked, and it's a celebration of women across true crime. So it'll be the, some of the law enforcement trailblazers and these like crazy female serial killers. And Real life uh, Clarice Starlings and stuff like that? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Well, yep. So I wonder sometimes about the child predators and uh, the, the psyche behind a child predator because it just seems like... That's like the worst thing that you could do, right? And and as people are doing this, if they realize, if they know what they're doing is bad, or and and why sometimes they don't think of what might happen down the line, and why I don't hear or see of um, uh, uh, revenge more often when somebody has been perpetrated upon as a as a youngster when they finally have a voice and or you know whatever as they're older if you remember the movie sleepers yeah, uh-huh. yeah that was yeah. like a revenge movie and you don't hear about that all that often it, it, does it does that happen more often than uh we hear about no i i mean i think for the most part what you're what you're describing the two different people on the two different sides of that coin yeah one has impulse control problems and the other does not right now what you will see more frequently is victims of child predation when they are children um will grow into predators 
that can happen. Yeah, that's right. They, that's an astonishing they, thing, and yeah. it's and it's, it's terrible. And they usually feel as bad about it as they are unable to, you know, to control it. Isn't that, isn't that, it, it just yes. boggles the mind that so, you can it's be cyclical. so horrifically traumatized that you become what you fear. Yep. Do you ever dive into the case of those two people from, uh, that were on South Street that uh, disappeared that nobody's ever been able to figure out what happened? I just did a bit, a big true crime story on them. Yeah, uh, yeah you know I have not. Then? I do know that story. And actually, that that's a, that's sort of a theme that I get people sending me emails from around the country. They're like, my cousin or my roommate or whatever went to a bar and like there's footage of them going in and never seen again. It's it's kind of, mm. yeah, South Street is not unique in that. There's a really famous one in Columbus. Um, there's a they couple just around disappear. the country. They just disappear. They, they were in a, a pickup truck, right? Yeah, a pickup, pickup truck. Outside truck. of the TLA and then just then nobody ever saw them again. And it's just one of those mysteries that people seem to gravitate to because it just seems so odd that they up and vanished. Yeah, it was, It was uh, Nick, I happened to hear it was, it was 2005, February, okay. and it was Richard... Um, Patron and Danielle Imbo, I think her name the names were, yeah, yeah, and yeah. just went went missing. On your on your looking at your Twitter, or one of your social medias, you, there's a there's if people want to do nefarious things and want to disappear, they can. And and uh, you know, it's, uh, it it um, but but it, it's it's weird because we always think you know they, they, they say the long arm of the law. Effectiveness wise, how good are we now at bringing people to justice who perpetrate? The kind of acts that you explore. When everything is done right, when the right tools are used, we are very, very good at good, it now. Good. And we are getting better because the when the science is embraced. I mean, quite frankly, we talk about the long, long arm of the law, and that's great. But the long arm of science is even better. I mean, we're at a point now with touch DNA and the um, invention of the MVAC system um, where, you know, I can, I my glasses here, I just put those down and 20 years from now, they can pull my DNA off there without even trying. It's a I mean, mind it's blower. amazing. Let me ask you on, 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 on that note, um, is the um, plethora of procedural shows and documentaries and uh, Discovery, ID, and all of those things is that also helping to cultivate a more learned criminal element? Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, maybe, I guess. Yeah. But I don't think so. It's, I think it's rerouting some criminal decisions. But okay. eventually it's like the, the, the noose is sort of, you know, tightening um, around a lot of different ways to try and get away with stuff. Yeah. And we're seeing that with all this stuff with Jedmatch, with the uh, genealogical stuff, um, which, by the way, it was, you know, the um, the... Michelle McNamara book and the you know the GSK case and everything that that got all the attention, but it was actually a woman who did the uh, Barbara Ray Ventner was the one who did the uh, genealogy mapping to find him. So the GSK case, yeah, the Golden State Killer. It was, was uh, this Pat case, Oswald's, um, Pat Oswald's, Oswald's wife. wife yeah. yeah, and um, and the agents out there, the uh, Paul Holes and the other detectives and stuff, who did a phenomenal job. But everybody talks about this genealogical stuff where they were able to get him through you know um, through family trees. And that's actually that was a woman. So I wow! Really there we go. Yeah. So, These are the kinds of things I talk about. What, what are some uh, What are some favorite subjects uh, in Philadelphia? True crime. What are What are, what are some uh, you know? Are there high profile cases or just uh, uh, what, what do you like to? Devil, or what do people seem to respond? To? Well, what I really like to do, especially with the felonious case, is go way back in history because okay. there are some crazy cases. One of my favorites uh, is Anton Probst, 
who um, essentially just got mad because he didn't want to work on the farm that he worked on and it was raining and he hacked seven family members up with an axe because he just, you know, was just like, God, I'm so sick of this dang rain and like just kind of lost it. And that was just on a farm in South Philly and like, you know, uh, early 19th century. So that would qualify as a, as a mass as a mass murder? That would qualify as a mass There's murder. There's another yeah. gentleman, uh, gentleman, uh, another <laughs> lunatic, a guy, because I, I, I tried to call up some stuff here to throw at you because I think this is, you know, H.H. Holmes? Yeah, so H.H. Holmes is, um, is I mean. Is he listed as the first mass murderer? He, so he is often credited with the, the term, he's, he's yeah. called the first American serial killer, and it's just patently untrue right but it is i i do talk about him in uh in felonious because although he's most notorious for the murder castle in chicago when he right. killed all the people during right. the world's fair in chicago he it was actually a murder he committed in philadelphia while he was living here down at 13th and callow hill um that led to him being apprehended and then he was executed here and he is buried here and he right. had the in fact there was a question about exhibit. whether or not he was he was actually yeah. um uh, buried. Who was the the guy uh, who actually one day took a rifle and just started walking? It was in the, in the, I think it was in this area. Um, I'm jotting down all these. There's apparently a lot of lunatics in the area. Oh yeah, a lot um, of lunatics everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, there, I was surprised at how many nefarious people. Uh, in historically speaking, Preston does a segment called the Historian, uh, and then we, a lot of times a lot of this stuff is highlighted that are from this area. But if you even come more recently, people like Ira Ironhorn mm-hmm. and other 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 I talk cases. about him in Felonius too. You guys will have to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, is is people are people like like Gary Heidnick? Uh, I, I hate to say like a hit parade, but that's obviously when you think about this area. Yeah. What's what's your story with him? And, and, and you know, have you uh, have you reviewed that whole case history a lot? Yeah. Uh, so, hi, Nick. I also talk about Infelonis. Yeah. It really is sort of like a greatest hits, but yeah. with also with some of the really old stuff that people had not heard of. Um, uh, yeah. Hi, Nick was a, a raging narcissistic personality disorder with uh, violent tendencies. And- would, he, would he be would he be would he be, he'd be a classic example of what we perceive to be or what movies Movies portray the, the the classic serial killer as yeah he's he would definitely be like there's sort of like two or three um, avenues that that fictional representations like to go with and he certainly is in one where he was he was popular and well liked in in certain ways he was very successful in certain ways and then always had people had a sense of him being kind of creepy and didn't really want to be around him and That'd he. Be- had, he had a lot of the, the, the components. He had severe head trauma as a kid. He, you know what I mean? Abused as a kid. So he's kind of got all the, all the markers. And that would be true of like John Wayne Gacy as well, who was in, in, in his regular professional life, yeah. was able to conduct everything and had this Pogo the Clown side thing that was obviously horrific. Yeah, clowns are horrific. Anyway. You cover the mob or is that uh, something separate? Um, I feel like you guys have been to the show. So I do try and do a rundown of the 70s, 80s mob wars in Philly as best as I can. Um, and in fact, it's got a little Bruce Springsteen strand running through it, you know, because mm. we, we start out with the chicken man being killed in Philly last night. Uh, <laughs> was that predicated on a real? Um... Yeah. Oh, wow. It sure was. Some and it the... was sort of what kicked off um, the stuff with Bruno and and uh, uh, Nick. Uh... Scarfo? Yep. Yep. That was that was all tied in with that, and then the the war that happened out of that was based on the the, the chicken man. Being well, let killed. me ask you if this is true. I saw, I saw this name Harrison Marty Graham. Does that strike a bell? Here's no. a guy who's a murderer because I didn't know what you would know because it's, 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 apparently there's a lot. This guy apparently had a puppet that he walked around with. Oh God, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not familiar uh, with okay. him, but I'm going to go ahead and jot that one down. <laughs> who, who to you? Who to you is 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 um, the uh, uh, the great? 
enigma? Who is who is at least of all the people associated with this area? Who presents to you the most um, uh, the, the the largest menu of head scratching elements in in the Philadelphia? Yeah, region? yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, there is a case that was known as the Frankfurt Slasher in the eighties and nineties. Um, that once again, a man died in prison for, and I think it, without a shadow of a doubt, had nothing to do with. Really? Um, and that was, yeah, that was in, you know, the Frankfurt area of the city. Um, and there were a lot of women killed, um, very similar styles. I mean, similar MO and signature. So they were certainly all linked, most of them, if, if not all of them. Uh, and that's never been solved. And the last one was in, Gosh, I want to say 1990, um, and I, I honestly, when I have some free time, I kind of want to sit down and 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 plow through that one a little bit. On the na- on the national level, the um, uh, the Zodiac Killer is one that's just you know tweaks my melon because uh-huh. it's so bizarre. It's such a wild. I thought case. it was Ted Cruz. Didn't we solve that? Uh, wait, it was Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole thing going around. Oh yeah, that, that was one. a whole thing on Twitter. That oh, Ted that's Cruz amazing. Was the Zodiac well, there we go. There we go. But my question about that is a case like that. Um, because, you know, uh, a couple times a year you hear, it very well could have been this person. It very well, you know, yeah. they, they, we, we have evidence that shows this and that. Is there a time when it is just too far gone and there's no way to connect the dots to definitively say who done it when it comes to a case like that? Because uh, a lot of the forensic stuff, the things that, that were collected and saved are, are gone or missing. And, and you know, if at, at some point, if there's just no physical evidence, you're... That you're just going to have to let that one go, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think we we certainly always want to have the attitude that that there could be something that could come to light, that somebody did know something or somebody, even if it's, you know, 50 years ago, that somebody told their grandkid on their deathbed, you know, something like that. But it's still but hard yes, to believe things of, like of that. Of course, you know and I mean? then it's really hard to verify it. So, yeah. yeah, there's a difference between a case that maybe we think, well, this is almost certainly what happened and we have a solution, and there, but that it would not be provable in court or something right. like that. Um, I think, sadly, the JonBenet Ramsey case is probably going to be like that because there was so much done at the time maybe that was incorrect or that you know there was too much contamination of physical evidence and everything that it's like we're we're probably really never going to have an answer to is that. the contamination of a crime scene the the, the uh, biggest culprit when it comes to to destroying it the, is certainly up there on the yeah. list yeah yeah how crime scenes are handled is just so important and again the science as we get better and better at that it's less and less of a problem how how often do you have? I mean, and how often does it legitimately happen where somebody does something? There, there's a, a series of crimes, there's a serial killer, and then takes a long pause and then starts it up again. Uh, you know, because I think in this day and age of of copycats and and fascination, and now there are people who are are like very you know sick who tie into these people. There's a show called Prodigal Son. Uh, that sort of keys on this, that people copy these people. Yeah. Um, is there any case that comes to mind where, where somebody took a long pause? Absolutely. Really? Oh, yeah. So the way, you know, we talk about the, the, the three different types of multiple killers, where it's spree killing, mass killing, and serial killing. And what defines a serial killer, what separates a serial killer from a spree, especially, is what's called the cool-down period. So a cool-down period, you know, they, they tend, it, it, think of it as like a little circle, almost like a recycling circle right. with, with the arrows. And so, Spiral. Yeah, okay, there yeah. is there is like, uh, you know, the explosion of whatever the violence is, and then immediately after that, there is a cool-down period where they that release has, has been felt, and they don't feel compelled, you know, to commit acts again. And then there's sort of a build and a build, and, and 
the, the, the pressure the, valve. The pressure valve starts to build, and then oftentimes there's a precipitating factor, and then we have another explosion. So the cool down period and the build vary from person to person. There's no way to know because each one. Um, because each serial killer is a snowflake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's, <laughs> there's no way to know what is driving that. What we do know is that that cycle tends to tighten over time. Okay. So and it's that's, like drinking. It sounds like you, yeah. you put a good buzz on, it feels great, and then after that, you're like, God, I can't do that again for a little while. What, what's, right. What's yeah. the most? Clear? <laughs> but but the the deeper you get into it, the more you you're you're. You're going at it. Yeah. Well, it's like anything, essentially, that gives you a high or gives yeah. you a, a release. Yeah, you need more and more, and that's why you'll see an escalation in the violence, too. Does a particular case come to mind where someone took a long pause and then returned? Well, um... BTK did. There, yeah, there there are a lot of those, and uh, Green River also had some yeah, long right. hiatuses, yeah. Golden State Killer. But Bundy is... Uh, part of the reason that I find Bundy fascinating, aside from I grew up in Florida, and he was yeah. executed right outside my hometown, so he was kind of like... A, right a boogeyman over yeah, my yeah. childhood, yeah. But um, what's fascinating about him is we sort of saw his whole professional career, as yeah. it were, as that cycle tightened and tightened and tightened. Because what happens is, you know, the cool down period gets less and the violence gets more intense, and then they lose all control. So he once, while he was once fairly organized right. and and got meticulous, sloppier. he got very very sloppy. By the end, it was just this explosion yeah. of violence. Sarah, have you spent time uh, with serial killers and or murderers? And if so, um, does it ever chill you to the bone? Does it ever affect you outside of the professional realm? <laughs> Anybody that I've spent time with, like in the in the criminal element, um, I, I try and compartmentalize to some degree. So anything I'm doing, whether it's direct contact or if it's just research, you know, on a case or if I'm working on a case like right now where it's like I'm about to, you know, I'll be back down in Alabama interviewing potential suspects, including uh, there's a serial killer from Baton Rouge who we think might be might be worth looking at in this one. Um, it, to me, it is it is work and it's all about the mind and it's all about um, kind of getting into their mind and, you know, yeah, it's it's chilling, but I think in a moment when I'm doing it, I'm just trying to do the work. But I do I definitely have, like, a system for emotional showers. That I do. Like, I'm a big rom-com. Like, when I'm done work, I, I got to, you know, when watch Harry Cougar Mattel. Town. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. I would not be a good investigator, though, because, I like, meet one person that I didn't like, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, he did it. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. so that's sort of half the fun. I do that on this case in Alabama. I was like, oh, my God, this guy definitely did it. <laughs> And then I find another one, and I'm like, uh-oh. Well, listen, uh, Sarah, if you're just tuning in, is Sarah uh, Sarah Kalen, who's here, is going to be uh, hosting another one of these events, True Crime Lecture event, and it's called Felonious Second, or The Sordid History of Philadelphia Murder and Mayhem. The next event is coming up, the Tin Can Bar. But you hit some other places like Devil's Den and Kyber Pass. It's yeah, at Kyber Pass is every like fourth Wednesday. Okay. Uh, we are, we're upstairs at the Kyber Pass, and so it'll be a different event. Is, do you have a, do you have a, a schedule uh, posted anywhere? The or? best thing to do is my Twitter, which okay. is just my name reversed, Kalen Sarah. You'll be able to access uh, your information on uh, PrestonSteve.com. We'll yeah. post that up. We'll, we'll, we'll you know post on social media how people can find out more. Wait, I have to ask you. you guys something yeah. now. So I was listening to the last guest. Why didn't anybody talk about how gorgeous my husband is? Oh, yeah. He is husband. I mean, I just wanted to make sure we covered that. You know, we're going to equal opportunity in I didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. This is great. We'll have to have you in again sometime. I would love that. Thank you so much. Love it. Thank Thank you. you. Sarah Kalen, guys. Uh, We need to take a break. We'll be right back. 
not only can you hear Preston and Steve, you can see them too. Check out the Weekly Rush on Xfinity On Demand. New episodes, you guessed it, weekly. Hi, I'm Steven Singer, the I Hate Steven Singer guy. You know what I hate? Disappointing my mom. You buy your mother roses, and a week later, they're dead and forgotten. What if you can get a long-stem rose that would last forever? Go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and see my famous roses lavishly dipped in 24-karat pure gold in exclusive colors. The only rose guaranteed to last a lifetime. They start at $59. Order now and receive free shipping and have it arrive by Mother's Day. Only at IHateStevenSinger.com. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. It was a couple days ago. This uh, American runner, Molly Seidel. Did you see this? Yeah, the Olympics uh, barefoot runner. No, she's not a barefoot oh, okay. runner. Uh, but she, over the weekend, came in second place at the Olympic marathon trials in Atlanta. This was her debut race. Shut up. At a marathon distance. She's never done a marathon distance, and now she is going to be on the Olympic team in in Tokyo. Unbelievable! Wow. So she was she was a runner, and yeah. she's well known. She's a distance runner, but she had never done the Olympic. Or I'm sorry, the the marathon distance, and she killed it. She she finished less than ten seconds uh, behind the first place uh, when wow. her American uh, Alphine uh, Tulamuk. Well, she's. Obviously, uh, a natural. Uh, two hours and 27 minutes and 31 seconds was her time wow. in the marathon. And so now she's going to be on the Olympic team. But just after one run? One, one marathon. Now, she had been training for it. She had run marathons. She had never competed, competed in a marathon. This is her first time doing it. And she okay. makes the Olympic team. Wow. Because there's like, I remember now, listen, this was high school, but I, I did the uh, high jump on the track team. And what? <laughs> I was terrible at it. And one time, I mean... I, I th- I probably won at this one meet, but I was able to get over. I don't know what happened. I don't know if there were like springs in my, sh- but it never happened again. I know, I know what you mean. One time when, <laughs> when I was a kid, and uh, we were, uh, I played football when I was a kid, and um, they were uh, uh, having everybody to see who could kick the ball, who could you know yeah, kick yeah, the yeah. goal. So I step up and I just booted it. <laughs> Boom! So they yeah. immediately they this were interested in me. I know. He's a phenom. I nailed it Uh with the uprights and things flew. And Kathy, I could never Never do it it again. again. I just got lucky on one shot. That's what I'm wondering. I hope she can do it at the Olympics. Oh, my God. He's amazing. (laughs) Try it again. Yeah. Oh, no. No. Uh, Exactly. But that actually is an interesting topic. Number one, if you've you've ever just nailed it on the first time out, on your first time trying something, you just... Um, you just got, I told I told you my daughter for yeah. Christ's sake. Hole in one. Hole in one. Oh my God! I forgot we go about to a that. Chip, we go to a chip and putt, and listen. Some of these holes are are over, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy five yards. That's a that's a short distance in golf. But for a little kid, my daughter hits the ball. <laughs> hole in one. I. You've never yeah. gotten a hole in one. Never gotten a hole yeah. in one. I've I've on rare occasions. I've been a hundred yards out. Yeah. And and put it in like maybe twice right. for for a birdie or an eagle, but I've never got a hole in one. She does it her very first swing of a golf club ever. So my buddy Scott from college, he um, he has clothing lines called Wolf Pig, and he his uh, second semester senior year was looking to fill out credits just to graduate. Yeah. So on a lark, he just takes this uh, this art class. Right, he had no idea how talented of an artist he was. Like, I mean, can paint and draw and all. He had, and I'm like, 
you never doodled ever in school. All, he's like, no, I didn't. Like, I just, I never had any clue. I'm like, you, you weren't. He's like, no, I was a he nerd. He was just naturally, and he was unaware. He was had a natural inclination to be an artist. Never had. That's that's amazing. I mean, you're. 21, 22 years old at this point. It's like sitting down at the piano and just being able to play. Oh, dude, that's my buddy Mike. He's such an a-hole. Like, yeah. yeah, so he's a drummer by nature, but he can, like, pick up any instrument and just play it. Yeah. And he's not, like... Not the way it was meant to be played. But no, he... no, I mean, like... But, like, he's not, like, he's not playing a G the way yeah. I play a G, which is, you know, I look at a chart and I, oh, my finger goes here, my finger... No, he just, like, hears it and he's like, yeah. ding, ding, you know? And uh, it's unbelievable, 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 unbelievable. <laughs> when training for a marathon, you're better than that. <laughs> Marriage counselor. <laughs> um, when training for a marathon, uh, do you not run a marathon beforehand? I, I've heard conflicting reports on that. Like, you, if you're building up to be a marathon runner, the first actually, we, maybe we could ask uh, Bert Kreischer about it because he's run uh, more than one. But um, like the thing with Eddie Izzard's, it blows my mind because he's run so many of them. I don't know how the day best. after day he'll yeah. run. Yes. He'll run consecutive marathons, and you look at this guy, and he's Got the build of like Ricky Gervais. Yeah, my, uh, he's Will, not. Yeah, Will Ferrell did it a few years ago. Did the New York City Marathon, and uh, you know you wouldn't look at Will Ferrell and say that that's a classically trained athlete. He didn't um, have a champion time, but he did it. But he did it. Yeah, yeah. just to be able to do it at all and to not stop running. Um, I, I have no interest in doing that ever. I, I there are a lot of goals in my life, I, places I'd like to hike and mountains I'd love to climb, but running a marathon just um, never. That's just not on my list. No. Uh, so my ex girlfriend has run over forty marathons, and like her. She never like when she trains and, and for a marathon she never runs a marathon. I think she like tops off at like twenty, right? At the at the most seventeen, okay. twenty, you know, like that's crazy. Like her training run is, you know, two hours long. You have to set aside um bottles of water and things like that on the route. So you will um <laughs> Do you? Yeah. No, my, so my, my friend's dad uh, has run a few and when training for them, uh he will drive the route, leave bottles of water along the route so he doesn't have to carry the bottles of water with him. Right. Yeah. So you have to drive it, which is not it's not easy or quick to drive twenty miles or whatever it is, you know, and, and then set them aside and get the water. Occasionally you have to go to the bathroom while you're doing it. I mean marathon running is not an easy task. Yeah, there's a guy I know he's not a marathon runner, he's a heavy drinker. Yeah. And uh uh, he would go to the bar at night, and when he would, uh, he would leave beers along the, the way for the walk home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, I swear, I, I, I crap you not. He used to leave beers so that when Did he was he done at the, the bar, Olympics? hey, he never got behind the wheel. He always walked to and from the bar. Right. Uh, if there was an Olympic That's sport, funny. he probably could uh, marathon <laughs> drinking. That's a bit of a problem. It was, <laughs> oh no, you'd think, and I know people would suggest I have an issue, but I'm fine. When. Uh, was this in her sinus? No, no, no. So when we lived in Lawrence Park, he would walk to Barnaby's. Yeah. And it's kind of a healthy walk from Barnaby's <laughs> to uh, Lawrence Park. I'm in trading. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't now. Okay, so I have a couple questions about okay. that. So would he, he would have to hide them because someone's going to, you know. No, it's nighttime. Yeah, it's dark. You can't see the cans pressing. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. All right. So it's nighttime. Well, listen, I mean, I'm, he wouldn't just leave it there sitting in the street. I'm sure he put him Put some camo over it. <laughs> put some camo so, over it. So he had some regular spots where he knew where they <laughs> would be. Um, also, it you know, I was he only doing it in the winter because it's going to get warm at some point? I don't recall the time huh. of year that he was doing it, but uh, winter sounds like a good time to do that, yeah. Sounds like he had a big-time drinking problem. Yeah, the problem yeah. was that uh, he couldn't bring it on the way home. Well, everyone everyone jumps to that conclusion. Yeah, that's funny. Well, the crazy thing is, you know, Barnaby's has takeout. You know, you could just uh, do takeout on, yeah. your, on your way home. But that's, that's, that's expensive. That, you know that, that, that that's like Barfly meets Hansel and Gretel. 
Uh, speaking of uh, nailing it the first time out, I'm going to go to Frank here on the phone lines. Hi, Frank. Good morning. Hello. Hello. What's up, Frank? Uh, my first time ever playing beer pong. I was at a bar that had like a tournament style. So uh, my buddy wanted to play beer pong. He asked me. I'm like, dude, I never played in my life. He's like, come on, we'll we'll do fine. I'll I'll carry you. I just need a partner. I hit every single shot. So it's like one after another. You keep going. So it was just you're done. Um, that's it. Every single shot. Wow. So we move we move up in the tournament. I never hit another. First <laughs> You just you had gotten in the zone for that moment, and that was it. Like, I didn't even come near the table. It was that bad. And he was just, all right, I don't know what happened. A lot of times, the very process of trying to think about what you're doing right will kill it. Yeah. You know, and it's, that's it. You, you, you described it, President. It, it is right. the zone. You don't know what otherworldly thing is possessing you, but yeah. for that brief moment, you're unstoppable. Uh, the, well, this guy nailed this gal nailed it on her first time out, and wow. she's going to be on the Olympic team now. Like I said, she was a runner beforehand. Uh, she was a uh, a Notre Dame track and cross country star, uh, <laughs> but she had won NCAA championships in the three thousand, five thousand, and ten thousand meters. But had she was sidelined by injury, depression, she had an eating, uh, I'm sorry, an eating disorder. Wow. Uh, eventually, she uh, went to a recovery program. Later, re-entered the world of competitive running with a few strong half marathon performances on the road to Atlanta. But she had never run a marathon before. She said that she was thought that she'd be finishing in the tenth to twentieth range, and that that would be a good day. And she killed it. Do you guys know that the Philly marathon is just two half mar- marathons back to back? They don't run the marathon route. Is uh, it's just two laps, two yeah, two two half marathons back to back. So my brother and, and his now wife ran it a few years ago. She ran the full marathon. He did the half marathon, but basically she ran the marathon, the half marathon. Is twice. that considered an anomaly? It is. Yeah, most of the time marathons will go twenty six miles in in whatever direction. In, right. In Boston, uh, you start in a town. I think it's called Hopkinton, and you work you work your way into Boston. It's twenty six miles outside of Boston, or roughly. Um, and a lot of it is kind of downhill, but even that. Um, what is it? Heartbreak Hill. It just it kills yeah. runners, and you know that's at like mile twenty or twenty two or something oh, like that. I, that. I know. Mm. <laughs> Hang on, let me go to uh, Dan uh, nailing it first time out. Hey, Dan. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, what's up, man? I am not a golf player whatsoever. But uh, my kids' school always has a golf founding every year, and it's free beer all day long. So <laughs> I decided my, my friends, my friends made me go one year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I've literally I've literally never played a round of golf or finished a hole in my life. Okay. And I come up, I come up this one, it's the one where it's the closest to the pinhole. Okay, so it's par and three, I, yeah. It, it's a par three. Yeah. And I actually, I shoot, because I was teeing off that time. I shoot as the other people are still on the green below me. <laughs> and I end up You're supposed to wait until they leave the green. Okay, <laughs> yeah. go ahead. First, first, I, I don't know any of the rules. <laughs> I, end up getting, I, end up getting within, I end up getting within two feet of the pin. Oh, my wow. God. Okay, I'll believe him. It was, it was lucky as hell, but... <laughs> We get all, you know, we get back and they start giving out the award. And there's a bunch of golf guys out there that they, you know, like big golf guys. They and actually, I felt like everyone thought I cheated. But thank God, I almost hit a guy on the green in order to prove it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was your uh, that was your witness. So you were so, too bad to cheat. So you ended up winning uh, closest to the pin. Oh yeah, and I actually, I'll be honest, with you, I still have never played around the golf since then. Just that one time, your moment of glory. Yeah. Wow, what'd you what'd you win? Do you remember what they gave you? Uh, it was probably like a school sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Uh, I had been a swim player for years, and uh, my buddy who never was a swim player raced me one time. And I don't, what's a swim player? It's like a golf player except in the pool. 
Oh, he's just making fun of that guy. Oh. Uh, hey, let's uh, go past it. Look at that. Look over there. Okay. Wow. Reverse. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that, Steve. Thank you. Uh, I, I had no idea what you were talking Way funnier Sorry. in my head, guys. Okay. So I. Um... It was really, really funny in my head. The audience cheered, and everyone carried me out on their shoulders saying, Swim player, swim player. <laughs> You looked at me, Press, when he said golf player. I was like, golf player? I know, but I had forgotten it by the time he had uh, gone through. Not me, Preston. I hung on to it forever. (laughs) I'm going to write this down in my memories book. God, swim player, save for joke. (laughs) It ended up working out, didn't it? It did. We're laughing now, aren't we? Are they not players? They're just golfers? Yeah, just a yeah, golfer. golfer. Yeah, but he said he was he was a novice. He didn't know what he was yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, so that's why he was a golf player. All right, Nick, what were you going to say? Um, if it makes you feel any better, Casey, I was also wrong about something. That apparently, the Philly Marathon is no longer two laps. They they changed it up <laughs> you last. Went way into that. They, too. Well, yeah, they went. They changed it up last year, I guess. Yeah. So it's not uh, two repeated laps like it used to be. So uh, Casey had a bad joke, and I had a bad fact. <laughs> were they nice about it when they corrected you? Uh, some. Okay. <laughs> right, let me go. Was I not nice? Oh no no no! Okay, just the text right. board is just so supportive. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me go to David here. Hi, David. Good morning. Good morning. Good Zooks. Yeah, Good Zooks, buddy. Good What's up? Good Zooks. Just to let you know, I would say I'm a retired police officer, and the first time I was hired, I scored a perfect score on the shooting range. Ah. Whoa. And it was great. And I got all these, you know, they're like accolades saying, hey, have you ever considered going on the, you know, the county emergency response team, equivalent to SWAT, you know, yeah. perfect shooting score. I'm like, oh, no, not really, you know. And then the rest of my career, I've never had a perfect score again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course not. Yeah. And, and well, of course, I mean, I had times where I actually focused in on my co-worker's target right next to mine and stopped <laughs> on his. You were shooting that's the wrong target. Yeah, yeah. I realized I gave him some extra points. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. That's funny. And, and, I mean, you just you couldn't get it back for whatever that's reason. That it was yeah. on that day. It's wild how things happen like that. I'm always amazed at... Uh, at, you know the athletes who who can nail it all the time uh because you know anything you you physically i change from day to day like yeah. some days i have the ability uh, whether it be with golf or, or even playing drums i'll notice some bills i'm like, well, i could do this yesterday why can't i do this today there, you know well but then every now and then like even on, on the first time out boom you just do it perfect you're like i'm a natural <laughs> Consistency is is key, and that's what'll set your your high earning professional athlete apart from right, a civilian. Yeah, right. Yeah. Let me go to yeah. Let me go to Rob here. Hi, Rob. Good morning. Hey, Gadzooks. Gadzooks, Rob. What's up? Uh, so, uh, like 15 years ago, when I was in Iraq, uh, my platoon was putting together a March Madness uh, pool, mm-hmm. and it was a, I knew nothing about college basketball. I could count on one hand the number of games I've ever watched. <laughs> But I did the pool, and I won. Of course. I never did one again. Never did it again. How many times did you try before you realized, okay, that was my one moment of glory. I'm out. I mean, that was it. I I fill out the entire bracket, and, you know, week by week or game by game, I kept knocking them off. And so you just decided, Rob, even though you you, you did it great that first time out, you're like one and done. I don't need to do this again. Oh, yeah, that was pretty much it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Thanks, hey, it's Rob. good to know your limitations. Did yeah. you win a decent pool from that? Uh, it like 100 bucks. All right. Well, still. Yeah. Well, you guys were, yeah. Yeah. You were deployed, so I understand that. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, let me go to uh, Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I can hear you. Is this our uh, blind Tucker? 
I'm blind as can be, man. That's our talker. Yeah. All right, what's your story, man? When I was in college in Kansas City, uh, my roommate was a big pool player. I had never played before, and he needed a partner and was this real douchebag that was on the table. So uh, our turn came up. He had me break, and I ran the table. I'd never played before in my life. (laughs) And you ran ran the entire table. And we got into this big fight. They kept saying I was a ringer. I brought you brought this guy in. What the heck is this? Got kicked out of the bar. Uh, what? Up a yeah, we got kicked out. <laughs> they started a fight. Uh, yeah, people would get pissed off if they think you have, you have a ringer. But some, you know what? It, it, I think it, it, it comes down to like the way uh, in a beautiful mind. Um, his his solving problem. People just for that moment for that time when he was running the table, mm-hmm. you were seeing the angles. Yeah. You knew you knew the. And it just came to you. You went with your instinct. Right. And for whatever reason, that instinct was, was spot on. And fleeting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And fleeting as well. <laughs> uh, let me go to, I have uh, Brad. Hey, Brad. Hey, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey, what's up, buddy? Uh, not too much. So this, uh, my brothers-in-law, I have four of them, and they're all big hunters. And they, we got together for a family reunion. They all decided, all right, let's go out and go trap shooting. I was like, you get, they're like, you want to go? I was like, sure, I'll go. Never shot a shotgun in my life, but I said, all right, I'll go out, bond with the brothers-in-laws. We went out, got to the first trap. They're trying to show me how to load the shotgun and everything. We get to the first two. They yell, pull. I missed both of them because I didn't even know what was going on. Yep. And they all started laughing at me. We get to the next one. I went 48 for 50. Oh, my <laughs> 48 God. for 50. 48 for 50 for the rest. I hit every single one after that. They're like, holy, and they're all hundreds. They're like, holy, how did you do that? <laughs> and then they thought, all right, this is this is dumb luck. So we got together, uh, that was two years ago. We got together last year. Like, all right, come on. This time they're like, all right, we're going to put some money on this. So we put some money on it. And they're like, all right, 40 bucks or 50 bucks a guy. So we went through and we went out. Yeah. Same thing, 48 for 50. No way. <laughs> so you kept yeah. it. You, you're just a natural. Yes, it just, yeah, it just comes naturally, yeah. You must hate your guts. <laughs> Damn, how much you end up winning, Brad? Uh, 200 bucks. Nice. There you go. Good call. You're going to... my brothers law, but it's more bragging rights. They're all big hunters, and I've never, that's only my second yeah. time ever shooting a shotgun. Dude. So the <laughs> both time, the two, the only two times you went, you got 40 out of 50, 48 out of 50. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking if I actually practice, I might be able to get 50 out of 50. Yeah, no kidding, man. Wow. <laughs> do you ever right. see when they do the tactical, uh, Thanks, the, the courses with the shotguns, and you'll see the um, uh, the, the police do it, the, the, the uh, tactical teams, and the way they load the, the shotgun, it's it's up on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, very John Wickian. Uh, I will go next to Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Good morning. Hey, I am them. <laughs> I am them. You am them? Uh, so let's talk about nailing it on the first time out. What's your story? Hey, so you know this uh, office pools uh, for NFL? You'll pick, uh, you know, whatever team. And then, you know, basically um, my wife, uh, she would look at the teams and pick which one she would rather visit. So let's say Cincinnati versus L.A. Well, I want to go to L.A. Mm-hmm. So she would she just picked all that, you know, and then she winds up. And on her first pool she ever did for like two hundred and fifty bucks, <laughs> she ended up winning. It, but yeah, she she yeah, of course. You know, I do it every week, and I oh hey, you want to do it? No, no, no. Okay, I'll try it this time. And then she she hits the first time. That yep. can be dangerous. Or but you know, a friend of mine. I uh, remember we uh, and I told you guys this story before years ago. <clears throat> we went to Vegas. We were you know just out of college and uh, vacation and the whole deal. I had no real gambling desire at all. But it was, okay, we're in Vegas. It's cool. 
Uh, he gets to the uh, to the table. He does really well. He's like, oh, my God, this is great. But it turns out he's actually a terrible gambler. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I had uh, a similar story the first time I ever threw dice. This was ages ago before I knew how to play the game. We were yeah. 21. We were allowed to finally go to the casino. So we right. go to the casino. I'm like, I've always wanted Craps looks exciting to me. I'll go do it. And the only thing I knew how to bet was the pass line, the most basic right. bet that there is. And that's assuming that you you throw a number that's called a point, and if you throw that number again before you throw a seven, you win on the pass line. Very, very simple bet. Um, so I'm throwing the dice, and I'm throwing sixes and eights and eights and sixes and sixes and eights, <laughs> a five, a six, an eight, a blah, 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 over and over. The table's going crazy. It's right. my first time ever throwing dice. My money just sat there on that pass no. line the whole time, Casey. You. They... They started counting how many throws that I threw without without crapping out, and I had thrown the dice at that point, which they had already. They didn't probably keep track of the first ten or so. I had thrown the dice like thirty five times. No, without hitting a seven. Oh wow. my god! And without hitting the point. Preston, people were making money hand over fist. And how on much me. did you make, Preston? Oh, I made you know fifteen dollars, <laughs> like that. And and I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, whatever I'm doing is good. When I'm done with this and they pay me, it's going to be a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm no. just you're you're right. just down down the line. Dude, <laughs> and how come nobody line. told you? I don't know. <laughs> nobody told nobody was paying attention or I wasn't listening or I was so excited, but I could have made I could have made thousands of dollars yeah. on that roll alone. <laughs> thousands of dollars. Right, yeah. God. All right. Uh let me see. Let me go to Dan. Hey Dan, good morning. Yeah, Zooks, bitches. Yeah, Zooks, man. What's up? Uh, so, my when I joined the Air Force, we were going for our rifle training, and we were on the course. And keep in mind, I've never held a rifle, let alone, you know, like military grade. And uh, I wound up getting a marksman with a perfect score. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. I told my dad about it, and he, like, just got really quiet. He was like, yeah, um, <laughs> I was going to get you a gun, but, yeah, I don't want you to be the next Lee Harvey Oswald. Next uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Were, were you able to replicate that? Um, yeah, I've gone in a few times where I've gone to the range with friends of mine and, you know, like, really good groupings and, you know, like, I'm really on point. But, okay. like, yeah, like, first time, 18 years old, and I got marksman. I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. Some hey. things just make sense to people. Yeah. You know, and and, they, and they, they are naturals. They it just... What if, for whatever reason, it works for you. And you get it. By the way, that's a lot of fun. If you ever go to the range, you know, and I mean, even I think I've seen people. Uh, I went with my uh, neighbor, uh, Brian, a couple of years ago. And, and uh, the state of the art, and it's a place over in, in Oaks, I think. And it was it was just it was just great. It's, it's a fun sport. You oh, know? the Rod and Gun Club. Philly yes. Rod and Gun Club. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, let me go to Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi, how are you? Great. So, uh, so you nailed it the first time out. Doing what? I uh, nailed it the first time out playing poker. Okay. I got a royal flush. A I, royal uh, flush. No way. Yes. Were you playing yeah, with friends so or at a casino? Neither. I'm a pediatric occupational therapist, <laughs> and my first year out, I'm 22 years old. You know, young, cute. I'm working with a about an 18 year old autistic kid with Asperger's. So he was really rigid. He didn't like color. So I get this 
great idea. Like, all right, instead of me working with you, you're we're going to work on your social skills. You're going to teach me poker. Okay. And I'm like, win, win. I'll totally be able to use this with, like, guys on Saturday night. <laughs> we're in the library, and he's shuffling. He's angry that we even have to do this, but he's getting into it. And the first round, he I put it out, and he, he has everything listed on a piece of paper for me. And I go, I, I think I have this. He's like, you don't have that. I'm like, no, I think I got this first one. Yes. He's like, there's absolutely no possible way there's any chance that you could ever win this. Does that, that's not happening. I'm like, no, I, I really think. He's like, no, no, let me see your hand. So I showed it to him. And he lost his mind. Oh, that's funny. They're flipping. He's freaking out. The librarian comes over. I look like a high school student. She has no idea why I'm even in there. And so, human session didn't go over well. And to this day, my husband still doesn't believe me that it ever happened. Wow. So, to get to get a, a royal flush dealt to you. Oh, that's uh, yeah. Uh, uh, statistically, yeah. that's got to be insanely rare. Uh, I mean. Yeah, it's got to be astronomical. It's like getting hit Thanks, by Michelle. lightning while you're being cradled by a shark. Wow, interesting. All right, well, thank you for the stories. I yeah. appreciate it. Uh, but this gal, American runner Molly Seidel, uh, her first time running the marathon distance, came in second place. She is now going to be representing the U.S. in the uh, Summer Olympics. So uh, that's pretty. That's pretty amazing. First time out doing something like yeah. that. Yeah. Appreciate the stories. Listen, we need to take a break. Stay there. <laughs> My favorite story, I guess, of the year was this. No, it was on New Year's Eve, I guess, though. But um, you saw it's made the rounds by now that the Pope, Pope Francis, was in St. Peter's Square on New Year's Eve. And he's, you know, he's greeting pilgrims and so on. And as he hasn't gone, he's he's, uh, shaking hands (laughs) and so on. And as he starts to walk away from the crowd, a woman reaches out and grabs his hand. He's walking away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just has his hand kind of lingering back. She grabs his hand and yanks him over. And, you know, he's an older guy, and she was hurting him. And, and he starts smacking yeah, at her yeah. hand to get her to let go because right. it was like, dude, you know. <laughs> and he has since apologized that he had that uh, that moment. He said He said that he lost patience. Yeah. He said, we lose patience many times. It happens to me, too. I apologize for the bad example given yesterday. But uh, she's yanking on him. He's like, hey, back off. Come at me, bro. Yeah. Look at her film. You know what? She was next in line. She was the very next person. She was probably like, you know what? You're not going to pass me up. I know. I know. (laughs) Let's go and be a stupid bitch. But it's... uh... I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. (laughs) It it does it did have me because he was walking away. He, and, and, he was and well she reached away. out and grabbed him. Yes, and, it, and, and yanked him back him around. Yeah. Exactly. So, but but it, it it got me to think about not necessarily <laughs> that thing grabbing somebody, but um, you know, shaking someone's hand too long, uh, or or the the person I, I I meet people. You know, we meet a lot of people, and sometimes as as you will shake hands and and. As someone is telling you something, there are some people that will just hold on and not let go. Yeah, and pull and, you in. And, and they'll just sit there and right shake away. and shake and shake. And I'm going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I've stopped. 
listening to what you're saying because yeah, now, now I'm focusing on the fact that you won't let go of my hand. You know what I mean? No, I I know exactly what you mean, and 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 many times it's it's for this wonderful sort of connection that is happening, which is great. But it, it just it throws me off, especially when someone starts to pull you pull in, you in. Mm-hmm. and I'm like. No, let yeah. go. I, I yeah. pull my hand away. I don't care how awkward it is. Like after yeah. I, I shook your hand, let go, and yeah. I just pull my hand away. And they get the point. I saw footage of the Pope last year. He was uh, greeting people in the Vatican, and he was doing just that, Kathy. And then for him, he said it was because of health concerns that he would he would withdraw his hand pr- pretty quickly, and people were giving him a little bit of crap, which is in my mind kind of insane. Stupid, you know, yeah. you're just letting the Pope. But but I'm not uh, big into hugs. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not my scene, bro. This whole thing reminded me of the incident with Bill Weston and Bon Jovi. Uh, a year, year and a half ago, oh, yeah. where Bill got connected to John's earpiece, and John was trying to walk away. Now, this was it was an accident, yeah. Yeah. but Bill couldn't separate himself from John right before John's about to go out on stage, and, and Bill, <laughs> Bill was just saying goodbye and being nice and pleasant, but he got hooked into John's earpiece, and then John couldn't get away. Well, you know what, and and that's another thing too. I have had happen where somehow or another you get you get stuck to someone. Yeah, you're connected. So, a piece of your clothing, yeah, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, gets connected, and they start walking away, and you're like, "Hold on, wait, hey, hey, I'm right. stuck to you right Let now. Let go. Yes, <laughs> rape. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> rape. It's it throws you off, and it's it, I I love that I love shake you know to to shake someone's hand. I'll put, when we take a picture, I will put my arm around someone. That's all. Good, but there there is that, and you know that guy, that yeah. guy who, who also pulls down, pulls your hand down, yeah, to pull you in. What you know? What is this about? I don't, I don't know. I can't stand. Well, it. you also often see it when, um, like, lead singers will go out into a crowd yeah. in a concert and stuff like that, yeah. and you know, like, just. <laughs> Ease up a little bit, you, you know. Like they're they're going out to the crowd or they're crowd surfing or whatever, and you're, you 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 want to get a piece of them, and it's it's. It's not for you to do that. Well, it's, you know, also, it's just like, respecting personal space. Uh, like, like again, and, and this is not whether you're, a, uh, you know, on, on a celebrity, like a performing mm-hmm. artist on stage or whatever. All, but all, who just freaked out recently? There was somebody who was up on stage, and he got he got grabbed, and he he responded and 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 started giving a lecture to the person in the in the, in the crowd about you know I think grabbing his junk and stuff like that, which is obviously well, well over the line. Simply passed a handshake. Yeah, but, but like I. I can understand you've got the Pope in front of you, and this woman was overcome. And she was she next was, in line. She was yanking <laughs> on right. yeah, yeah. You can't do that. Can yeah. we turn the air conditioning off, please? Uh, it's It just started getting freezing. And it, okay, so, yeah, here. I didn't touch now, it. Our problems. I'm freezing my ass off as well, Kathy. But, uh, like, 15 minutes ago, I was thinking, oh, it's comfortable nice. in here. Nice. It's nice. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it clicked on. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> uh, but uh, have you guys ever, have you ever met a celebrity and, and, and not let go. <laughs> well, not necessarily. I mean, sat on their face. Well, you, you know what I do? Just sometimes? linger on the wrong thing, or you know what I mean. All well, the time. I, I say goodbye too many times if it's a celebrity that I met. I, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. Uh, I want to continue the conversation, and so I'll do the stupid thing of it was great meeting you. It was nice meeting you, but I'll do it more than once. Yeah. And, and I and sometimes it'll happen here in the studio. I, you know, I just want to extend the conversation, and I'll, it'll occur to me afterwards. I'm like, well, I, said, I think I said goodbye to them like three times. <laughs> yeah. But it, it happens to us at an event as well. People just want to hang out and want to say nice things to you, which is really cool. And then they don't quite know how to say goodbye at the end of the conversation. Well, you're, you're wrapping up a, 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 you know, you have to get good at that, wrapping up a conversation. And also knowing visual cues when someone right. is done with you. Yes. When someone is, has made every effort to say 
you know, I, I pick up on the cues. Okay, time yep. to move along now. This yep. person is done chatting, and we've reached the logical end of this encounter. Some people do not have that ability. No, and I'm I'm trying to work on that. I'm trying to get better on that. Like, yeah. uh, just because I'm near a celebrity doesn't mean I have to talk to them. Um, <laughs> it's most, hard, though. Most recently, listen, I was backstage at Fish on, on Sunday night, and I, I was in catering with them. And I was in line behind Mike Gordon, who was the basis for Fish. I was right behind him. And it took every <laughs> ounce of of restraint to not say something to him. Like, hey, get off his shoulder. Hey, hey, Scalopini over there looks pretty good. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, yes. I mean, you, want, you also think, um, do I appear rude because I'm not engaging in conversation? So at one point, he was getting his food, and I was right behind him. And... Uh, and then he backed up, like, and he was about to back into me. And then, like, I, I really tried to back away from him, so we, like, we didn't touch. I really tried very, very hard to not come in contact with him. Not, I didn't want to talk to him. This is before a show. If, if I would have been in line with you, I would have offered you a hundred dollars to take something <laughs> off of his plate <laughs> and eat it, dude. Wait, that would have been his awesome. Plate, his plate was jam packed with stuff. Like, I, I was like, dude. You can't eat that much before you go out on, on stage, man. You're going to have to take a dump, bro. That's Were you, not healthy. <laughs> Were you by yourself, or did you have a friend with you? I was with my brother. Okay, so that makes it a little easier. Like, if you're there by yourself, you you want to engage in anybody in conversation just sure. to be pleasant to the people around you. But oh, at least you had your brother to talk to. Oh, he wanted to, and I was like, <laughs> he want, he had his, he had a, because uh, we were watching an Eagles game beforehand, so he had his Eagles dog mask with them, and uh, he wanted to get a picture with them. I'm like, dude, this is not, this is not, <laughs> not the, the place. place. This is not like we're we're in their sanctuary. Right Could now, you have done you know the road I mean? like rub his shoulders thing? Like, <laughs> hey, what you having, buddy? <laughs> and then <laughs> and that linguini looks good. When I had my my plate of food, he was already sitting down, and all the other tables were taken up. He was sitting by himself at a table. I'm like, oh my god, I could go sit down, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. I just went and found another table near his table. But, yeah, it was really, really hard for me not to to go over and, and just chit-chat with him. I'm having a brain fart, Casey. I went up to Pocono to do a ride-along with uh, the driver. You know, Jeff Gordon Jim, or no, Jimmy no. Johnson? It was Jimmy Johnson. It was yeah. the Pope. No, Jimmy Johnson, <laughs> one, of the, one of the all-time Huge. greatest. Huge. So, nice guy and everything. And so it was a uh, it was a media thing, and some yeah. other people were there, and, and we were first grabbing a bite to eat. And so I'm sitting at a table by myself, and everybody's getting food, and all these tables are full, and the chair is open, and he comes walking by with a with some food, and I go, I go, you can sit down if you want to. I won't talk to you. you know, I said, basically, I said, I'm not going to bother you. There's no other seats. You can sit down if you want to. He went somewhere else. No! <laughs> I was just being nice. Uh, you were know. trying to be cool. But he was a nice enough guy. Just but. want you to know I'm not impressed by you. So please sit so down. So please have a seat. I, I have no desire to I talk really to you. I really don't even like that. I don't even like what you do. <laughs> and I suspect you're not a good person. And, so please sit down. And you know what? And that's an interesting thing, too. When you want to let them know something yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You, you also don't want to come off as... I don't appreciate what you do, yeah, but you, I'm not going to bother you. I really think NASCAR is kind of stupid. See, <laughs> so Dude, honestly, yeah. you, you drive in a circle for a living. Yeah, I, I so. mean, if, if you just if you got out of the car, it would do that naturally. So, um, I'm not impressed. I'm not going to talk to you. Oh, what did I say? I must have said something. A monkey could he do what you upset. do. You could you could just tie the, the the steering wheel to the handle of the door, and it would do. I must have said something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not an athlete. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's nothing that you do that has any merit. God, I, what did I say? What I did I do something. wrong? Here, here's the text. Literally no skill in what you do, but I, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I got a picture with uh, my favorite morning radio show at a blood drive once. The woman on the show pressed her boobs against me. I didn't know how to say goodbye. Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me go to Anthony. Hi, Anthony. Good morning. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. What's up, man? Um, so a couple of years ago, I was walking through Ocean City, New Jersey, and I had seen a, a giant tour bus with a bunch of band equipment and stuff like that that all said Breaking Benjamin. And... On the way back from uh, from our friend's boat, I, I was coming back, and I had the stupid captain's hat on. I was, like, 14 years old. And I saw these guys sitting on the curb right there. And I'm like, hey, do you guys know, like, what all this band equipment and stuff was about? And they're like, uh, yeah, we're, we're Breaking Benjamin. Like, we, we had a show here. Like, we're based out of Ocean City and stuff like that. And I just I just stood there. I just like, kind of stared at him for, like, five seconds. I didn't know how to talk to him. I'm not... I used to talk to people famous like that, and that was just a weird experience. <laughs> so you were you were you were really un, unimpressed, or you were just you didn't know what to do? Yeah, didn't know no, what to yeah, do. Yeah, I was just I was just like flabbergasted. Just as I'm, I'm standing here talking to Breaking Benjamin, just on the sidewalk of. Oak All right, City so you were, you were starstruck. Okay, yeah. Okay. And, All right. And then again, I had this stupid the stupid captain's hat on, and I'm just like, <laughs> what? all right, I made an ass of myself. Yeah. <laughs> you should have said, I'm a captain. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. I'm, oh, a captain. I'm a captain. <laughs> I, I, I wrapped it all up by saying, oh, well, best of luck to you guys after yeah. the party, some major famous band. Go so, do um, good music. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Go do good. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate I think it. a lot of times people feel like when I, I'm introduced to somebody and uh, it happens more often than not. Well, they'll go, oh, this is Casey Boy from the Preston and Steve show. As if everybody knows and everybody, you know, and not everybody listens. No. And, but people feel, even if they don't listen, they feel <laughs> like the need to, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like you guys. And it's like, you don't have to pretend like you no. listen to the show. It's okay. My, <laughs> my mom and sister. Oh, my God. <laughs> If we're anywhere in the area, they're in town visiting, wherever we go, if we're getting a bite to eat, wherever it may be, do you listen to the radio? <laughs> oh, oh, no. Mom, don't, 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 don't. Well, why not? Because not everybody listens. Yeah. We're very popular. Yes, we've got a great high-rated morning show that's wonderful, but not everybody does. And if they don't, and it's very awkward... And I have to go, it's okay that you you're, don't you're, listen. You're trying it's, to yeah. mitigate it's this. Right. You know it's coming. And oh, then she, she goes, God, I hate listen it. to DeBella. I, I had John to, is very talented. I had to sit them down and say, look, yeah. I don't know you mean well. <laughs> and I know you're proud. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely hate it when you do this. Please just trust me and don't do that. Because then people feel the onus is on them to act, and it's okay. Yeah. yeah as you said, it's 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 no. Th- you know that's why when you think on a level of somebody like a, a member of of the band Fish or or uh, yeah, like a Tom Hanks or somebody at that level, when they walk into some place, you know, I know I feel weird. Any celebrity, you know, you encounter in in a green room or or in a uh, backstage at a concert, you want to like, what do I do? Yeah. To, to give them the space, or do they feel like I'm? Being standoffish, or would they want to be acknowledged? It's the same conundrum that everyone faces. Press, I was at a a friend's house uh, right after Christmas for a little gathering. It wasn't like a big party or anything like that. And and, uh, there was a guy who walked in, and my friend says to this guy, hey, this is... uh, you know, he's introducing everybody. Yeah. And then he gets to me and goes, this is Casey. And uh, he's you know, he works for the President Steve Show on WMMR. And then I said, oh, are we doing what we do for a living? Is that, is, uh, well, this is Jeff who, who uh, you know, works for, for this place. And this is uh, Melissa who works for the, uh, the uh, school district of Lower Marion. And, you know, I'm like, 
you don't it it doesn't have to go because you yeah, 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 you, 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 yeah. you don't want to place someone in an uncomfortable position of saying well, I I don't I don't I don't listen, listen. Or, I don't know or that yeah. they have to act as if they do yeah. you know uh, it's just <laughs> you were you've been there and you wouldn't want that put on you yeah. you know but going back to the uh, the pulp thing <laughs> that took place where this this woman kind of stepped out of yeah. bounds yes. a little bit or over over the line a little Grabbed bit. them. Uh, and I wouldn't mind hearing from people who maybe were kind of chastised and then in hindsight realized, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Because I do have a story. Oh, do you? Me. It's, it's not much. Right. Uh, but I, I, I look back. I was really angry at the time. And then I looked back later. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? This person was right to probably tell me to back off. So it was Tom Cochran. You remember him? Yes, Tom, Tom Cochran. Is Cochran. Is yeah. yeah. The band Red Rider, yeah. Yeah. Tick Fringe and all that. So he had the song... Life is a Highway Out. It was just hitting. Yeah. So, which went on to be a gigantic Mega hit. hit record. So he came into St. Louis. He did an interview with our morning show. I was the music director. We went out to dinner the night before. Blah, blah, blah. A couple of the members of the Flyers, or not the Flyers, the St. Louis Blues were there and everything. And we were all buddy-buddy chum that night at dinner. Right. The next morning comes and does the, uh, uh, the morning show. And then that night he was going to be playing a show at a nightclub. I was going to be there and to introduce the band on stage and so on. So uh, uh, when before I headed out, um, a guy who played for the Blues, a guy named Tony Twist, he gave me a call. We were kind of friends, and he's like, "Hey, do me a favor when you get there, because he's Canadian as well." He's like, "Tell Tom, uh, you know, it's great to meet him, and I want to buy him a case of champagne." I'm like, "All right, cool, yeah, absolutely, I'll do that." Uh, so I show up at the gig. I see Tom. He's over here. He's talking to these people. I come walking up. I'm like, hey, dude, how you doing, man? What's up? I kind of jumped in the middle of the conversation. I look. Tony Twist told me he's going to buy a case of champagne, blah, 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 this and that. And he looks at me. He goes, excuse me, but I'd like to talk to my cousins right now who are right here. Oh, boy. And I was was all excited because I was like, you know, know, this guy, blah, 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 wants to do this for you. We had a great time last night. And it was just like, boom. I was just shut down. And I was like, Wow. You're an a-hole. Yeah. I thought immediately. But it wasn't until later I realized, wait a minute, <laughs> I was the a-hole. <laughs> I'm the a-hole who jumped in the middle of this right. conversation of his family members who we probably hadn't seen in a long time. We were local to the area. And I, I, it took me a while to... To get past that, and I still feel embarrassed about the fact that I did that. You well, know you're, I mean? you're, 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 and it was just a blip on his radar. It didn't mean anything at all to him. Just one more groupie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I just I look back and I'm like, yeah, that was dumb. I I, I probably should have just. And I was younger. I was in my twenties, and I was all excited. We should it's, probably get him on. Let's the get show. him on the phone. Yeah, yeah please go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind uh, apologizing all these years later. No kidding. My cousin died the next day. <laughs> <laughs> it was the last time I spoke with them. So life is not a highway. It's a dead end. <laughs> uh, I think on. it's cool that you were friends with Tony Twist. I love that guy. He was a bruiser. Oh, he was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Marissa? All right. I have one that I haven't told anyone ever because it's embarrassing. I don't think I ever told that story either. Okay. I've always been embarrassed about you it. You inspired me. So uh, I was out in L.A. T- uh, 2017 for the Eagles Raiders game. And um, the, the place was – there was like a lot of celebrities around. I saw um, – uh, Dustin Diamond? Yes, exactly. Uh, but anyway, so I'm walking through my section, and the tunnel is completely empty, and Flea walks by me. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, my God. Flea, oh, my God. Uh, uh, huge fan. Like, I work for a rock station. And I was like, can I get a picture? And he looked at me. Oh, no. With disgust. Oh. And was just like, 
No, just leave me alone. And like he said that. Yes, but oh. like, but I do not hold him against it because I was also like just an Eagles fan, just walking through the tunnel, like wanting. A, and he just was at a game, and he just wanted to like be human for a moment. And he like had food in his hands, like he was coming back from the concession stands. Uh, well, here, let me carry that for you. Yeah. Like, so when you when you approach him, how, were you overly eager? Do you think you you sounded kind of shocked? Or do you think if you had said? Um, Mr. Flea, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan. Would I be able to get it? Would you mind if I took a picture with you? I think I contained my excitement. Oh, so you were contained. But I also, like, I, I, I just thought, I thought I was cool. I thought I was in. The, the yeah. tunnel was empty, so it wasn't, like, starting anything. Right. Like, if I took a picture, nobody else was around to I know. see one. And, oh, it crushed my soul. Oh, <laughs> man. Almost. Or because I was just embarrassed that I asked him. Instead of just walking up and saying, like, hey, Huge fan, like thank you for all that you do. Yeah, yeah, and now now you want a piece of me, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what well, about who is it? Uh, Howard Hussman? Howard Hussman was a jerk, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he was just a prick. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was fourteen or fifteen years old at the time, and in then, a French airport, right? And, yeah, in Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris, and uh, he was there for the bicentennial. Willard Scott, totally nice yeah. guy. Mm. Howard Hussman, the original Ronald McDonald, thank by the you. way. Yeah. Uh, but Howard Hessman was not only a jerk to me, but he was a jerk to all the kids that we were with. And all we wanted to do was get what a picture of What do you think? I'm, f- I'm Flea? Yeah. He's not, but the uh, head of the class was huge at the uh, time. But honestly, th- always remember that in these instances where, like, you and and, uh, and Marissa is like, you know, do you want to carry to that next level? Or is it simply, hi, I'm a big fan of your work? Yeah. It, does that get it done? What What if that woman with the Pope had said, hi, I'm a big fan of your robe? <laughs> You and God. No, he, he was all, he was walking away. Oh, she, yeah. If yeah. she didn't pull him, that, that, that was it. That yeah, was it. she wasn't going to get to shake no. his hand. Uh, she got yo, dude. <laughs> I I I do less and less interaction with uh, people that are famous that I that I admire. If, if you're yeah. famous, just for and I don't really, I'm not into whatever you're into. I won't even bother. I'll like just, TikTok people. Yeah, like the TikTok <laughs> star I saw yeah. being a person all over the weekend. Um, Can but I just get my teriyaki, please? <laughs> I less and less want to go over and and talk to them because I I say to myself, what am I going to get out of this? Yeah, am I am I going to make a personal connection with this person? Most likely, would you be my best friend? Most likely <laughs> not. And what? Where am I going to go with the conversation after if it does start to lead down? You know, if I do want to try to engage. And it's going to end awkward with me just kind of standing there and and wrapping up, and you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I I don't know. You're you're a lot better at it though, Case. I see you talk with uh, a lot of celebs we have come in here for interviews, and you'll have extended conversations with them. And I I don't really do that. Yeah, but I also feel super awkward about it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's sometimes, you know, like you also have to remember that when we we bring people in here, um, there's you know there's six people on the show. And everybody kind of wants a piece of them, but you know, I, I kind of have to give them like the once over of like, all right, this is what we're going to do. You're, you're, blah, blah, the, you're yeah. the main conduit, yeah. and so that's usually the case. But sometimes I get into like awkward situations where I'm like, why did I lead this conversation in this direction? This this is this means absolutely nothing, and I've kind of talked this conversation into a corner. All right, how am I going to get out of this one? <laughs> like, well, I, I really, um, I haven't really thought much about balloons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Who was the last person you were nervous around? Nervous around. It would, well, what about fish? You just talked about. Was that the last one? That would... Yeah, but I wasn't really even nervous. And because you've met I, them before, I, and I've met them before, but so, I haven't like I, I didn't engage in conversation. So, so I, there was no there was no nerves. Mm, man, I, I I don't even know Travolta. Well, we had Travolta, but he was so 
easy to talk to. Yeah, he he yeah. made he made it a lot easier. I'm trying. You I know who's a difficult all the time is Michael Barkan. He <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just the worst. Just yeah. the worst. No, I, know. I get he, yeah. I get more nervous around musicians than I do actors. Okay, I think maybe um, athletes because uh, actors are. A little bit more arty and can be a little bit more standoffish or moody, I think, where actors a lot of time know how to play a role and, and right. they'll probably do that just to get through. I'm going like like <laughs> you know I mean? to act like I like you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Casey, I've se- uh, so to you, I've seen you fanboy. You're right. About athletes. Fanboy athletes out. are when you fanboy out and you will readily admit that to them, which sure. I think is sort of a disarming thing. And they respond to that. I've seen you with um, uh, musicians, uh, Preston, Kathy and Nick. Do you, do you have similar or, or who, who who makes you, you know, ner- nervous? Well, I don't know. I, the last person I really got nervous around was just because I'm a huge fan was uh, with Tim Robbins when he was in the studio. Yeah. I, the, Shawshank's my favorite movie of all time and he couldn't have been nicer. And, and so but I remember being Nervous when he got in here, uh, but you're right about Travolta, Casey. Like yeah. he, he just he put you at ease. Yeah. He said your name. You know yeah. he would say he would address you as Casey. He would address me as Nick, and like so that made it really easy. And Steve, to your your question, it's kind of funny about how proximity can change things. I sit closest to the guest where the yeah. guest microphone is, and you can kind of read whether or not they want to have a, a conversation yeah. or not. Oh, yeah. And sometimes put their headphones on, you're like, okay, they yeah, don't want to talk. They yeah. don't want to talk, and that's yep. fine. But sometimes I'll be sitting next to them, and just before we go on, and like if you finish saying what right. you want to say or whatever, I'll just engage with them. Hey, where? In LA, do you live or whatever? And uh, and I'm not nervous about doing that. Right. It depends on the like. For, well, when you met Eddie Vedder, that, certainly well, that had to be a seismic yes difference. That was a, it's the, my favorite uh, musician in my favorite band, and I like also, balloons. I think balloons. <laughs> uh, I like balloons. <laughs> what do you think about balloons? But I was. Uh, <laughs> what did you say? Something about balloons? But I was also engineering. That I like interview. the long ones. No, you remember how I I had to do the engineering on that. And yeah, the yeah. engineering kept getting screwed up, so I had a task in front of me that I was in charge of trying to get done, and I, I wasn't doing and it And you're right. worried. Yeah, yeah, so I was so worried about that. So just had a great conversation backstage about, about balloons <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, uh, whether the long ones that look like big noodles are better than the round ones, and we had a great conversation. That's where that whole Tanik thing came yeah, from. Yeah. Was, yeah. And then um, Mylar is a whole other well, conversation. Yeah. you got to watch those because if they fly up into the electrical lines, they can cause power <laughs> It was a few years ago. Nick, I think you were at this thing. I don't know how I was invited to this place, but uh, I was invited for uh, dinner with Eric Lindros. And I ended up somehow sitting right next to him. And I was like, oh, man. I love you so much. <laughs> you do, and it's legit. And you you want to you want to you want to tap the brakes on it. I went to dinner with him one night. He was super nice. He, In fact, he made a point to come over and sit by us and sit down and talk for he, a little while. And I believe he did that that really night cool. as well because it was like a long, like it was like a yeah. U-shaped sort of yeah. dinner table. Yeah. And I I didn't mean to, but I, I'm like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm the guy sitting next to Eric Lindros tonight. And I wanted to. You just want to make sure that you're like, all right, don't. Overdo it. Don't right. embarrass yourself. Do you, do you think there's some sort of okay? So if we were to put together a guidebook of the do's and don'ts, you know, are there any hard and fast rules? Or keep I would simple. say keep it keep simple. it simple is probably the best. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple and sincere. Yeah, they've probably had more than their share of these interactions and appreciate. I think anybody is in any of these things because they do enjoy a bit of the adulation when it sincerely has moved someone. So here, here, here are the rules that I would say: keep it simple, right? Uh, like we learned with the Pope, physical contact, 
Probably not a good idea. Let's go, bitch. Other than just reaching out and maybe a handshake. And you're going to have to let them lead where it goes. You've you've got to yes. you've got to let them lead where it goes. Um, if if you say, "Hey, I'm a big fan," uh, you know, I just wanted to say thank you. If they ask you a question, then they're open for maybe a little bit. More. Oh, really? Well, how long have you been, uh, you know, uh, seeing my movies or going to games or whatever it may be? Let them lead it. If they let them lead, if they inquire something, then then they're in the mood to talk it, for a moment. Right. Is this the perfect interaction? Oh no! I never thought Eric Lindros <laughs> would be calling my phone. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I have to apologize to Eric because um we're kind of around the same age, so uh, I don't know what it was, but uh, you know I, I sort of fell in love with you a little bit in a totally gay way. Uh, I don't know. You, you do that to guys, Eric. You do it to dudes, man. I don't know what just happened here, but it was uncomfortable. Jeez, uh, these things happen. They're going to happen, and um, you know there are some some ways to uh, to possibly. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Security! <laughs> so you're you're in Toronto now? Yeah, awesome. yeah. We want you back here in Philly. Oh, oh, oh god! Oh god! Oh god! But oh. in case oh. six years ago, uh, I was a I don't know. I just try I try and forget it. It was the Winter Classic yeah. time, and so you when you get to know somebody a little bit, which has <laughs> happened with Lindros over the years since then, uh, it, it becomes easier. And he's acknowledged that call, and uh, yeah, that we've was, had fun with it. Yeah. And no, by the way, it was edited. You didn't say in a totally gay way. Yeah. Um, we also we'll get bands in here who were on their way up, and so we tend to not know a lot about them because there's not a lot of information about them yeah. yet. So again, like don't. You know, you were talking about be sincere. You know, don't talk. I know. Just to talk. And, you know what I mean? Like, I know what you're just, saying. And pretend to know more than you actually do about them. Here, we have a tweet that says here, hey, Fresh and Steve, I met Ryan Howard down in Florida in a small bar. Tried to say hi to him, but he pretended he didn't know who the Phillies were <laughs> or even what baseball was. It was so awkward. You think that might have been a chance that it wasn't Ryan Howard? <laughs> oh, my God. Is that possible? <laughs> it's quite funny. possible. Well, Sometimes like the- people don't. I've seen celebrities be, um, you know, dicks to people and, yeah. and, and act sure. like, I don't know, no, I'm not, you know, and, and they'll, they'll, that, that's their deflection. Right. If you look at someone who, if you, again, we always bring up the name Tom Hanks because there's a guy who knows how to oh, yeah. interact with people like the paparazzi. You never see stuff that's inflammatory with him or whatever. You know, again, he, he keeps it simple, uh, jovial, um, you know, and, 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 and moves along. Well, and like, uh, Steve, we had Dan Aykroyd on the show not that long ago, yeah. and, and we saw him down in Hawaii for the, the premiere of Pearl Harbor, and he was on the deck of the, the aircraft carrier we were on, and he's get, he's getting done with his yeah. personal appearance thing, and a sailor comes over and he goes, uh, Mr. Aykroyd, can I, you know, can I uh, get a picture? And he's like, walk with me. He's like, we're not yeah. staying here. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So he knew right. it was time to go, but he didn't want to leave this guy in the in in the dark. And, and, and yeah. you and I said, Mr. Aykroyd, we're sailors as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, hang on a second. Let me go to a couple of calls here. I'll go to Dave. Hey, Dave, good morning. And Chris, I'm on the radio. (laughs) What's up, Dave? All right. I've been waiting all year to tell you this story. So uh, real quick, I met Jeremy Roenick at the uh, outdoor game last year, and we were running through the concourse, so it had to be a really quick uh, meeting. I stopped and I said, Mr. Roenick, I got frozen up. I said, "Uh, I like hockey. Yep. <laughs> that's a that's a perfect example. I like it. Yeah, that's a perfect example. That's great, Dave. 
But so another one, so I met Cassie last year at Double Dare Live, and we actually walked into the building together. She was with uh, Jason, I assume, Dennis. So I didn't say anything then because I, I pulled over to my girlfriend. I said, oh, my God, that's that's Cassie from the radio station. She's like, what radio station? Like, All right, never mind. Don't worry. So I was getting concessions, and she walked by, and I didn't know what to say. So I just yelled Bucksco, and she, like, looked over and gave me, like, the fist pump in the air. But after, I felt, like, really awkward with it because I was like, I could have thought of something a little bit better to say than that. That's, that's, that's perfect. I get that all the time, the Bucksco, all the time. You know, sometimes. That was not abnormal. That's totally fine. Yeah, thanks, and thanks. we always say, by the way, I mean, it's, it's you know, if we're in about, please say hi. It's, it's, it's I mean. Yeah, we're not, like, super-duper famous. We're on radio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if you see us at a, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to get an email from somebody saying, I saw you at Wawa, and I didn't want to say hi. Say hi. Yeah, please. please. Say hi. I was I mean, and, you, you pay our salaries. And I'm going to give a little plug. We went to this great restaurant in Linfield called the uh, Railroad Street Bar and Grill, and there were tons of people that listened to the show that were there, and everybody was... It's so cool. They waited until we got done. I was with a group of 13, so we had a huge yeah. table, but after we got done, everybody wanted to get pictures and stuff like that, and I'm like, yes, absolutely, please. I would rather... It's so nice. ...you go ahead and do that than, <laughs> than say, I wish I would have said yeah. hi, you know, so... Cause That's we, the worst. You're, yep. you're right, Casey, to see that in an email or a tweet or something, so please, it's, not, it's always... It's always, it's it's a blessing that we have it. Here I'm gonna go to uh I'm gonna go to Frank. Hi Frank, good morning. Hey, bitches. Hey, hey. what's up, Frank? So uh I'm a local stand up comic, but like I'm pretty much just an open micer. I'm not that good or known unless like a radio show yeah. wants to help me out. <laughs> All right. That's our <laughs> policy. Uh, even no matter if you're unchecked and we don't know you, we put you on immediately. So it's all no, okay. <laughs> so but you had an so, encounter uh, with Gilbert Gottfried? Yeah, so I'm doing just like a little bit of helium. He has a show, I think, like the next night or whatever, and he's there hanging out. So everybody's like, you know, really like, oh, my God, Gilbert Godfrey's here. So I do my set. I get off stage. He's by the bar, and he points to me, tells me to come over, and he's like, you're really funny, and puts his hand out. I grab his hand so freaking hard and, like, pulled him close, <laughs> and then I just made, like, the weirdest, like, <laughs> You made oh, a noise no. like that? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you poor thing. Wait, make, Frank, the, make the noise again. I want to hear it. Uh, like SpongeBob's laugh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my and God. Were like, to do a Gilbert Godfrey impression. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Gilbert's eyes got so wide at me. Like, can you appreciate that? That a man who's living is to make a weird voice. My voice was too damn weird that he was like, I, I got to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, well, the he, fact you maybe broke his fingers, too. Yeah, he's, you got we're, yeah. we're Matt. I mean, Gilbert is the comedian's comedian. And he's just so the fact that he gave you thumbs up, you were <laughs> yeah, just that's blown cool. away. Yeah. I had a similar thing when I remember Thanks. doing when I was starting open mic. It was a comedian that not a lot of people know, Rob Bartlett, who was um, one of the, the best. Um, and he was, he used to write for, uh, Imus, I guess, which who, who passed, yeah. but, um, and you know, I remember getting off his early on in my stand up, and he was off. He was again, one of those nights he was coming in to try material and said, he called, called me over. He said, Your stuff's really good. And I was, I was one of those <laughs> <laughs> because you're just so blown away, you know, and then, and, but you, it'll live with you like you with this, this experience. And Marissa's, it's like, yeah, I was, I it was horrible. Yeah. I was just, I was just why? I but was... that, they, I guarantee you, every one of those people from Flea to, 
him to Fair everybody. Man. They all yeah. had to. They all had similar experiences in their life. God, the yeah. rest of that night, though, after I had that, you know, that awkward moment just with them, and I, I still had to bring him on stage, and I was just like, I was deflated. Yeah. I was just like, man, he just put me in my place. Hey, you folks, want to hear some music from a real dick? Yeah, <laughs> he put me in my place. I I came uh, out. I yeah. introduced him. and I just left. Yeah. I, I didn't stick around for the set. I'm like, I'm out of here. And I hated him for a while. Yeah. And then I realized, you know what? No, I was the one that uh, I was the one that that crossed the line. It takes a lot to do that. It yeah. takes a lot to do a reassessment yeah. on that. Do you guys yeah. ever meet anybody uh, that you admire and you find out that they know what you do for a living? Like they the Pope? They, they, <laughs> the Pope. You're the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's the, the, the fart thing in the Mason jars. <laughs> 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 he likes six. Uh, <laughs> for mixed martial arts. He, likes, he was very good. There was a bit we did once. Wow. He, oh, he knows he's a podcaster? We still listen. It's a great stuff. Yeah. No, occasionally we'll uh, we'll meet athletes who listen to the show, and that sets my mind at ease a little bit. Like, Drew comes to mind. I, I think one of the reasons why we built a friendship with, with Claude over the years is because he actually likes the show. Well, we're, at, we're actually, believe it or not, it even stuns us. We're at a level where we kind of are... Can work in those circles, but yeah. we, we always know, and we don't say we love this medium, we love radio, but it's not like television or, or like like superstar athletes or like, you know, movie stars. It's a whole other realm. I, I remember when we found out that Shane Victorino listened all the time. Yeah. I was like, really? To us? That was cool. Really? I thought that was pretty and now cool. he left. And then he, now he's back in Hawaii. <laughs> uh, let me I think go. he's in Vegas. Is he in Vegas? Yeah, I think right, so. I see he posts pictures of him in Hawaii all the time. Let me go to Zach. Hi, Zach. You're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. I still can't get out of the cock-a-duty car. <laughs> use it. Use it, Casey. Any uh, any opportunity for Casey to use that cock-a-duty car drop. He will try to use it. It's going to take him a moment to find it. But anyway, what's up? Uh, what do you want to add, Zach? So I actually met a guy that you're familiar with, Sal Volcano. Oh, yeah, from Impractical Jokers, yeah. Correct. Uh, I was uh, up north at a corn concert, as a matter of fact, and I was so excited because I was I was heavy into Impractical Jokers, and my brother and I were there, and I went full fanboy. I got so excited, and he was talking to people, and I just completely interjected myself into the conversation. I was like, "Oh my God, I'm such a huge fan!" and and very quickly I realized, "Oh my God." He's just trying to be a normal person. Leave him alone. Yeah. Well, you know those guys are on a. Those guys are. They, they kind of. They they roll sort of the way we do. I I've seen them be so accommodating. You they, know they are. But of the four of them, Sal is the one that's kind of like. Oh, is he? Don't, don't touch me. Well, he's kind of a germaphobe, and he's oh, uh, he's yeah. a little bit paranoid. And 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 of all of them, Zach, because as I did see them backstage one time, and. Uh, <laughs> We were hanging out in the wings and didn't get a chance to say hi to them yet. And the one who was kind of side-eyeing me the whole time was Sal. Like, what are they doing here? What are they doing here? Why are they yeah. over there? You know, and, and it's just kind of his personality, okay. though. Nothing Absolutely. nothing personal, though. But, no, uh, no. I, I knew, I knew it, you know, in the, in, the, in the middle of the situation that I, I really... Uh, I really uh, messed up. <laughs> you were the Probably one. Probably not. It yeah, was you. You, you. And I guarantee you that not most of these times, except for, you know, sometimes, uh, you think it's far worse than they think it is. So, yeah. 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 But in that oh. moment, it's like, oh, my God, it's, I, I'm the worst person on earth. And this is for you, Zach. He didn't get out 
<laughs> there you go. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, let me go to some people who have been on hold for a long time, and we're going to have to move things along here in a moment. Uh, let's go to Kim. Hi, Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. What's up, Kim? So, I, I'm going to say maybe about 10 years ago, we, my husband and I took an anniversary trip when we were in the, you know, the, some of those islands have those teeny tiny little airports. Yeah. And we were in Jamaica and kind of a small, you know, little gathering area. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I think that's pink. And his first response was, who? <laughs> he there you go. Her music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, he's right. a huge fan. Right. So I start to explain a little bit. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. And I, I said, that's her. And he was so funny. He's like, you always think you know everybody somewhere. Well, you know. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, I think that's her. <laughs> so we, I kind of look over. She's by herself, just being very, like, normal and relaxed. No, you know, guards or people with her or whatever. She's got her luggage. And on top of her carry-on is indeed a guitar case. So I know I'm right. Yeah. And he's like, okay, whatever, whatever. So we're in line, and she's in front of us, and I am bound and determined I am not going to be that fan. Okay. You know, like, she just wants to be by herself. She's traveling. I'm going to leave her alone. She turns around and starts talking to us. Oh, see? There you go. Okay. She could not have been nicer. She was just so normal. She's like, hey, what would you think of the of the of these resorts or the islands? It's my first time here. So here, I think her mom was getting remarried, and she was playing, because she did kind of indicate, oh, yeah, I was playing for my mom's wedding. And that's pretty much as much as she alluded to about being famous. Okay. And uh, she's like, yeah, it was kind of weird. It was sort of hawking me for tips and this and this. She's like, I just didn't really get a great feel from the island. We were just having a normal conversation about a normal trip. She couldn't have been nicer and not full of herself. Was it ever fully never... established that did 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 she say did at some point did you say are you pink? No, and she said we're no. all pink on. The... <laughs> 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 but you're you're 100 yeah. percent certain it was her. Oh, absolutely, okay. absolutely, okay. and and well, because then two young girls came up after and said, "Oh, are you Alicia Moore?" And she said, "Yeah," and they said, "Oh, can we get your autograph?" She was very accommodating. She said, "Sure." And then they said, can we get a picture with you? And that was the only time she's like, you know what? I'm kind of just, you know. Yeah, flying under the radar. Are you Eric Lindros? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's cool. See, what Kim did is she let Pink lead. You let the celebrity lead where this should go. And, and, you know, and listen, there could have been a chance that you, you never even said anything. You never had an interaction. She just stood in front of you in line, and that would have been too bad. But you probably, without saying anything, invited her to actually talk to you in that way. Oh yeah. What if she turned around and said, what's your favorite balloon? <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. All right. Thanks, Kim. We appreciate that's it. Awesome. Thank you. Have right. a great day. You All too. Right, Casey, you're reading something over my shoulder. Uh, you said, oh, my God. What? Yeah, well, it's the third text down, uh, Nick. You didn't highlight it. But I've told people this story because it just happened recently. I was uh, recently. One... I recently yeah. saw you at a graveyard. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I stuck half my body out of the window and yelled gadzooks, and he gave me a thumbs up. But my girlfriend, oh my yeah, uh, was uh, my girlfriend was going to beat the hell out of me for screaming that at a graveyard. Yeah. Sorry if that was the wrong place and time. Okay, it was completely the wrong place and time, but I got a kick out of it. It was my dad's birthday. I was going to, you oh know, leave some flowers and stuff at his gravesite. I get out of the car and I just hear. 
<laughs> and I turn around, and this dude is in the passenger seat of the car, halfway out of the car. And I was like, I would never. I mean, in a graveyard, in a cemetery, I probably, yeah. even if it was Trey Anastasio, yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, walking with Alf, I wouldn't, <laughs> I would, you know, stifle anything that, because it's a, but I got a kick out of it. I wasn't, like, offended or whatever, no, but no, I, okay. I I assumed you know that whoever was driving that car was like, dude, what the hell are you doing? You, you <laughs> felt that same <laughs> sense of, of, it just overtakes you. Some, like this woman in line with the Pope who yep. just, you know. She was next in line, and she wasn't about to let him go, and, and there you go. Oh, my God, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's All right, well, anyhow, it, uh, this all stemmed from the uh, the Pope, uh, a woman who was uh, pretty enthusiastic to meet him, although he was done meeting people. She yeah. reached out and grabbed him and yanked him back over, and I'm sure you saw it, and he smacked her hand. He has since apologized, said that he got a little impatient, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure was, it startled him. It did, and he said he, he said he was setting a bad example. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, but anyhow, if we if we learn anything, yes, and you and you do meet a celebrity and you're hoping for an encounter, the best bet is to kind of let them lead the way. You can come over and maybe say, "Hey, I'm a big fan," but right. leave it there and see where it goes. If they and if they have a question or something like that, and definitely don't grab them or yank them, right. or hug them without them. Like you know, a half Nelson is definitely say, out of the yeah, question. Probably not yeah. a good idea. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back in a moment. So stay with us. We will be back in just a moment. Steve Show Podcast. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. A story that Steve sent me, an article. I don't know who wrote it, but they pose an interesting question, and we wanted to see what everybody's take was on this. Is it okay to post something on social media even though you have not gotten back to a long-ago text? So, to put it this way, you post something on social media. Somebody had sent you a text earlier in the day or the day before, something like that, and you never got back to them. Yet, you had time to go on your social media account and and say whatever it is you wanted to say. (laughs) And that person sees it and goes, hmm, well, they got time to post something on their social media and they're not getting back to me. You know what I mean? Well, you know, and this is interesting at this point, especially with this uh, article coming out now, because people... The amount of screen time has skipped up exponentially. The amount of communications that are being done on all forms of social media and, and then ones that had not even been explored before has skipped up. So now we're more, even more hyper aware of this kind of protocol. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sure this happens all the time, but what really bothers me is the if you pers- you, you text somebody, but then uh, you and that person are also on a group text, and they respond to the group text, but <laughs> not your personal text that went to them with like a question or something, but they'll respond to the group. That drives me insane. So, so a question has been directed to you, but you respond to the group. Well, no, just I'm just saying, like if you, Steve, if you and I were right. were separately texting, but we're also on that whole show group text, and right. I text you a question, not even having to do with the show, just anything. Oh, I hear you. You don't respond to me, but you'll respond in the the group text, not necessarily to what I'm asking, just whatever the group's talking about. And you know what, Kathy, like you, you think, oh, I'd never do that, and then sometimes though. Like, it's like, why aren't they getting back to me? You know, uh, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. the best of us. And I I pretty much don't care because I assume everybody's got distractions and I completely understand that. But every once in a while, you'll look at that thing. Because isn't it isn't it a, a um, uh, the truth that in some of the, uh, like, when, when you text someone, automatically a little bubble response pops up that suggests they're responding back to you? It's no, not, not, automatic. Automatic. not automatic. Not automatic. Not automatic, yeah. 
Uh, I think it might sometimes if they are reading it at the time. Is that what that is? I'm not a hundred percent sure. No, I think sure. if their cursor is in the yeah. like the little text bubble. Okay. Oh, I didn't know. All right, because yeah. I'll see it pop up and then nothing will come. And yeah. that's only iPhone to iPhone conversation. You know? Oh, all right. So if you're talking to somebody on a Droid, uh, that they won't, you'll never see the bubble okay. uh, because they are a loser. <laughs> no, um, uh, if somebody does that to me, posts on social media, um, and has not responded to my text, I do take it personally. And, Damn. And I, that says about me, maybe it's okay. I'm being insecure, but I will notice it and I will hold them accountable for it. And I'm like, yep, yeah, they their social media posts are more important than getting back to me. Where I, I've never had this issue, um, but I'm curious as to what people think about it. Uh, so feel free to call and let us know your opinion on it. But where I fall into issues with text or where the mistakes that I make are that, and a lot of times will happen during the show, someone will text me, I'll I will read the text real quick. I don't have time to respond. I'm, I'm working. Right. So it has then been marked as red. Yeah, it's not yeah. new anymore. And then maybe a few other people will text me during the course of the show or the day. It. And then I lose it. And yeah. I completely yep. had no idea or forgot that they had texted and, me. And then you just, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I know. Yeah. And that's what I have to do. I got to do right. the, uh, the apology. So what Apple needs to do is they need to create a feature where you can mark a text as unread. So you can go back and read it. And then they also need to be able to... Um, because you can do this in email, you can just isolate all unread messages, so they can just go through that. Because I know a lot of people got they uh, for some reason uh, when they see my uh, the amount of unread messages I have in my. How text, many got there? I remember one time uh, you posted something, a screen grab, and it showed <laughs> that there were like three hundred unman unanswered uh, texts. Yeah, I mean we're we're close. It's two eighty five. Wow. Um, but it, it, listen. <laughs> You know, like one, but there there are messages that don't need to be responded to. Like for instance, like help. Heather Mitt's birthday was yesterday. Yeah, okay. I issued. I said, "Hey, a happy birthday from me and, and the rest of the President Steve show." And she just wrote back, "Whoa, thank you so much." Okay, that doesn't need to be. But did you read it? I'm reading it now, but I don't have to click on it to read it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but go ahead and click on it and then go back. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that will just. That will lower that number, and and I try to yeah. keep that number as low as possible. And I always have like four or five up there, and I'll scroll back, and it's like, man, I got to get to that, and I haven't. Not necessarily responding. It might be somebody reminding me of something, and I'll leave it there as a bizarre little reminder for myself. You yeah, know I, I, I mean? know right. all these things we do that end up screwing up. Marissa, I am so guilty of this. I am the worst. I'm a terrible texter, and I apologize. You're the person I was talking about when I. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, Kathy. I am sorry, Mom. I am sorry to all of my friends. Um, they know it, too. Um, the worst part is, Casey, when you open up a text and you think that you read the whole thing, but then you eventually open it and you see that there was more to it. Yeah. Like, they say, oh, whoa, thanks. Enter next line. By the hey, way, I'm trapped in my basement. I can't <laughs> get out. And I've run out of food and water. Let, let, me, let me give well, you this very... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. So I was going to say, like, back to the social media thing. I don't feel guilty about posting something. Because I also have, like, this, like, social media addiction where once I get onto my phone, I start checking, like, our personal websites and, you know, right, socials right. and all. And then I can't turn off. So I, I don't feel bad posting something on my personal page or a work post that I've planned. But where, where I will feel guilty about is liking one of their photos if I haven't responded oh, yes. to the text. Right? Yes. So I'll okay. just, like, pretend I didn't see the Instagram post. Or if I, like, oh, accidentally Jesus. watch if I accidentally watch their story, like, I'm screwed. What a world we live <laughs> in. Why? Because they. Uh, how do they know that? 
Well, you can, you can see. see who you watched see your watch. Instagram story. See, I don't know these things. I don't dive that deep into social media, so I'm not aware of these uh, uh, of these uh, uh, proper protocol, you know, yeah. and and. Uh, what the etiquette is also, of it. And by the way, I'll give the opinion of this author in a moment after we take some calls and get everybody's uh, take on this. Well, some of that's generational, too. Like, it, you know, it, yeah. you, you prioritize things differently. And um, for me, like, responding to an email or a text comes first, and then I'll respond to a direct message or, or whatever yeah. else. Um, but it, but it's different for different people for different reasons. And Marissa, like you were talking about your addiction to social media, and, and you get obsessive about it. And, and I think we all have our arenas where we're obsessive about certain things. By the way, if people don't respond to your texts, uh, these, the two words, yep. good talk, <laughs> yep. is perfect. Almost and it, well, works, it works almost every time. Yep. It does. And that's the, the reminder sometimes that I need, Press, like you said. Like sometimes you just can't get to the messages and then you forget about them as new ones come in. But Casey will remind you with good talk and you're like, oh, yeah, I oh. get to respond to them. The, the king of good talk is Chuck. Yeah. And Chuck will do good talk if it's been like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you know what the service of good talk? <laughs> do you know what good talk provides, though? It also provides the service of, of calling up that chain in your messages. So what, well, what were we talking In other words, when, like that puts it back up so you can right. read back yeah. up in the conversation and see what, what he had said. Here's, here's, I'm, I'm sorry, I want to read no, the text sure. okay. It says, regarding Preston's point, it depends on how long it's been. If someone doesn't get back to me... And post on social media within like 20 minutes, yeah, F them. <laughs> but if they don't get back to me and post on social media five hours later, I assume that they were working and they forgot. Well, I really didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't either. Um, I'll yeah. tell you what, when, when I text to the group here, because there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people that are on that chain, and people don't respond to that, I'm like, seven people that... Haven't responded. Well, I, I think there's safety in not responding because the number's so high. Right. So like, oh. if you respond, if you write, like Kathy was talking about earlier, if you write to me directly, I'm I'm more Could inclined to get back to you quickly. Right. If you write to the group text, I'm like, well, Casey doesn't need a response because there's seven other people on there. Because yeah, I need validation. In, in my I know life. you do. I know and you, need, you need it to feel better about yourself. And you have a beautiful body. <laughs> here's a, here's another text. Says this just happened to me this morning. I texted my girlfriend to make sure I locked the door at the house when I left, and she didn't answer, but was active on Facebook. So I messaged her on Facebook, and she answered right away, and I was like, what the F, bro? <laughs> he said, my girlfriend ignores people's texts but is too dumb to turn off the active symbol on Facebook so everybody knows. Get educated, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wicked witch of the West. <laughs> Let me get a couple of calls here. I'm going to go to Tony. Hey, Tony, good morning. What's up, dude? What's going on, guys? Uh, so here's the thing that, that drives me up wall. This happens more often than I would like it to happen. I would send a text out to a couple buddies, and they would then turn around, not respond to text, but then like an hour or so later tag me <laughs> in a bunch of posts on Facebook. <laughs> So then, when they tag me in it, I reply. I'm like, "Did you see my text?" And they still don't. Re they still don't reply to the comment on there saying, "Yeah, I did see it." Yeah, there, there's a bizarre sort of. Um, it's a social media game of chess, and uh, yeah, I guess you're. And then at that point, Tony, you feel you're being ignored, correct? I feel like I'm being ignored, and then I feel like they ignored me again. Like, Why are you tagging me in a post? <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, Tony. I, 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 that's yeah, I, I get it. But here and now, besides good talk, would something like uh, you know, did you hear? Yeah, you know, question mark, a lot of question marks. I'll just uh -huh. do. How about no one saw it coming? Yeah, nobody yeah. saw it coming, dude. <laughs> you know, so, something. What? What? 
big time open ended uh, like yeah. that, and yeah. I'll bet you get a, a an immediate response. If I ask somebody a question and they don't respond, I will just reply eventually with just a question mark. Like just put that in the text and send that because I feel like that's not rude. It's not presumptive. It's just hey, I asked you a question yesterday or six hours ago or whatever. You haven't responded yet. Right, right, right. And I, and I kind of need an answer on something. Yeah, that's a good. I, I will respond to that too. That's a good reminder. Um, I just send crickets. Okay, okay, you write the word crickets. No, like I'll send, like you know, a little... I'll mail a bag of crickets. <laughs> what is a this? Emoji. This just came FedEx. Oh, okay. Okay. Do we have? Do we have a snake? Um, <laughs> Marissa, hang on a second. Here. Well, so it's funny you say the question mark, Nick, because I think that is a little aggressive. It's like, uh, hello. Okay. Like, even that is kind yeah. of what you are see saying. That? See that? Yeah. Do you see how the... That's it, funny, man. It, it's, it's what they call, again, the Rashomon effect, where, where everyone sees it differently. Uh-huh. Um, it, <laughs> how do you guys respond to this? When you have... Um, so someone will leave you a voicemail, but you just call them back without listening to the the voicemail. Oh, yeah, they I do that all back. the time. So yeah. do, do, are you insulted if you've left a voicemail? I've I've gotten over it. Uh, in fact, I've gotten... it's the, the culture seems like voicemail has pretty much disappeared for the most part in that just not leaving a message means call me, um, and uh, which I accidentally FaceTimed my sister this morning. I'm like, God damn it, she's going to think that I know she's going to call me. <laughs> anyway, talk to her. Uh, I got to talk to her. Hey. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, it, does, it, it, it used to. It used to be like, I, I left the information in a voicemail. Did it, you not hear right, it? Right, right. So now I, I get it. It's not as it's not as uh, abrasive as I used to find it. Does the aspect of the occurrence of the uh, instant transcribing of the voicemail to text, I think that adds another level? It does, but it's so wrong all the time. Know, it's so yeah. incorrect. I got mm-hmm. one yesterday. I'll see if I can find it for you. I still don't know what the hell it means. I don't know who it was from. <laughs> I think Rochelle said it to me, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll read that in a second. But the only reason I'll leave a voicemail is because sometimes people won't see the call coming through. You know, right, and right. so like they won't know to, to call back, and so I'll leave a voicemail if it is again important to, no, it's to true, have that call returned. Here you go. Uh, here we go. I, yeah, I don't know what this is. It says, uh, this is voicemail Rochelle sent me a screen grab of. It says, hi, this is Pre, P-R-E-E, <laughs> calling from Get I Got It Printing. I'm calling in regards to your Sally Strong order that you purchased <laughs> with us. I just want to confirm that you received it. We're showing in our system here. Mark is on for field, which <laughs> means that it wasn't completed, but we are up to a certain number. So I just wanted to confirm that you received your order. I have no idea what this is in reference to. Sally Strong. All right, so but that's the thing. The the voice to text that they'll they'll get it wrong. Like Sally Strong might be silly string. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And that that's probably what it oh, is. Man, guys, I got some bad news. Sally Strong passed away. Oh, oh damn it! Hey guys, moment of silence. Good news. Erase that. Eighty-five Cranberry, New Jersey. In 2013, yeah. when she died. So sorry about that. dating you. Marissa. I want to go back and defend my texting etiquette. It really is. <laughs> wow. No, it is sincere because it means that, like, I want to spend time with the text and think about the response I'm about to do. But whenever you text me, I just didn't have time so, at the moment. So this is you announcing that if she, if Marissa gets back to you quickly, you mean nothing to her? Pretty much. Yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Uh, like, I, all right, I need to get the, this is more than just a, yeah, sure. It's you, you need to respond <laughs> yeah. with some details or something along those lines. And, and I can't do it right now. Yeah, I think part of the problem too is that there are so many means of communication. There's, you know, there's all the social media platforms. There's text. There's phone call. There's email. And so sometimes you just have trouble prioritizing all of them. I, I tell you what, one became started to become very problematic was the instant messaging on the computer. 
Yeah. yeah. So if you start up a conversation and you're working and you're on your laptop, oh, I hated. That. I found it. I found so bling. many times I would be at now. Bing, bing, yeah. And I'm like, oh my god. So I'm glad that is sort of fallen out of favor yeah. because I, you could say, oh, my phone was away from me, right? Uh, yeah. And I didn't have it right there. But man, I remember getting into some. <sighs> what am I going to get out of this conversation? <laughs> Mario, you're on the air. Good morning. Hey, bitches. Hey, what? What's up, buddy? I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> so what really grinds my gears is when somebody texts me and I'm in the truck and I try to be responsible and not text and drive. So I say, hey, let me just call them back real quick because it's easier for me to text or easier for me to talk than text. And they don't answer the phone. Yeah. And you know they have the phone in their hand right there. I know they have it right in their hand. I mean, they see my phone call coming through. I feel so ignored and, and shameful. Oh, Jackie Bam Bam does it. He sets me up all the time. he would be like, blah, blah, blah on a text. And, and then I'll respond like, yeah, man. And then I'll be like, bring. Hey, man. I'm like, oh. And then what really me is that they text me back and they're like, hey, man, uh, sorry, I couldn't answer what's going on. But, and I try to call them back again and they still don't answer. It, 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 it does drive you crazy because a lot of times my, my wife, will, it, it, I'll Thanks, just sorry. get a call from her and I'll call her back and no pickup. I'm like, oh, damn. where did you go? How did that happen? Right what did a wormhole open up behind you? <laughs> yes. I, uh, sometimes I have to do, and I hate talking on the phone. I really, I despise it, but. Uh, sometimes as I'm, like, getting ready to text, I'm like, there are too many words right now, and I'm just going to make a phone call. And people don't people don't answer the phone anymore, are there especially any if they don't have, if, if they don't know your number. Yeah. Are there any occasions in which you do like talking on the phone? Because I like it in the car. Okay. You the know what? The, yeah. the, car, so, the car is such a great platform for talking. I, time. Yeah. I drove down the shore a couple of weeks ago, and it was going to be a two-hour ride, and, I'm, and I was like, you know what? Haven't talked to this person in a while. Exactly. You know, and I'm... The thing is, I might have dialed like six or seven numbers and nobody answered. And then finally, my buddy George called me back and I hadn't talked to him. Uh, you were from college. I didn't want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we, I, you know what? We talked for a long there time. You go. Yeah. You're right. I have like a 35 minute drive home and I'm like, if I got calls to make, I'm going to do it now. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it now while I'm in the car. It's, it's, it's kind of wasted time. Yeah. You know, and so I try to fill the 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 the, the car ride with a phone call. Yeah, I, I called a guy that I went to college. He was my roommate, my sophomore year roommate. I called him, and and he didn't. And I haven't. I honestly haven't talked to him since the day we graduated. Wow. And we were supposed to connect, and he, Scott, you never called me. It's funny how you know the, the the phone has changed over the years because we we still keep a landline. I always want to have a landline at the house, uh, and it. it it has become such a a, a flood of robocalls yeah. that mm-hmm. we now you I don't even bat an eye. I barely even know that the phone is ringing. My kids have been conditioned to ignore mm-hmm. yeah. our landline phone. Just ignore it. Um, I agree with that. We have a landline, and now I figure I'll know that it's serious if state troopers show up. Right, yeah. right. Because uh, at, this, uh. at this point. Literally, the phone is sitting behind the entertainment console, and I—I'll I, see the light flashing. Yeah, I—it's—it's I, in—it's the last time I went through a lot of those calls. It was all garbage. Sure. Yeah. My kids ignore every single sound that that is made in the house. My, yeah. Do you guys have an alarm on your fridge door? Uh, if it stays open for a little bit, yeah, but that rarely happens. But I will yeah. hear a bling, 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 yeah. bling, and I will walk past all three of my kids to get to the. I'm like, did you guys? Well, I didn't, I didn't hear it. Uh, oh. All right, like, well, listen. <laughs> this is what this author says. This is all their right. take on this. So, if this uh, this aligns with you, you know, uh, then then rock on. But uh, so if if someone 
if you text someone, they don't respond to you, and then they post on social media. Um, this person, and Steve, I forgot to to get the byline. In uh, I, can, voice, I can but, look it up. Uh, but uh, so they give this indication. It says, hi, remember me? A friend had replied to my Instagram story on Saturday. She had texted me the day before, and I had forgotten to respond. I'd had a truly horrible week and wanted to take the weekend to recover. I had every intention of replying to her non-urgent text on Monday, but because she saw me using Instagram, she felt that I should have texted her back already. So my friend called me. Uh, called me out for not answering her. I replied honestly. I explained that for me, posting on social media requires much less effort than engaging in a personal conversation. Right. So the, the just to uh, put this in context, Preston, the article is it's okay to post on social media even though you haven't replied to texts. And it's from Nicole Gallucci on Mashable. All right, on Mashable. She said, I told her that I was taking the weekend to recharge my social batteries. <laughs> and she was super understanding. Uh, we ended up having a really productive conversation about how texting isn't always as easy as it sounds. First world problem. It yeah. really is. Uh, I'm very understanding. I don't, I don't think I get like super duper butthurt about it because I'm guilty of what I accuse other people of. Do you and know that's what I mean? it. That's it. Okay. A lot yeah. of people, though, don't see their own culpability for doing exactly the same thing and they just get, uh, you know, piss off. Now, while I say first world problem, I also identify with that, too, you know, because sometimes I'm... You know, because you know it's going to be a back and forth, and maybe you just don't feel like doing that right now, or you are indeed busy. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, which which is why I do now love an emoji response, because the emoji response for me or the instant actual, you know, like or, or heart or ha-ha yes. that you can now do on a text specifically, not even typing it in, yeah. it's a way to say... Got it. Gotcha. Thank you. Good. Let's and, go. And that's or a GIF. Kind of puts a little period and, on or it. Or GIF or whatever it is. We yeah. determine that. It's, I say no, it's a it's GIF. GIF. I say GIF. But, but you're acknowledging that person. You're acknowledging the message. But like Steve, of that GIF here, Sean uh, has a comment. Hey, Sean, you're on the air. Good morning. Number 19. Guaranteed to make you sick. <laughs> <laughs> to make you sick. Uh, so your friend answers text uh, in an inter- interesting way. So here's what he'll do. He is not the best texter, but what he will do is, what, so like, he's the best man for my wedding, and so I'll have a lot of questions for him. And then I'm like, hey, is this time good for you to do, like, reception dinner or whatever? That's just an example. Yep. So I won't hear from him for several hours. I'm like, okay, he'll get back to me later. But then what he usually does instead is he'll send me memes on Instagram so I'll, text, so I'll respond to the memes by saying, hey, listen, I appreciate the memes, but answer your text once in a while, will you? Yeah. So um, he, he actually lives on an undisclosed army base right now, and he just had an impromptu wedding. So I, I, he, I texted him, and I said, hey, congratulations. You got any pictures from the wedding? And that was a couple days ago, so I'm just waiting for an onslaught of Star Wars memes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, gifts and memes and things like that can be a quick response to stuff and, and can kind of put a, a period on the conversation, you know. So, But it's interesting. Uh, keep in mind that people might have some other things going on and they, you know, uh, unless they're just flat out ignoring you, which can happen. Or they're communicating with friends they like more than you. Yeah, right, exactly. I never thought about that. That's <laughs> a way to think about it, too. All right, listen, I want to take a break. We're going to be right back. Listen to all the WMMR podcasts as well as a live stream on your Alexa-enabled device. Just say, Alexa, open MMR. 
In ShopPlay Win Monopoly at Acme, every ticket wins an offer, a prize, or tokens for sweepstakes. It's easy to play. There's no game board. Just scan your tickets from checkout in the ShopPlay Win app and see what you won. With over $230 million in prizes and money-saving offers, you could be a winner. No purchase necessary. See rules at ShopPlayWin.com. Hasbro is not a sponsor of this promotion. Acme, official supermarket of MMR's Preston and Steve Show. Hi, I'm Steven Singer, the I Hate Steven Singer guy. You know what I hate? Disappointing my mom. You buy your mother roses, and a week later, they're dead and forgotten. What if you can get a long stem rose that would last forever? Go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and see my famous roses lavishly dipped in 24 karat pure gold in exclusive colors. The only rose guaranteed to last a lifetime. They start at $59. Order now and receive free shipping and have it arrive by Mother's Day. Only at IHateStevenSinger.com. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, WMMR presents Bizarre. Preston and Steve's Bizarre Final. All right, we'll start with this one. Authorities released the cause of a 21-year-old man's death in a Santa Cruz County jail cell hours before a demonstration seeking answers about the incident was scheduled to begin. Uh, Tamario Smith, who was 21 years old, died in a Santa Cruz County jail cell Monday 10th, an autopsy determined his death was caused by overconsumption of water. Oh, wow. You hear about this every now and then. Yeah, pathologist, it, is, it is absolutely possible. A pathologist determined Mr. Smith's cause of death to be acute water intoxication due to the overconsumption of water in a short period of time, the sheriff's office stated. I uh, said the overconsumption of water was influenced by Mr. Smith's underlying mental health issues. Uh, this water consumption led to an electrolyte imbalance which caused Mr. Smith's organs to fail, leading to Mr. Smith's death. Uh, the autopsy found no evidence of trauma, foul play, COVID-19, or any uh, sign that Smith had ingested any kind of a toxic substance. I remember the first time I heard of this was a radio contest. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And it was a who could drink, you know, the most water in the shortest amount of time or something along the lines. There's a woman that died, right? A woman died, and, like, immediately the edict went out, uh, no more of these... Yeah, over the top contests of how much you know, how much can you hold yeah. your urine or whatever, all that Things stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah. So, um, well, when I passed out here in the studio and they took me over to Lankanau, the doctor told me I was drinking too much water. Oh, really? It was flushing potassium out of my system. Yeah. So you can overdo it. Smith did not share a cell with another inmate, and his death was ruled an accident. Uh, he was found unresponsive. Officers attempted life-saving measures and called paramedics before he was pronounced dead at the jail. Steve, I think you're still allowed to have a contest where you pee into a diaper. I think I you're think still allowed is, to I do think that. actually, yes. Right. I think that's in the Constitution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a peeing in a diaper story for you later. Oh, well, my God. I want to hear that. <laughs> Between this and tossing salad, Kathy's two for two today. What a day. <laughs> Video, this, is, this was probably the coolest thing I saw all weekend. And, and no reports of anybody getting hurt, so that's good. Video shows a silver minivan speeding down eastbound 91 freeway and throwing off tons of sparks on Friday night. (laughs) And when the eyewitness driver who was filming this catches up to the minivan, he couldn't believe what he saw. It was a motorcycle stuck to the front of the silver minivan. I know you've seen it, Steve. Have you guys seen this video? No. Please put it up. Your jaw will drop. All right. How? 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 I I don't know. And the eyewitness uh, captured it all as the minivan then started to exit the freeway. The eyewitness said that he was so concerned, 
He exited at the first opportunity and circled back around. And he found that uh, the motorcycle was on the side of the road along with the front bumper of the minivan. A few moments later, that eyewitness spotted the minivan dumped just off the road next to a tree. We're looking at, look up on the monitors, Kathy. Look at this. There's nobody on this motorcycle. The rear end of it, it's sitting upright, which is bizarre. The rear end of it seems to be embedded in the van or underneath it or somehow or another. It's crazy. Why does the guy keep driving? He Obviously, he did something. Okay. You know, because they found the van abandoned later on. <laughs> So, uh, there's no sign of the driver who had apparently taken off and no word from the police as to what might have happened. The assumption is he rear-ended somebody on a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't look real. I know it doesn't. I've never seen anything quite like it. But But nobody has come out and said that they were hurt or injured. From what I've seen, I've saw no reports of injury. They didn't find the guy who was driving. They found the motorcycle and the van, and that's all we know so far. But I'll I'll, I'll look for a follow-up. Now, there was a time, Preston, where you had a motorcycle helmet. Helmet. Yes. Got wedged underneath the van. The that, van. That was cool. And I couldn't get it out of there. And I had to drive all the way home with the thing. <laughs> scraping like that underneath. I brought it in for you guys to see. It was <laughs> filed down yeah. halfway, and you got to see what's in a motorcycle helmet. Yep. But it was cle- it was almost like you had polished it. Almost like a laser had yeah. taken and sliced it. It was wild. And I had to uh I had to get like a I think I had to get like a sledgehammer and bash it the other direction to get it out of there. It's, that's like when you're going, why me? Exactly. Uh, a university student in Malaysia who went out on a limb to ensure that she had a good internet connection to sit her exams online has impressed many with her resourcefulness. 18-year-old uh, Vavona Mizibin uh, lives in a remote part of the eastern state of Sabah where broadband services are limited. So there's no electricity or running water in her house. Wow. And she had said that she charges her cell phone at the houses of relatives and neighbors who do have electricity. So she had prepared for her test two weeks previously by building a small shelter on a hill where 3G reception for the area is good. On the day of the exam, however, she found that the hut had blowed down so she decided the next best place to ensure strong connection was in a tree. So she climbed up in this tree. Man. And she's also an aspiring YouTuber, and she filmed her experience. She posted it on a channel that she set up in May, which features a handful of other videos of lives on her, on her family's farm. Armed with a mosquito net, a power bank, and meals of rice wrapped in leaves, Ms. Mozabin uh, completed her exams uneventfully, save for the intrusion of a hornet during the meal. Uh, but her escapade, which has been viewed and shared hundreds of thousands of times since she posted it this week, has earned her the admiration of many others. But that's what she had to do. And that's how important education is for her. Exactly. That's pretty remarkable. Yep. Uh, well, this is in Oakmont, Pennsylvania. A nursing home had been evacuated, and there were several ambulances on the scene Thursday afternoon after a drain cleaner in a sink had a reaction and started fuming. Officials said maintenance employees poured a drain cleaner into a clogged slop sink, mm-hmm. which had a reaction and started fuming. You ever I heard want of a, a slop sink. You ever heard of a slop sink? <laughs> I think we should all have a slop sink. That's mainly why I kept this story in here is a slop sink. And a stru- oh, it's in the slop sink. Uh, they, they poured uh, some kind of drain cleaner and it got a reaction until it could be termed what it was. The faculty 
uh, chose to evacuate the residents out. There were no reported injuries. Oh, gee, there's been a backup in our slop sink. Officials said there were no unusual meter readings, and they are cleaning it up. That's one thing you never hear in Downton Abbey. Yeah. There's a little bit of a mess in the slop sink. Uh, and ventilating it, uh, emergency services implemented its mass casualty incident protocol to assist with the evacuations of 76 residents and care for them while evacuated. I would do one last story and then wrap it up. Let's see if I got a short one here. Uh, we will end with uh, this one. Uh, a woman and her husband in Northeast Maryland found a live World War One bomb while wow. digging in a flower bed. The hell was it doing God. in Maryland? Exactly. After well, the, that's where the fighting got thick. <laughs> okay. The startling During discovery. World War One. You remember the trench warfare? <laughs> no, I don't. Just outside of Baltimore. All right. Kelly and Shannon Thomas left uh, the round where they found it and called the sheriff's <laughs> office. And they said after examining the device, it was determined that the best course of action was to conduct an emergency disposal to render these ordinance safe. And uh, a bomb technician disposed of the potentially dangerous round on the scene. My dearest wife, I'm here in Maryland fighting trench warfare. I hope to return to you one day. Uh, the unexploded military ordinance determined to be a 37 MKI projectile uh, made its way to the Thomas's flower bed from the Aberdeen Proving Ground on the Chesapeake Bay 10 miles away. All right. I don't know what the Aberdeen Proving Ground uh, is. So Marissa and I were familiar with it because uh, it's across the bay from Taqua Camp. And you would hear the uh, uh, detonations and the ordinances going off. They would test uh, all sorts of rounds at the at Aberdeen and, and the way the sound carries and the way that, you know, it would, it would rattle the cabin. Okay. Now it makes camp sense. Taqua, yeah. Because they were been... munitions to be sent over to the war. Uh, I guess they were doing it for a long time in that location. I suppose yeah. so, yeah. Mm. Uh, unexploded military ordnance in the bay and surrounding waters occasionally makes its way to the surface, they said. However, the discovery of military ordnance is not limited to tidal waters. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and that is what I have in the bizarre file for you at this point in time. We'll be back in just a sec. Stay there. MMR spotlights the best rock in Philadelphia with Jackson's Local Shots. That's right, and this month's band is Stereo League. I'll be in the bright light, spinning around to those summer night sounds. Stereo League, your local shots artist of the month. Check them out every Wednesday at 6.30 right here on the Mighty MMR. And you can hear and see more now at WMMR.com. Keyword, local shots. Sponsored by Family and Company Jewelers. Find a band that rocks her world at Family. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks Philly. Well, who could have ever foreseen that Gene Simmons putting Ice Cube in his cereal <laughs> would wind up with us having Lenny Dykstra in our studio? But it, it came to pass. And we welcome Lenny to yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to say that that news is just uh, like... That was unbelievable. Oh, I'm, sex, I'm sexually aroused. You know? oh, I mean, wow. Impressive. In the traffic. That's all it took, yeah. Impressive. And then you, you open up with the stones, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give some inside info that like no one knows. Please. So when we played baseball like in the Phillies, like, yeah. we had to have a, like, when we did like blow, Yeah. We, had, we couldn't call like who's got the blow. So we made up, like, I, I came up with it and I said, let's call Keith Richards because he looks like a line of blow. So there's the, the nickname for, so, for so it's okay. legendary around the National League now. Like, his, you know, Richards got the greatest out hits in there now. It's like, anyways, thought I'd throw that in there. So that was, that was the code word you guys used yeah, for Coke. Yeah, it's, was... it's kind of tough around the cage to say, who's got the blow? Right. So, hey, is, is, is Richards in the house? Right, right, right. That's right, when right. I was a lot younger, though. A lot, lot, lot younger. 
I had friends that used uh, butter was the word. Butter was the word. Comes, comes up with that with a name for you know whatever whatever illegal substance you might be throwing around. It's, but Keith Richards, I like Keith, that. That Richards. is cool. Richards, yeah. And the thing is, because he's cool without trying to be cool, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's well, true. I was reading about you know Lenny and doing some of the research once we learned you're going to be on the show, and obviously you know we we see uh, we've had some. Twitter action back and forth. I think the last thing that we had that came up on our radar was when the uh, the the the, the teeth, yeah, the dentures, yeah, at the restaurant, and and we're like, what in the f? And the, he's rooting around in the garbage. And then we then we heard there were eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, look at them, man. They're, they're damn well, good. Well, the thing is, it took four years to get them done because I had to have uh, bone marrow redone. I had a so it was a guy in South Dakota that did uh, is Sioux Falls in South Dakota. Or yeah, North okay. Dakota? Okay, South so Dakota. he did Doc Gooden's too. He's just a huge fan. But I had to go in, and it was such a process. And then the fact that, like, I have like they're, they're not dentures; they're implants. Okay, so are they are they are they locked now? They're locked. Okay, yeah. but I unlock them for when I do my work. You know. Later. Okay, we'll get that later. But but, <laughs> um, but so I like I'm a man of like many talents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we, we we've heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so, but you. So wait, you, did you you found them in the dumpster? Oh yeah, there was I was. I wasn't leaving until I got him. And I'd, uh, like, I was. There was some other guy who took some credits. Some guy with a weird uh, twinkle toes or something. Like a like a like a wrestler. Yeah, but he was there two seconds. I dove in there. I went through food. I started eating some of it actually. <laughs> but then when I found my teeth. It was like it was like I found gold, man. Yeah. Uh, so they're back in. Look, perfect. They well, look great. At, they you, look great. You were at a Jersey Mike's. You finished your meal. You'd put your dentures on a on a napkin, and you'd done something. A lot of not dentures, were, implants. Implants. Because okay. my guy. And in, in, in Sioux Falls would kill me. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And then you accidentally throw them out. So you go, but it took about nine hours, right, before yeah. you found them. So, see, what happened was, was like sometimes if I eat something again, I think Jersey Mike's got mad because I said like the bread was kind of hard. <laughs> um, so, but if something's hard, I don't want to like disrupt them. So I just sure. kind of take them out. and I put them to the side. But you know, and then like I forgot, and it was closing time, so I left, and I said, "My teeth. <laughs> Where's my teeth?" Yeah. And so then I go back to the store, they're closed, and I say, dude, I, my teeth, they're in there. I got to get my teeth. And they said, they're looking like I'm crazy. Yeah. So I said, they said, all trash is out. And they said, what, wait, wait a second. I said, which is the last trash can at Bunt Dumpster was in? They showed it to me. I just dove head first. Like I dove in the second base. <laughs> and I just started grinding, 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 finally got it. It was like... Like finding a hidden treasure, you know. <laughs> well, eighty, th and we had we thought, no, there's no way, there's no way. And then people started to call in and back you up and say, yeah, if you get a really well done, there was so much work involved. So much work because he had, there was not enough bone. See, so he had yeah. to build up bone and and you know. So I took did all that on ibuprofen, you know, because opiates are like the devil. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. so I just grinded it out. Yeah, prosthetics of any type are are made specifically for the individual and they're really expensive and I can understand why yeah. you were gonna, it was a die hard situation. You yeah, let's call it like it is. I mean, I didn't have the money to pay for that. This guy was such a great, he's such a great guy. He did Doc Gooden's teeth too. Yeah. Uh, he didn't leave that gold thing in there though. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah. Doc did a lot of Richards back in the 80s, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, Doc knows Keith well. Yeah. <laughs> I, <thought> so. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at a picture of you. So Lenny, I, I became a fan when you were playing on the Mets. I was up in New York. And uh, and I remember that whole that that team and the and the whole vibe. And then I was always always also a fan of the of the Phils. So your trajectory has been one that's been very very cool. 
Uh, but, but you know, I'm, I'm looking at House of Nails, the book you wrote, came out in 2016, and I'm thinking, you have enough material for another book at this point. Yeah. Are you, are you, because you, you are, as they say, a colorful character. People, uh, you know, p- people are gravitate, gravitate to you because yeah. you have these stories. Are you thinking of another book? Or you, you can say it. People either love me or hate me. Yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah. And that's, and that's like, look, the bottom line is I tell the truth, and like a lot of people don't like to hear the truth, but I don't care. Yeah. I mean, like. So what am I doing in Philly right now? I'm here to do commercials for Martino Signs. Okay. <laughs> what this is this? Do you wear in the hat? Yeah, Martino yeah. Signs. So, so I'm, I'm a spokesman for him. So we're out there doing commercials. So and then the Eagles game, and then I did the went in the you know for for the pregame and the tailgate. Oh man, it's unbelievable. It's crazy, right? It's, it's insane. So you were out there promoting the company, no, but then just dealing with the fans. You know, the fans. I'm a man of the people, man. The fans in Philadelphia. Look. The, the the Philadelphia season in 1993, to me, again, I think fans will back this up, was still the most exciting season uh, in the history of Philadelphia baseball. Because we went from last to first, okay? Mm-hmm. And then we're all drug-fueled and, and, like, nobody wanted to come to, to the bat, you know? Yeah. And then you have these fans that are crazy that are just, like, people are scared to death of, you know? So, so when you when you're greeted like when you're out and about here, and, and I mean, do, on, do you feel the love? Do you? What I do. do, what do, you, I, do. Yeah. I don't feel from the Phillies though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because I think that like one of the owners found out that I tagged his daughter. Oh my oh, God, so, Jesus! So like the real reason I'm on the Wall of Fame isn't is, so like. It was kind of a bad move, but that's what happened. I mean, what can I say? But, but, but see. You can say more. So were you guys playing yeah. hide and go seek tag or I mean, look, freeze tag? I'm just, you know, just, just, I love hearing those words. I can't believe I'm doing this. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy jeez. Yeah. This is a rock and roll station, man. You guys yeah. talk about everything. We do. Know? We talk about everything. Yeah. So let, let, let me ask you. So, uh, um, with, with that. And, and with, with you talk about the sports, you talk about the, we talk about the, the the Phils and the Mets. You were saying in one of the interviews I was reading about you that the Mets you, it was a little bit more on the on the up and up, but you hardcore partied with the with the Phils. And you also talked about doing steroids and how that that you looked at that at that point when you were doing them to preserve your job because everyone was doing it. Do, do you have any regrets of doing steroids yeah. now or was it you had to do it to be where you were? That's actually a great question because yeah. and, and again, here comes the truth. So in 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 19 in in 89, like I told the Mets, I need to play every day because if you don't play every day, you're not going to get paid. So so they wouldn't play Davey Johnson wouldn't play me every day. So we happened to be in Philly, okay? And like a right-handed pitcher was pitching, so Two at bats into the game, Davey says, "You're done. That's enough." I said, "Like, like what the? You know? Yeah, are you yeah, kidding yeah. Me? So then I go up in, in the locker room and I hear Harry the K, the great Harry Callis, unbelievable. I hear him say, "A lot of action here at the vet today." And initials are LD. So I said to myself, "I just got traded." So then I'm sitting in my locker after the game. I'm sitting in my little stool. I wait for the tap. I get the tap, and they say, "Davey wants to see you in his office." So I go in there, and Davey says. Well, you know, Davey, by the way, he was best friends with Jack, you know, as in Daniels. Wow. <laughs> and everyone says he was a player's coach, manager. Of course he was. He's always hung over in his office. All right. But, but he, I'm in there, and there's Joe McElveen, the general manager, and Davey. And he says, look, we want to thank you for helping us win a World Series. We just traded you to the Phillies. And I said, wait, the team in the other dugout? 
What do I meet him at home plate? <laughs> it was so weird. I remember when that it happened. It was so yeah. weird, but I was so Juan happy. Juan Samuel, right? The Phil's traded Juan Samuel yeah, for you? Yeah. Yeah. A brutal trade. But, but for me, it was a great trade because, so, like, with the Mets, I was a young guy, and, like, I never saw a line of Coke. I never saw, I never saw a good, and I had beer. That's it. I mean, I didn't even drink a beer until I got to the big leagues. But but then I made up for it later. But but what I'm saying is, so when I got to the Phillies in '89, I started playing every day. So I'm a, I'm a small guy. I'm five nine. So I didn't forget how to play baseball. I just wore down. It took its so. And you were describing, and I was, and, and you know, and I started reading some of the passages out of the out of the book too. Because we can't listen. Yeah. We, we see you out on the field. We see these athletes, and yeah. you're describing a level of wear and tear yeah. that that we don't understand. See, so I was so ahead of the curve. See, remember, it wasn't illegal then either. So in '89, yeah. the general manager, because I, I went and I came out of the gates, I'm in 320, I timbered, you know, down to uh, way down. So uh, general manager Lee Thomas says, "Look, we're going to give you 1990. You're going to lead off every day. You're not going to look at the lineup." So I'm in Mississippi with my uh, ex-wife, and like, people live there, by the way. <laughs> so literally, this is how it went down. I literally just went to the, into the yellow pages, and I, I pulled up some hillbilly doctor, and I didn't even know what he was going to give me. I went to him, and I told him the facts. I said, look, yeah. 1990 is going to determine whether I become a multimillionaire or I have to get a real job. Yeah. So here's what I need. I don't need a pill or a drug to make me play baseball better. I know how to do that. I need something that's going to keep my weight on so I can stay strong for six months. Yeah. You know, baseball is the most grueling schedule in sports, okay? Yeah. So that being said, I didn't know what he's going to give me. He writes a prescription. I go get in line and write aid. You know, they fill it, and he says, come back, and I'll show you how to do it. And I come back to his office. He's got a harpoon waiting for me like this, and it's decadurabone, okay? Because remember. So, so is, that my, a, is that a growth hormone? No, that's, no, that's a steroid. That's, okay. That's a steroid. Then as I became a chemist later, we mixed all that stuff in. But but so so remember, I had to do this because I physically wasn't capable of with with withholding. I couldn't hold up for six months. So that I did that for uh, my family for to make money because like like I said, I don't need something that could you know make me play baseball. I knew how to do that. And it wasn't a coincidence that I ended up hitting 325 that year. Right, right. And I walked up to the plate. I had a 15-inch, you know what, because I knew that they knew that I was, like, on point. You know what I mean? I'm a lifelong Phillies fan, Lenny. Uh, I love that 93 team. I, I, I was 18 at the time. I went to a lot of games at the vet that summer. Uh, who on the team was not doing drugs? Um, there's a lot of them. I mean, um, they weren't allowed at any of my parties. You know, I had, <laughs> so I never stayed at the team hotel, okay? Yeah, so, like... like I got smarter as I got older. So what I did is is I had the party brought to my suite. So I have, like, my guys that work for me, you know. And so when I got done playing, everything was set up and ready. That's why they all started hating Mitch Williams, because he would delay the game so long. Like, the party <laughs> wouldn't get started till you know, till late. But, like, you know, a lot of guys weren't doing drugs. I mean, you know, you had your core group. Um, I'm sure you know who they are, but... I mean, Eisenreich was doing some, but a different kind of, you know, like for his Tourette's. But so, um, like a Danny Jackson, drugs? Um, no, I think he just drank and he hard drank hard. Mohan, no drugs. Shelley, no drugs. Um, uh, Mill Thompson, no drugs. Incavilia. Uh, maybe a few. Um, 
I mean, it's all speculation. Well, because yeah, remember, yeah. at that point, I became like like a, like a chemist. So, like, people needed a script filled. These came to me. Mm. So, 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 right now, do you what do you think the nature of the sport is now? Have they have they done a, a fairly successful job of eliminating that? Absolutely. Okay. In fact, there's no drugs in baseball now. You might have a fringe guy that that is that is like on his way out, and he's got nothing to lose. But but what that tells you though is how in the heck. Does Major League Baseball players break and shatter the single-season home run record on no drugs? Very simple. Major League Baseball, they want the ball to fly out there, and they make it harder. I mean, they take the seams down, okay? Right. So when you take the seams down, the ball travels, okay? So they can, like, turn the sun. like turning one on the warmer, turn more modern. So they, they control that, see? So it's like an airplane. When an airplane lands, you know, the, the flaps come down. Right. But see, with no seams, the ball just, they're like rocket ships, you know? Hmm. Huh. You you had you had a friendship with Charlie Sheen, and and uh, and Charlie Sheen has you know his legendary partier and all that stuff. Yeah. And I and you said you got into his house, and he had like a state of the art like drug den. To describe what what he had. Well, well, Charlie Sheen. By the way, the biggest and the most the biggest meltdown in the history of Hollywood. Yeah, and and it was all over one reason. Okay, Charlie Sheen is gay. Okay. And Charlie Sheen could not live with that, okay? The reason why he was doing whatever he was doing for 10 days straight, okay, was because he had to do that to get to that place. So I had Charlie out a year before that he had, he was forced to go out. And his people, he just, I mean, he wanted to go out. He's being extorted. He's broke now. He's being extorted. He, it's, just, it's one of the saddest and the most difficult things I've ever been involved with. I was there every day with him. So it's your belief that Charlie Sheen is, is gay? No, no, it's not my belief. Come on, dude. I've seen videos. It's like, you don't get a look left, bro. Um, wow. I okay. Mean, so... I mean, so, like, it's, well, I don't believe it. I mean, he's, like, I mean, got HIV. So he was, he, was a, he was a fan of yours. See, I never knew any of this. He did this on his own. Huh. See, see, he, this is his own world here. But see... When he get locked up in that for ten days, nobody, everyone was afraid to go help him, so because they were afraid that he'd fire him. So I never took a dime from him. I was his real friend. So they'd call me, and I'd go up, and I'd like say, and and what happened on your story there is when I got in that room, I said to break the ice, I said Charlie, and this is before I know about all the darkness. Right. I said I got to tell you, man, if you're gonna smoke crack. This is the best crack room I've ever seen. So you said it was like behind, like the classic revolving book. Alfred Hitchcock. So, so like the 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 um, fiance, her name was Scott Teen uh, Sheen at the time. Right. Uh, he made her change her name, and the, the first hint there she was a porno star. Because remember, Charlie used to say, "They're best because I can pay him and tell him when to come, tell him when yeah. to leave." Yeah. Now he's got one as a fiance, but um, when when she called me up, he said, no, "You got to come help. You got to come help." Charlie's been ten days. Da da da. And I said, okay, meet me at the Beverly Glen thing, and I'll go get me through the gates, and I'll take care of it. She said, you'll never find it. I said, what? I said, I've been there. You've been to the house before? Yeah, yeah. She said, no, no, he built a different special room. I said, okay. Like a hidden room? Yeah, so we get up the stairs. First, I go through the Israeli you know, hit squad, his security, which is really an extension of his drug dealers. And so we get up there, and she literally takes a picture and moves it to the side, puts her hand on a thing, Put some numbers on, and his bookcase opens. It was like right out of Hill, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, or like a James room, Bond layer. The, the room was yeah. off the chart. I mean, it was awesome. But then I said, Charlie, is this your life? Is this it, man? Right, right. Is this it? I said, like, what are you doing? You're 50 years old. You've been here 10 days. Remember that show you own? You, like, you got to be there Monday. 
Right. You know, because the big joke on his show was uh, anger management was, no, Charlie will be here. He'll be here at eleven. He'll be here at twelve. No, he'll be here. He, you know, whole, <laughs> so yeah, this all got bad. And, yeah. And like I said, but but sober, Charlie's probably one of the smartest, greatest guys I've ever met. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had that dark side, and that dark side it wasn't well, actually pitch black. You know. Wow! So it's just, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Well, where, where are you, where are you now? Are you are you, have you, you are you still doing the trifecta? You still no, doing the I'm too old for that. No, yeah, I'm yeah. too old. Like your grandfather. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, my son's married to Jamie Lynn Sigler, the actress from Sopranos. And yeah, I have a couple of grandkids and um, maybe some other kids. Like, <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, it's kind of hard to watch a game. It's like, God, there's another one. Hey, Kathy just found out her her grandfather was a was a very famous uh, race car driver, and apparently he spread his seed all over the place. All and over she's the finding out that yeah. this yeah. relative yeah, I mean, she had no idea. She's probably had. A, he's a breeder, you know. He's he a was. He's a definitely breeder. a breeder. Yeah. A breeder. <laughs> what are you do? But I mean, look, the thing about it is, in Philadelphia, like playing in Philadelphia, uh-huh. was like for me, it was like an honor and a privilege to be able to play in New York and in Philadelphia, which are the greatest fans in, in the world. So when I still come to Philadelphia. No matter what Angelo Cataldi says or whatever, yeah. or what anybody says, or the fact the Phillies, like, owner got mad because I serviced his daughter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, doesn't matter. The fans remember, and that's what makes it so cool, you know? Yeah. So, I, when you're, you're, on a fan, you're on the street and, and people are coming up to you, you're, get, you're getting a lot of love. Yeah, always, man. Because I played hard, man. You know? And so, when the game would end, what I would do, I'd go to my locker and I'd sit there for two minutes and I'd say to myself... If I were a fan, would I have paid money to watch me play? That's how I judge myself. Hey, where's I, where's home for you now? Where do you live? Uh, I've been hanging out at that intersection, you know, heaven and hell. <laughs> no, no, heaven and street, hell. The two yeah. streets they cross yeah, every night. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. it's like South a cool Philly, place right? to hang out. You know, <laughs> I would love to see you like as as sort of the guy who walks around when the Phils play, and you're hey, we're meeting with the families and tell them. Well, see, the funny thing about the Phillies is this. So, so here's what happened. I'm kind of the gift that keeps giving, okay? Right, right. So, so when when we have the big year in 93, go to the World Series, I get a $30 million contract. Right. So what happens is I end up having, like, back surgery and, like, didn't really, didn't get their money, like, out of it, okay? So, but, so when you get this kind of contract, they insure you. So Lloyds of London does. They flew me all over the country. Basically, every part of my body was uninsurable except my back. So when it's time to retire, because my back and the you know, brass is coming up, hey, you know, like your back. I said, dude, I got you. Don't I got you? Right. So I do the press conference. I, you know, it's a true thing. Uh, back surgery took me out. I got the Phillies all thirty million back. Huh? Huh? Hmm? Take them to the World Series and get their money back. <laughs> uh, That's pretty wild. You want me on your team? Trust me. How much of the uh, how much of the steroid abuse do you think contributed to the downfall uh, of your body? Um, I don't think the steroid abuse did it. I mean, I'm, I mean, I think the way I played did, and the vet. I mean, the yeah. vet, the yeah. vet was vicious, man. I'm telling you, it's it like was, concrete. Yeah. So, like, you picture yourself trying to stop on a dime there, and mm. it's so hard. Like, like, um, which is something like I can't do anymore. It's get hard, but, <laughs> but it's so painful. It's like humiliating. <laughs> like the first time it happens when you get the towel there and like you, you know, like. But back to the vet. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you got to peel and reveal, and they laugh at you. That's the problem. It's not yeah. good. It's not good. That's the problem. Yeah, so I'm yeah. always armed with you know what. But the teeth yeah. come out, so you're ready to go. Well, they don't know that. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah. And so I also had this injury. And, uh, no, I had this injury when I played football, where. 
I almost bit my tongue off, okay? I mm. literally did. And I looked in the mirror, and, like, it was barely hanging there. And they rushed me to the hospital. And I got, like, 15 stitches in my tongue. So there's, like, a rivet in my tongue, too. So combine that without the teeth... And you got oh, Picasso. Wow. Listen, you're, 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 you're a cyborg sex machine. And hey, um, yeah. Please, but before Picasso can do his work, the canvas has got to be clean, you know? I got, a, I got a text that says, I feel like I need to take a shower after this interview. <laughs> Lenny, the, uh, I don't know if this, is, if this is legend or if this is not true, but I had heard that other center fielders in the league complained about center field because of the mound of, like... Absolutely. Okay, spit That's and true. Grew. Okay. You know yeah. why it's true? Because I didn't... Like, if I saw the team, my, my teammates talking to the other team, I said, we're fighting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, had a motto. We're going in their house, mm-hmm. taking their money, and doing their women. Okay? <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is, like, I wasn't voted the most hated player in the league five years in a row because, like, like I made their job easy. I made their job hard. Okay, and that's why they didn't like. Is there a part of you that wants to be that most beloved uh, player that you know that everyone just goes, man, what what a, what a great ambassador of the game and so on Not and so at forth. All. Not at all. No, I love okay. my home runs on the road. In fact, like when we played Atlanta. So remember, I let off. Okay, so on the road, they couldn't start the game until I got in the box. So I was in complete control at that point. So we played Atlanta. Ted Turner and Jane Fonda would be sitting there. So I'd always take a wide, wide loop. And I'd stop right in front of Jane Fonda, and I'd say, I want to, you know what, <laughs> right there. Okay? Really? Every time. Now, she'd look at me or looking through me, but Ted Turner's so goofy, looking all over the place. But that was a classic story, you know. And so my favorite home run I hit was in Atlanta to knock them out of the playoffs, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and which is, and again, kind of comparable to what happened to Carson Wentz from the, the cheap shot in the first inning. It would be kind of comparable to, like, when I'm leading off, Greg Maddox won a pitch in my head, knocking me out of the playoffs, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a rough deal yesterday, but um, I know I'm all over the map. But, but no, no, no. So that's Maddox, kind of what it, I it was weird that he was such a uh, dominant pitcher because he looked like such a nerd. Well, you know why? Because he pitched right. He played right. So yeah. if you play right, okay, like Tom Glavin, when mm-hmm. he, I wanted to catch it and throw it back. Yeah. He's in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But because he didn't walk people and, and he played right, let the percentages take over. Who's right? the player you admire the most? I mean, look, the best player to ever play the game, the, you can you can define him this way. Okay? The best player to ever play the game, Barry Bonds. The biggest, you know what, to ever play the game, Barry Bonds. Mm. Okay. You finished second to him in 93, right, for MVP yeah. voting? Yeah. I should have won that. Though, you should have won that. If the MVP is supposed to be about winning, and mm-hmm. like, I mean, he had more home runs and all that stuff, but yeah. but I'm not mad, you know? I mean, look, for me, every day above ground is a good day. Yeah. You know, and I give people hope, okay? Especially, like, like Ray Howard, like, older, never mind. <laughs> Women. Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills. You know? Lenny, there's a whole yeah. bunch of uh, wealthy, uh, like, socialites, and I'm sure uh, along the main line. Yeah, right? man. I live in Villanova. Come on over. Yeah, I lived, oh, no, I, was on, I lived in the main line, too. I loved it. I lived in Devon, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, there um, you go. You, I, I think you yeah. could, could find some customers. Yeah, on the way home from the game, I used to pull in the Wayne Hotel and, like, like, get lucky once in a while, you know? Mm. Um, I was a bad boy, man. Yeah, and it looks like you've completely reformed. <laughs> yeah, well, just, I'm, you know what I am? I'm more, it's more... Um, About the people? Yeah, I'm a man of the people. See, that's yeah. right, good call. A man of the people. You're a man of the people. Yeah, I'm a giver, you know? Yeah, he's a giver. All right, thank you. Lenny Dykstra, yeah. guys. Thank man you, man. of the people, awesome. a giver. Thank you, man. Take a break. Stay with us. Are you an MMR VIP? 
Sign up for free at WMMR.com for access to VIP contests, special deals, and to be the first to know about important stuff. It's like having an MMR backstage pass without having to do something nasty to get it. (laughs) Gene Simmons has shaken the world of many foodies on Twitter after revealing they just, uh, essentially you water it down and that's uh, less fat, so, you know. It's not that. Crazy. I'll tell you what I do enjoy is butter in every square of my waffles. Ah, now I know that's. Some, I know here. someone you you need. There's to common ground there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, unbutterable is the guy. <laughs> uh, but uh, what's I, your I, name, son? Why are you crying? <laughs> I don't know why the desperate need to. I mean, I, I tear through a bowl of cereal. Yep. My milk does not have a chance to get so warm. I can't. Yeah, I can't like... actually. I can't actually buy like cinnamon toast crunch. Occasionally, I'll do it maybe once or twice a year because I will eat three quarters of eat a box so of cereal. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, I don't know what it is, but I, I love it. But and, I mean, I'll, and I just keep going I'll as long as there's it, milk. I'll eat it quickly. It's, yeah, like it's not something that sits there. No. In fact, you know, and, and some of my kids will do the thing where they just let it turn into mush. No! I know, right? No! I think as a kid, I kind of was that way too. I think that's more of a kid thing, Mm. but uh, I prefer it uh, cold and crunchy. Cold and crunchy. I get right to it. That's right. Like Cocoa Puffs. That's right. Cocoa Puffs need to be cold and crunchy. Hey, by the way, uh, speaking of cold and crunchy. uh, You're the kid from Delco, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm the kid from Delco. Kashi Peanut Butter Crunch. Put I used to despise Kashi because yeah. it's it, like you were eating a, a wooden table. Yeah, but now I love it. Really? Yeah, you like had, wood now. I love wood now. <laughs> Though Kashi makes, um, there are knockoff versions of these cereals that are actually from health food companies. So there is something that's akin to cocoa puffs that's better for you. Supposedly, I'm probably just buying it because it has vitamins listed on the on the box. I'm being a, a big sucker. They but, said it's better. Yeah, for you. I, I realize you just fall for it. They put it on the label. It's got to be true. I haven't had Kashi in, in a long time. It says it's going to make me a big, strong boy. I we can't might... remember the last time I had cereal. Oh man, what? I have it every weekend. Yeah. Yesterday, because well, I don't love I don't love milk. So I mean, I have I did eat cereal growing put up, ice in it. but it's not something that I would have. What about every almond day. milk? Can you do that? No, that like I I think that grosses me out more. I'd rather fillet an ox. <laughs> wow. I, I hear you. Yeah. Do you? You're on board with that? <laughs> you got the tongue to yeah, do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like it absolutely frigid cold. And uh, with it, my cocoa puffs. Interesting that they pointed out. No, actually, he was eating frosted mini wheats mixed with Oreo O's. I do like frosted mini wheats, and I do like Oreo O's. Yes. Um, so I like them together. Does it logically make sense to have? I them don't together? think so. I, I, no. To me, well, actually, I'm a split personality because part of me is Steve. Yes, and he doesn't like the the idea of mixing cereals like this. I don't know that I've ever. I, I've had to have done it at some point. I've had to have mixed a couple <laughs> uh, of cereals together. I don't think I'm. I'm very even when I sit down to a multi course dinner, uh, or I have like mashed potatoes on the plate. I don't let things mix. I like to have them in their, you know, I have them separately, and I'll eat them to completion and, and move along. With the cereal, like frosted mini wheats, I love frosted mini wheats, so I would not want that taste to be corrupted by even if it's a cereal that I liked as well. I, you don't I, even like trail mix. Not a big trail mix fan. And mm, things no. are mixing together. No, no but uh, because I'm softened. Because I like the, uh, I like whatever that uh, the uh, usually around this time of year. It's it's a mix of all the uh, mix. 
What's that? Moose mix? No, not moose mix. It's uh, it's a variety of cereals, but but with a savory uh, thing added like to it. Chex mix? Yeah, like Chex mix. There yeah. you go. Thank you. All right. It's all right. a variety of it's it's Chex and and uh, all those different you know. Steve likes some cheese of that. Nips. Cheese nips are in there too. <laughs> yeah. I I like those types yeah. of things. So I think I I think I I know I've mixed cereals before. I don't know why I can't think of. <laughs> well, you all talk, but yeah. you can't produce evidence. I know it's. Terrible. I don't think I ever have. I think the only way I would is if I. Um, was pouring cereal into a bowl and there wasn't enough for a full serving, and then I would probably try and yeah. find another well, here, cereal that what, makes yeah. sense. What, what would because there's actual cereal that is actually what's the the checks that has on one side of the check it's one type of cereal and on the other side it's the other type of cereal. I don't remember. All right, yeah. but but so there are what yeah. cereals would pair well together? That's a good question. Well, I have two cereals in my cupboard right now. Where's your cereal, Captain? Uh, well. So right now I have two brands, two different kinds of Kashi cereals. I have a peanut butter crunch and a chocolate one. I love I, the Kashi chocolates. Yeah, I bet you those together would be amazing. Yeah, because chocolate and peanut butter, it's a Reese's peanut butter cup right there, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so that Your chocolate's in my peanut butter. Yeah, no, your peanut butter's in my chocolate. <laughs> I was going to say something that would not work on the radio. Okay. Uh, growing up, we weren't allowed to have sugary cereals, right? Yeah. So uh, just like in Kathy's household, it was, yep. it was basically Cheerios and uh, if we were lucky, like total. Um, but, uh, total, I know total, total disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it had a hundred percent of riboflavin or whatever. Yeah. So my, my dad would, um, put all natural Quaker cereal. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah. They seem like fun. Uh, no, no, no. That was actually the sweet cereal in our household. So he, but Quaker Oats, not Quaker Oats. I know what you're talking about. It's it's an all natural cereal. It's not an oatmeal. It's not a Quaker Oats. It's It's like basically granola. It's kind of like granola, but yeah. it, it's sweet. And so he, every morning, his cereal routine was, a, the base was yeah. Cheerios, and then on top of it was the all-natural Quaker cereal. So okay. I do like Cheerios as a, just a regular snack. Um, I, uh, we always had, uh, you know, the Frosted Mini Wheats. Um, f- there was a lot of sugary cereal. What are the three in your cabinet right now? Nothing. Really? No, I, I don't have anything. Oh, I, I, that's why, because when I sit down to have cereal, I've told you this. I will eat three quarters of the box because I I, yeah. I love it and I well the well here's my thing here's the conundrum or the thing that I how I torture myself I put a little bit of milk in the bowl I don't like the cereal floating in the milk I like I like it milkish but as I go down it they're still making the m- milk in the bowl making the bowl what are you doing in there <laughs> you'll make one um, uh, I will pour keep pouring cereal until the milk is gone okay. All right. I uh, you asked what what we have, what kind of cereals yeah. we have. Uh, we always have Honey Nut Cheerios. Honey Nut Cheerios, it's a real easy go to. My kids like that. Now, what I need to have all the time is the Kellogg's uh, uh, Vanilla Almond. Oh, all right, uh, that sounds good. Brand, I think it's Brand. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fun to say. I <laughs> Francisco. <laughs> um, that is my favorite cereal. And and uh, what is it again? It's uh, Francisco. That's fun to say. It's uh, Kellogg's uh, Vanilla Almond, uh-huh. uh, and it's it might be Vanilla Almond brand. Uh, you don't say. I'm not sure, but anyhow, yeah. yeah here we go. Yeah, Special, special K, K, Special K Vanilla Almond. Yeah, and that's good. That's my favorite cereal by far. I've never had it, but I know I like it. It's really good. Do you do you buy cereal? Because I will buy cereal when I do when I when I succumb to the demon. And I will buy it sometimes as just a snack to eat out of the box. I won't eat it as cereal in a bowl. That's how my with brother does now. it. My older like, brother, I'm, I'm, my younger brother, is like uh, like health food conscious these days. So he he's been eating the Kashi chocolate has been his like basically a snack. Uh, food well, lately. he's right. I love that. Yeah. So what I'll do though is I'll get a uh, like a half a glass of skim milk mm-hmm. and I'll eat that. <laughs> 
So you're basically I'm, having cereal I, I in know, a different form. I know, because psychologically, <laughs> no, I'm not having cereal. I'm simply having milk and cereal. No, I never do that. I need it in the milk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Milk. Raisin Bran was a long-time favorite of mine as well. How many sure. scoops? Yeah. We were allowed to Two scoops of raisins. Were, were yeah. you allowed to have that, Nick? That was a delightful treat. Yeah, that yeah. was the yeah. treat yeah. for Because yeah. it was the raisins, raisins. and sugar on the them. Raisins <laughs> and sugar. That's right. Uh, the, sta- the two standards in my household are Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which is my absolute favorite, but wasn't, you know, for the longest time. And Big League Chew. And Big League Chew. That's cereal. No, um, uh, Honey Bunches of Oats. Uh, okay, and I'll yeah. take it with or without the All almonds. Right. I don't really care. Listen, uh, Nick Murphy's brother is a cereal fanatic, and I can't remember. I, he and I, we were all having lunch, of, like, last year, and he has a way of eating his cereal. I wish I could remember what he said. Do you remember, Nick? I'm looking at him right what now. What do you, you mean don't... he has a way of eating? Rectally. Right, so, it's not rectally, no, but it's, it's a way that everything gets its milk, but... Uh, you don't over-milk it. So, because so he's right way, with me then. We, we could hang it. out and have breakfast. No, he's probably in between me and you. Because I, okay. do, I do it like, I like it waiting, maybe not swimming in the milk. But uh, <laughs> I, I, like, I like a decent amount of milk in there. So there are some things, for example, that actually influence the taste of the milk by the end of it. With uh, Cocoa Crisp or uh, Cocoa Puffs, yeah. uh, you would get, um, so Cocoa Crisp are basically co- uh, Rice Krispies, chocolate Rice Krispies. Right, right. The milk that ends up resulting is a chocolate-type milk. Yeah, that's yummy. Uh, that's see, yummy. I, it's, I just have a problem. Like the, so the flavor of the cereal in the milk afterwards, oh, oh God. It really? Makes, yes. I it's think got it's, it's sugar the, in it? You don't it? like milk anyway. I, it, it's yeah, the milk. Like it's just it. anything, but I like... I, I like cereal. I don't eat it often, but I, I do like cereal. I think it's just that aftermath. I have a question for Nick and Casey because you yeah. guys both have beards like like I do. Are there days <laughs> where you just can't eat with a spoon? I, I'm gonna oh say my god, yes with milk Nick. days. <laughs> yeah. Is it always that's an hourly thing for me? Yeah. I, it's I, I will be sitting there and I'm eating cereal the same way I did the I day know, before. The day before, and it's <laughs> it's running all down my Girl, shirt. What the hell? I have days that's, I can't drink coffee. I'm like. That's disgusting. It is <laughs> disgusting. It disgusts me. Yeah. Yeah. I've said and to I can Casey, remove my face. I said to Casey, are you going to finish what's in your beer? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, I don't know. It's just sometimes, it's hard sometimes. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the big issue that people were making about the Gene Simmons thing is the fact that he was putting ice cubes in the milk. Yeah. Uh, to keep it cold. I, I, I was saying earlier, I don't know how you you let it, what do you let it sit there long enough? It warms up? I mean, the no. milk's cold coming out of the fridge. Exactly. And if you're not eating, I I'm, I don't buzzsaw through cereal, but the milk remains cold while I'm eating it. Now, I have been known to put ice cubes in, say, soup that is way too hot, and I don't I do have that. enough time for that to okay. cool off. I do it my coffee every or day. Or coffee, mm-hmm. or hot chocolate, do or you? things like that. Sure. I, I, yeah, to me, I guess so. I've never done it, so I wouldn't really know. I, my fear is of diluting whatever I'm having. Mm. Nah, it's not even that noticeable. It doesn't, it doesn't get time to nah. chew. Okay. Nah. It just cools off enough. To, it just takes a little bit of the edge Do off. Do you scoop the ice cubes out once it's at the right temperature? No, you let them melt all the way down. Okay. See, yeah. I drink, uh, I, I have my coffee brews on a timer, so it's ready every morning when I wake up, and I drink it out of a Yeti mug. And so the Yeti keeps it warm. So every day I probably put like four ice cubes in it. Do you have a it. cereal machine that you said as well? I no? don't. No, I don't even. I eat cereal on the weekends or, or for dinner. Right. Um, so it those four ice cubes bring it down to a temperature that I can drink it on my way into work. Now you and, had, and the Yeti keeps it warm enough. You had pointed out earlier, Casey, that, that it, why doesn't Gene just take a an ice tray and fill it full of milk? Yeah. 
and make little milk ice cubes. That's perfect. Why yes, don't I work? just not have sex with 10,000 women? <laughs> you could do that. Yeah. You could do that. Um, do they yeah. form cubes? Sure. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I've never tried it. I've seen it before. All right. Uh, and, and it'll work, and it won't dilute your uh, it won't dilute your uh, milk or whatever. Can't you put the milk in the freezer for a little bit? And, and, and not, don't let it freeze, but just but drop it down. I make it colder. Yeah, that yeah. would work, too. You could do that, Kathy, too. Kathy, you ever put ice cubes in wine? Uh, yes, I will put ice cubes. I will put like an ice cube in wine, but I can't put it in beer. It grosses me. Do out. you ever put wine cubes in water? <laughs> My I, mom would put ice cubes in her beer. I had resor- I've resorted okay. to putting ice cubes in beer. If you just you know, yes. I don't know if, why. If, the, if the toss up is to drink warm beer and that's all you have, right? A little ice. Is not I, you know what it. I've taken? I've taken the uh, the can of beer, right? Like I've done this on the beach. Instead of pouring it into a cup and say using an ice cube, I'll get you shock a, on it. I'll get another <laughs> cup, put ice in it, and then put the beer. Yeah. On the ice to kind yeah, of sure. chill it. Well, I you don't can know also, why. I can't do the ice in the beer. You could take your bottle or can of beer and put it in on ice and just kind of like um, swirl it around. S- swirl it around like a, like a barrel roll, and right. you do that a few times. And I think uh, yeah. it, you know what's sort of worked that way. As do you well. ever do a funnel with a hose and do that whole thing? Oh, beer <laughs> bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also. I used to be really good. At is it, it true that? <laughs> to me too. I don't know if this works or not, but you wrap a, a wet paper towel. Around the beer and then throw it in the freezer, and it's supposed to cool it off quicker. Really? Really? Yeah. Right. Right. yeah. I've, I've heard that the yeah, uh, the best way to get a cooler cool is um, ice and water, not just right. not just yes. ice. Mm. What yeah, about using water. a turkey baster to squirt it in your ass? Don't mm. think that's a good <laughs> idea. Uh, I don't know, but it's butt chugging. I mean, it's, it's butt chugging. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a simple. It's, uh, it's, it was big amongst the uh, early Romanians. Here, hang on a second. Linda has her little hack for this type of thing. Hi, Linda. You're on the air. Good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Great. What's up? Good. I just wanted to uh, comment on the ice with the cereal. Yeah. Um, I actually put water in the bowl, in my cereal bowl, and then I put the bowl in the freezer. So in the morning, I have a layer of um, ice in the bowl, and then I just pour my cereal in there, and All it right. stays cold. Why not? Why not do that with milk instead of water? Oh, I never thought of that. There you go. When yeah. you do the milk, when you that be, does that make it ice milk? Yeah, because then I, that I way you're not watering down your milk. Uh, For some reason, no, watering I, down, watered down. Because I, I, I had a I friend agree. in, in uh, grade school. Who always had milk in a thermos with ice, and that to me, for oh. some reason, seemed weird. I, I don't know. As a kid, though, what happens? To, my mindset flashes back to when we wouldn't get ice cream, and occasionally my mother would get ice milk. Yeah, which was horrible. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, uh, so, but I, I, but to your point, yeah. If you just freeze milk, it will reconstitute into yeah. milk, into milk, and you'll be set. Right. Yeah, yeah. So Gene Simmons might want to go for that. Yeah, I think I would. I don't think he's uh, he's been <laughs> brought up to speed on that. Well, no. thank you, Linda. I appreciate. You're it. I was too busy banging many of your relatives. <laughs> Keep going back to that. I'm going to go to <laughs> Ashley, who mixes some cereals together. Hi, Ashley. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, what's up, Ash? Um, so I wanted to comment on two things. The cereals I mixed, I mixed together tricks and Oopsal Berries. Both separately are really good, but together they're, they're pretty good, too. Aren't tricks for um, kids? Wait, tricks and what's the other one? Oops, all Berries. It's like the Captain Crunch, but with just the berries. Yeah. Oh. Oops, all So there's berries. no crunch, it's just all berries. Wow. Yes, it's all That's berries. That's implied by the name. Uh, all right, <laughs> interesting. Um, and then, um, uh, about the, uh... Gene Simmons with the ice cubes in the milk. I do that too, 
But I didn't always start out doing that. As a kid, I would actually put the whole gallon of milk in the freezer. Uh, but the problem is, if you forget it, the whole thing <laughs> freezes. It expands. And my parents would get really pissed. <laughs> yeah. Why did you get vanilla ice cream? Put it in your bowl. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Just place your cereal in, in the ice cream and now then we're let talking. it out. There you go. Yeah. Now you have it. Mm-hmm. You never there. should have done that. You, you, wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to add sugar to your cereal. <laughs> we used to add sugar to the cereal when I was a kid. Oh, Even sugar cereal? There wasn't enough oh in God. it already. I mean, look at Frosted Mini Wheats. Frosted Flakes I would add sugar to. Isn't that crazy? Frosted Mini Wheats are sprayed. One side is completely white from encrusted sugar. Yeah. Yeah, you know uh, the amount of sugar in those those cereals is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've gone to state. Do you ever, did you ever like Apple Jacks? Yeah, loved Apple. Apple Jacks were great. Yeah, yeah. I and we did you guys add fruit to your uh, cereal? Okay. Uh, bananas would go into uh, oatmeal, and uh, bananas would go into cornflakes. Okay, We'd bananas, use bananas and Cheerios. Bananas in cornflakes or Cheerios, yeah. and strawberries sometimes in uh, uh, in. Cornflakes, yes. we do does, that quite does, um, a bit. And sugar. And liver. Yeah, does sugar count liver. as fruit? Uh, does sugar count as fruit? Does yeah. fruit count as sugar? <laughs> no, 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 does he sugar count as fruit? It. No, Casey. All right, then no, no, I don't put uh, fruit in no. my uh, okay. cereals. Uh, but no, we always did. And I was telling you, I think it was you guys, we're out to lunch or something, I was, uh, uh, somebody had grapefruit and you were like... Oh, yeah. You know, and we used to, I, I'd eat grapefruit every day. Oh, I'd put like... Eight tablespoons of sugar on top of it. Hey, it's healthy. It's It's healthy. healthy. It's healthy. I'm having grapefruit and four pounds of sugar. Uh, Let me go next to John. Hi, John. Good morning. Good morning, Gadzooks. Gadzooks, what's up, buddy? Hey, I was just uh, the milk hack with uh, freezing milk. Yeah. I always take leftover coffee, put it in an ice cube tray, and then that keeps my coffee cold without diluting it. That's smart. Yeah, that is a good you idea. You know, so to, to the point, take take whatever liquid you're looking to m- mitigate the temperature on yeah. and freeze that. Yeah, I mean, if you're an iced tea person or a lemonade person or whatever, yeah. you can you know yeah. freeze that and or make your medicine. Oh. Or your med- freeze your medicine if that's what you Kathy, do. Kathy, do you ever do it? And it, it works especially well if your wife makes like that super extra caramel snickerdoodle coffee that you can only drink like half a pot of. Now you freeze that. Now you've got like half and half for the uh, Monday, Tuesday. Dude, morning. sometimes though to work like to it. work out those like if, if the other. Thanks, man. The other day, I almost did it again here. There was um, the uh, creamer. All right, so the you know the uh, the thing, and it's uh, but it's the flavored French vanilla creamer out in the coffee station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm making the coffee, and I, ju- I just thought it was regular cream, and I was going to put my sugar in it. And I was just, oh, I had the no. package torn because I did that one time before, and I had instant diabetes. It was so goddamn sweet. So you I got to watch that stuff. I didn't know until a few months ago that cold brew coffee and iced coffee were two different things. Oh, that, that cold brew coffee is what made, is it? Uh, cold brew they brew it um, using this cold filter different, process, yeah. mm-hmm. and it takes a lot longer. Iced coffee is just hot coffee poured over ice. Oh. But that's why you can't get cold brew all the time, and that's why it takes more effort to brew it, and sometimes you have to brew it the night before, and, and, and it runs out. So, But iced coffee, hang on a second, though. If you just pour that over ice, it's just going to melt the ice right away, That's right? why you got to use a lot of ice. You have to use a ton of ice? Yeah. Okay. Or you let it sit out. Well, my Ninja yeah, Coffee maker... you, you got to yeah. make sure you're yeah. properly pompous. Mm-hmm. Wait, what uh, were you going to ask me, Preston? Uh, oh, yeah, so this text came in, uh, using frozen grapes in wine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do that from time to yeah, time? Yeah, you know, when Jace was little, I actually used to give him frozen grapes as a snack. He liked it. And, and wine? Yes, and then I, <laughs> no, but I, I have thrown them in my wine, yeah. Yeah. Do you still have that cap that has the holders for the two bottles of wine with you? <laughs> no, you know what, but somebody knows where I could get one. <laughs> 
Uh, let me go here to Justin. Hi, Justin. You're on the air. Good morning. Morning, guys. How are you? Good. What's up, man? Happy New Year to you. Um, yeah, so with the cereals, you cover both um, spectrums by having a healthy cereal like granola and uh, frosted cereal, and you mix the two together, and then you cover your both spectrums. Like, for instance... Um, Is there any medical so- sense? <laughs> yeah. It's like mixing a half it's a Coke okay. and Diet Coke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's like having a half a bowl of, of sugary cereal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're looking yeah. at it that way. Uh, yeah, you're, 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 you sort of, I mean? you're sort of filling it out yeah. with uh, healthy stuff. Yeah. It's like mixing diet soda and regular soda. <laughs> you're, 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 you're negating it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Oh, the, you, you did mention though, the Kashi, the chocolate cereal. Yeah. It's excellent. It's excellent. It's just a regular snack. So in case you don't want to have cereal, a bowl of cereal, just have a glass of milk. And- <laughs> <laughs> so wait, when you're doing that, are you like eating right out of the, the I get out of the box, the box with my hand. And then you and then I take on a, milk. Yes, because that's not having cereal. Yeah, but that's right. actually how I eat my chocolate chip cookies. The harder ones, like the uh, Chips Ahoy. Do you get the, the cookie crisp? Do you get the actual cereal? No, not, not they're since in, I was a kid. If you were to hold, they, are, they would make inferior chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Because they're, they're okay as a cereal. But they're not up to chocolate chip cookie standard. What you know the cereal? The cereal. Well, yeah, it's not supposed to be. It's it's made out I of different material. It's got. It's, they lie to you. Yeah. It uses uh, artificial uh, flavorings. Mm-hmm. The only time I can ever consume whole milk is on cereal. If I'm, wait, yeah, oh really? Yeah, I can't drink whole milk. It's but like it, drinking half and half. Yeah, it's I, so good. I'm a one percenter. Uh, me too. I, yeah, but I can't. Yeah, do me you live too. in your ivory tower. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. <laughs> It's I'm immensely wealthy, and uh, that's, that's the, the kind of milk that's I drink. where the guy lives who has whole milk with his cereal. Oh, one percent. Oh, one percent. No, I I'm, I'm the same way. I drink one percent, and the rest of my family drinks whole <gasps> milk. How? It tastes great. It tastes fantastic. I just abstain from it. It's, do you it. don't like the way it tastes? No, it's too. Oh, I, love it's it. too I, could, I could drink. Yeah. I could drink half and half like right out of the right out of the carton. So half and half in coffee Yum. can be really good as a treat. I my my milk of choice is one percent. Okay, wait. What is half and half actually? It's uh, half. Um, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Maybe it's uh, half it? half cream, uh, straight yeah. up cream, and no, half cream and half milk. Isn't it a half whole milk and a half cream, and that's what makes it okay? Half and half. And oh, I don't know. Then what's cream? Right in to uh, check that out. What is half and half? Uh, I believe he's right. It's half cream, half cream, and half milk. Half. Let's find out together. Thank you, Internet. Depends on the country. Uh, oh, really? Well, yeah. we're in America, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Well done. In Japan, uh, it's half blowfish. Yeah. No, he's right. There's all different... Uh, yeah, there's... It's, well, so the it's metric system. Canada and the United States. Here we go. It's half kilo and, and kilo. Almost always refers to a light cream typically used in coffee, uh-huh. which you might find in a bacon lettuce <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> Uh, the name refers to the liquid's content of half milk and half cream. There you go. That's what I said. There you go. Uh, it's milk fat said that. content of 12.5%. So, to give you some reference, uh, you know, 2% milk, this is 12.5%. So, it's really, really, really rich. And cream is the stuff that ends up at the top of the milk case when it's being pasteurized or separated out. And when you get the fatty extra layer, uh-huh. that's what the cream is. See, uh-huh. for me, half and half is when you're with one chick who's a little heavier <laughs> and, and a thinner chick. Yeah. What you having there, Gene? Yeah, I'm having, a, I'm having a half and half. <laughs> this is Sonia. She's the half. She's the heavier half. Oh, <laughs> and who's the lighter half? That's That would be Rebecca. Rebecca oh, okay. and Sonia. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so it says here that it is widely available in the United States, both in individual and serving serving containers and in bulk. It is used to make ice cream, 
Uh, so half and half is what you use for ice cream. Okay, non-fat versions of the product are also available. Really? I scream, you scream, I make your mother scream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But at this point, your grandmother. Oh, God. Oh, oh, oh my God. Gum, gum. Oh. I just want to say, when when, um, when this hit the Internet, the, the weirdest thing I saw was, and I can't remember which celebrity it was, because it was like, all right, so Gene Simmons, Gene Simmons puts ice cubes into cereal, which is weird. And then one celebrity says, uh, this isn't as weird as my father putting ketchup in his chicken noodle soup. And I had mm. never heard of that. Yeah, that so I strange. would put ketchup in um, the uh, the uh, meatball soup. It, uh, was that was that wedding soup? Oh, Italian, yeah, like Italian, Italian wedding, wedding soup. soup? Yes, really? I put a little bit of ketchup in. I've never heard of because that. you do have a ground beef component to that. Correct? Yeah, uh, those yeah, are little meatballs. There's meatballs yeah, in yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so that made sense kid, to you? It did. Hamburger ketchup. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, yes. I looked for any way I could to get to build a hamburger. Yeah. And my family had always put uh, like a dollop of mayonnaise in their baked beans. Do and a dollop. Do, yeah. do, do a dollop. <laughs> and uh, that was always normal to us. And then didn't yeah. discover that that was weird until I went to college. I don't no, think that's weird. I've yeah. heard of it before. Yeah. I personally would not do that, but mm. I have heard of that before. Uh, we would put a little dollop of mayo in cottage cheese. Oh. To make it creamier, mm. uh, but yeah, Steve's all... mother would put mayonnaise in mashed potatoes. Uh, yeah, that's really? true. Some yeah, people that's do a that. Southern way to prepare mashed mm-hmm. potatoes. That is correct. Interesting. All right. Well, anyhow, these are things from the mind of Gene Simmons. Just thought we would share. Pass that along. We're going to take a break. We'll come back in a second. Stay with us. Like the Preston and Steve Show podcast? Check out MMR's other audio on demand at WMMR.com or on the MMR mobile app. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Final. Well, here we go again. A Chinese man nearly died after allegedly inciting oh, uh, a wiggling 16-inch eel into his backside to treat his constipation. Oh, my God. So that? Was, that was the explanation given? Yeah. Do you think there's any bit of credibility in that? <laughs> no. Well, the live fish tore through his intestines oh before dying and getting stuck in his abdomen for a week. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a week? So yeah. he didn't go to, to the doctor for a Not week? Not immediately. No, he thought I the, he thought the eel had to do its work. Yeah, absolutely. And decompose a little bit. Uh, the, or perhaps he was too embarrassed. Yeah. The unnamed patient, said to be in his 50s, claimed that he decided to use the creature to solve his bowel problems after following a folk remedy. Yeah. Uh, the news came to light after the man sought medical attention due to severe abdominal pain. Right. He has fully recovered after medics removed the dead fish from the man's belly during emergency surgery. Uh, Dr. Lee, who did the procedure, said we suspected that there was a foreign object in his abdominal cavity from a CT scan, but we couldn't tell where it came from. Uh, the patient then underwent an emergency abdominal operation after his condition became life-threatening. The surgeons were shocked to discover the dead eel while conducting the surgery. And during the uh, lapar- laparoscopy procedure, we detected, he said, that it was an eel. It had completely entered the abdominal cavity and had already been dead. The doctor said the man's organ had been severely infected 
and filled with waste matter. Oh, my <clears> God. Footage showed the medics removing the 16-inch creature after surgically opening up the patient's belly. 16 <clears throat> yep. inches. After the operation, the patient confessed to the doctors that he had inserted the live eel into his rear in a bid to treat his long-term constipation. Yeah. There is no scientific evidence that supports the folk remedy of shoving an eel in your ass. Take two (laughs) butt eels and call me in the morning. A determined Rikers Island inmate escaped to a jail roof on Sunday morning just three days after he was caught trying to swim away. Arthur Brown. Oh, really? Oh, my God. I am the god of hellfire. That's him. And I'm trying to escape from prison. Arthur, Arthur. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you. Arthur Brown, who was being housed at uh, Rikers Island's North Infirmary (laughs) Command, was pulled down from the roof on Sunday. I am Arthur Brown. (laughs) On Sunday around 9 a.m. after the failed escape attempt. He just talks like that all the time. I guess that's how you found me, right? Uh, the second headline-grabbing escape attempt by the inmate in less than a week was extremely embarrassing for the Department of Correction, sources said. The commissioner, Cynthia Brand, is livid and heads could roll, said a source. The incident's under investigation. She's going to get fired. And there will be immediate <laughs> staff suspensions if warranted. Uh, the detainee was c- quickly apprehended and returned to custody. A top-down investigation of how the inmate was allowed to get away twice is set to take place. On Sunday, Arthur Brown managed to get himself onto the roof of the three-story James A. Thomas Center, but not before guards spotted him and I can see my house from up here. Uh, surrounded the building. <laughs> After he was dead, Brown was tied into a Stokes basket stretcher and lowered from the roof. He was apprehended within 30 minutes of making it to the roof. Now, his he first tried to escape on Thursday by swimming through the Rikers Island Channel to LaGuardia Airport. Oh, what a mess. But was apprehended shortly after making it into the water. He swam all the way to the airport? Yeah, he was trying to wow. anyway. Yeah. Let this guy go. Uh, he's been held on Rikers since May of 2019. He was originally arrested for allegedly biting an, an NYPD officer in the hand and refusing a bag search at the Staten Island Ferry Terminal. So hey, He's uh, persistent. Yeah, he is, Absolutely. <laughs> All right, this is a cute story. A Delaware woman's doorbell camera caught footage of an Amazon delivery driver complying with her son's additional instructions that he filled out for delivery (laughs) by shouting abracadabra and running away. Isn't that great? I love it. And Uh she did. It was so, it's, it's adorable. Uh, Lynn Staffieri says that her 13-year-old son, Jacob, ordered a package from Amazon and left the instructions for the driver in the do we need additional instructions to find this address notification. And he wrote, no, but knock on the door three times and scream abracadabra as loud as you can and run super fast away. Uh, Staffieri had posted the footage of the driver following the instructions on social media and wrote thank you to this great Amazon delivery woman. I'm looking at the video footage of it right now. That is just, you got to love it when people play along. It's just great. People have been delivering to the house, you know, all the delivery people uh, in in uh, these past couple of months. Unbelievable. Yeah. But to be able to have fun like that, that's great. I I love it. All right, Florida man is back with a vengeance. This time, he's fighting his way into a Walmart, which has a mandatory face mask policy. But Florida man needs the discounts. Rona be damned. The scene went down on Saturday in Orlando, and it starts off 
in the thick of the action, an elderly man tries storming his way into a Walmart without a face covering, but he gets stopped by an employee at the front door. But that wasn't going to stop Graham, so he immediately got physical and started pushing his way into the store. Ratchet it down, Gumpy. Even uh, shoving the masked employee out of his way to some success at first. The guy did get by him, but after taking a tumble during, jive. Uh, during the struggle, he then started heading for some aisles. But uh, the Walmart employee caught up to him and held his ground. And the person with the camera is going, dude, just put on a mask. Yeah. Just put on a mask. Uh, on the second go, uh, he had backup with him, just a regular Joe who chimed in and told the guy to get the hell out. He also noted the dude was getting his germs all over the place by making such a big fuss. Uh, you fussy old guy. The two-man press was enough for the old-timer to call it quits and scram empty-handed at them. Got out of there. Florida man. Florida man. And we will end on that <laughs> note. We're going to take a break. Stay with us. WMMR.com. A great way to stay up to date on the latest rock news and station happenings. Listen live via your laptop, the free mobile app, or just tell your smart speaker to play MMR. From Preston and Steve's Daily Rush to Pierre's Weekend Calendar and the latest on Jackson's local shots. It's everything that rocks your computer. Head over to the contest page for the Busy Resolution Season Poll, where you can enter to win $250 and a mini vacation in Vermont just for answering one simple question. Pick up some Busy Hard Seltzer with antioxidant vitamin C at a retailer near you. WMMR.com. Everything that rocks. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. And Hollywood Trash is brought to you by your local Confidence Plus Service Center. Car in need of service? Find your location at myconfidenceplus.com. What's going on this morning, Steve? Well, the actual ashes of Charles Manson have been tattooed in the arm of a fan of the infamous mass murderer. John Michael Jones said he got the Manson tattoo to ensure he will absolutely never get laid. Yeah. A bit of controversy after Meghan Markle's security demanded no one take pictures of her as she watched Serena Williams play at Wimbledon. Apparently, Markle was self-conscious about pics being taken because she was snacking out of a huge laundry tub filled with turkey legs. Oh, my God. And finally, Mariah Carey revealing in an interview with Cosmopolitan that despite her sexy chanteuse image, she's a bit of a prude and has only had sex with five men in her life. Carey later clarified, saying she meant at one time. Oh, mm. <laughs> we had mentioned in the news, you did, Kathy, that uh, this young lady, this is poor gal, uh, Brianna Ramirez, who has a brain condition condition called uh, Chiari malformation. She's had 40 brain surgeries, two strokes, all this stuff. She's only 13 years old. Had lost this Minnie Mouse doll that she's had since she was a baby. It's her it's her comfort item. And this, this uh, um, stuffed animal had gone through all these surgeries with her. It was her one piece of you know, thing that she could hang on to. And, and it's a classic, as you would imagine. It's a little bit beat up looking, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. but it's been to it. It means so much to her. The family had thought that they lost it at a Chick-fil-A across from the Chamonix Mall. They started doing the rounds. They went on Fox 29. Mike sat down with them. They interviewed and, and everything. Well, the Minnie Mouse doll has been found, which is wonderful. So happy because I thought it was gone for good. So did I. Like, because nobody was coming forward yeah. quickly. I thought immediately, like a couple of days ago, yeah. somebody would have come forward with it. But we got word today that she's uh, they, they've been reunited. Then we got a call from a listener who said that apparently, and we'll need to verify this, and if this is the case, I totally get it. 
the doll was at the house the whole time. <laughs> the whole time that they've been looking for this. Uh, but uh, the the bottom line is the, the girl has the doll back. Yeah, that's the most important thing. But, but this would not be the first time. Oh, my God. You know. Where you've been looking for something and it's. It's there. It's, it's, there. You've it's, been, it's been there the whole time. The whole effing house apart. Yeah, yeah. And you've, you've gone to other locations wherever you thought you may have left, whatever this thing was, and it turns out it was home the whole time. And you usually hear somebody go, found it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they found it from I, downstairs. And it'll, it's, many times it'll be days after you've given up all hope. So you'll just, you know, the, oh, okay, I guess it's gone. And then I found it. What? Now, there's two conversations here. Yeah. One, something you were looking for forever or were panicked about, and it turned out to be in a really obvious place. Uh Or you never found it. You're the parent. Uh Now, it wouldn't be possible in this case because this thing is so beat up and and, uh, has got all the earmarks of being well used. uh, But you buy a replacement and try to substitute it unbeknownst to the child. We actually did preemptive work on this. Are you serious? Yeah, so... You planned ahead? Yeah, we planned ahead. You bought a backup in case... Exactly. Uh, that's actually a that's smart brilliant. way oh, to we go. we did that too. So my son has this uh, elephant doll that uh, he's had since he was a baby uh, and just adored it. And my, son, my, my oldest had a blanket that my grandmother had made right. for him and he beat it to death. It, f- it fell apart in phrase. So she made him another one, which was great. So we had a quick replacement. But we, we learned from that that once we saw my son with this elephant, we're like, this is his, that's yeah. his thing. That's his whoopee. We need to get another one because there's a good chance. <laughs> we may have had, we may have like lost it, been, had, a, had a panic at one time, sure. thought we lost it. And we're like, let's get another one. Listen, we need a backup plan. And so so we did. And now him being 17 years old, he has two of them. Oh, <laughs> Backup, so he's got two of them. Still, yeah, we so. did the exact same thing. We had monkey, and um, we one time forgot monkey somewhere. Uh, the monkey was at home, and we went and we were we were staying over somewhere. So we that kind of was like, okay, that was the trigger. We need to get another monkey. It was only sold at Toys R Us. Toys R Us was kind of like on the downhill, so uh, there was none in this area. Could not find monkey anywhere. So I like <laughs> put out an SOS to all my friends. So we found one in Texas, and we found one in New York. There you go. Wow. But hold on. You, so, yeah. so then we. So now, still to this day, we have three monkeys, and I tried to use the other two for, like, travel monkey or this or that, and he was like, that's not monkey. That is not my stuffed animal. I want nothing to do with it. I guess because it wasn't worn in, it was just, like, this new stuffed animal, and, you know, now, eight years later, it looks nothing like the actual monkey that he still sleeps with. The only way he'd... Travel monkey. (laughs) The only way he'd come around to it would be as if he actually lost Actual, Actually lost it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even then, you may not be sure, right? But he, like, shunned it. He was like, that's not monkey. Get Get that away from me. Get that away from me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I'm sorry to interrupt, Case. I know you got something to share, but I, uh, speaking of that, I uh, uh, am doing serious cleaning out and purging in my yes. house. I think I told you guys the story of my, my teddy bears not that long ago, and I gave this baby, a friend of the family, my, my prize teddy bear, strawberry. Yeah. Strawberry and nice thing to do. Never saw it again. I yeah. found chocolate. No way. I found <laughs> chocolate the other day. So you've had like, chocolate? There it is! And I found it, and you know what I did? I, I held it, and I smelled it. And? And it smelled like burnt rubber. It, no, it's... <laughs> oh, my God. This reminds me not... of my old girlfriend. Oh, man. No, it was wonderful. You know how the scent... It's yes. still there. Really? 
Oh, triggers, triggers those uh, emotional yeah. responses, and I got it. it oh, my God. Wonderful. I'll take a picture of it later today. I'll post it on Instagram that and I social would, media. I would be okay with you keeping it. You're going to keep yeah. it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, most definitely. I mean, you see how raggedy this uh, um, Minnie Mouse doll is. Yep. And so it, it's probably like that for a reason. No, uh, ours, the only thing we ever had was my youngest has a, has a piglet, and our piglet is actually not the original piglet. Um, but we had to get... We had to get a new piglet because we we left the other one actually down in, in Disney World. You but bastards. They, but well, no, I mean it. Listen, it's her fault. Oh, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm blaming a two year old. Um, but uh, we we knew it was down there. Um, she wasn't. She was only two years old, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But we do have two piglets in the house because she, she lost it every single day. Yeah, I mean every single day when we would it was time for bed, she'd be like. I can't find my piglet. And I was like, okay, well, here we go. And we got to find, I mean, one day it was like. Let's go look for piglet. Yes. I mean, honestly, one day it was in like, you know, like that, like a play kitchen. It was in the oven of the play kitchen. We didn't find it for a couple of days. But um, she had a, she would hang on to the ear and suck her thumb and then it would get nasty. And so we, you talk about the smells. We would have to wash it without her knowing about it because she would never let us to stick it in. Wash yeah. it. We had to secretly wash it. Yeah, and we had to do that too with Lammy, and she would get upset because <laughs> Lammy, piggy monkey. Yeah, mm-hmm. because she wouldn't. Uh, it didn't smell right. Yeah, you know, yep. like, yeah, it smells yep. gross. Nope, exactly. The, the nickname <laughs> for my son's blanket and what we called it from there on out was stinky. Was stinky. It just stunk. <laughs> it was horrible. So, but, but he liked it that way. Your the your chocolate. Did you just say his name? Chocolate. Okay. Was the name of mine. So uh, and it retained the smell. Yeah, of yeah. your youth? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh. it smells familiar. Wow. You know, I mean, I, I immediately, I'm like, I wonder. And I, I leaned in and I smelled it and it was awesome. Yeah, I, I still have my Dodie, which was a dog. Uh, and I would carry it by the ear. So the one ear sticks up, but it's in my bin of Beanie Babies. That's all. I have my Gimpy, which is a ball gag. Gimpy. Yeah, yeah. One oh, of my favorites. Still smell the same? Oh, it smells the same. Yeah. You know what my mom replaced on me, though? Uh, uh-huh. When my fish died. We went. To, oh, we went yeah. to the uh, we went to the pet store, and it was like I don't even know the name of the fish, but it was a black fish with those real big eyes that kind of like stick out on the yeah. side of it. Yep. And so she went, and like I was, you know, sobbing. I was so distraught over this dead fish, and she gave it to the guy, and she goes, "Can you take it in the back and see if you could help him and Stop give him some medicine?" It. Yeah, like now that I think about it, she, right? And, now you know, it's probably yeah, so especially mean. when he came out with a kitten. What? No, and so he, yeah, I like, uh, added some after factory things. <laughs> But when I got home, I was like, wow, he looks so much bigger. And my mom was like, well, I think that's the medicine that they pumped into him. I'm you like, what? you could have just told me about death at yeah. that point. No, she wouldn't tell you about death or tell you about, you know, candy sex. or things like sex. And stuff. Oh, my God. But that that is adorable in a way that, that, that she would do that. Oh, it's dead. Oh, this thing, it's dead. <laughs> she should have just swallowed it when you handed it to her. Hey, watch oh, this. Oh, right. uh, wow. Let me let me get some calls going here. So we got two different things. Uh, losing something and it was right there yeah. in an obvious spot. Or maybe replacing the uh, uh, the much-cherished Secret item. mission, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to... Here we go, Joanne. Hi, Joanne. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. What's up, Joanne? Well, my daughter, um, she actually should be 25 this weekend. Um, when she was a baby... She had a bunny that was her pride and joy. It was a stuffed bunny. It had a little suspender, so she wouldn't. She sucked her thumb, you know, like she her hand kind of went through the suspenders. So I, being my oldest child, um, I was. It wasn't so much I was afraid of losing it. I didn't like the idea that that bunny was out of the house and 
like in the general public with you know germs and stuff. So I totally <laughs> sound like Kathy's mom. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I we bought a second stuffed bunny. So the one bunny became regular bunny. Regular bunny always stayed at home, and the other bunny became travel bunny, which turned out to be the best thing in the world because we probably lost about three travel bunnies. Yeah, there you go. It was okay because regular bunny was at home safe and sound. Well, let me ask you, was that delineation known to, to your daughter where she, she thought they were all the same bunny? No, she knew the difference between regular and travel. This is because slutty bunny yeah. and this is yeah. at home nice bunny. Well, that listen, and that... Thank you. I uh, appreciate it. That's a that is a uh, a nice uh, cautionary tale for soon to be parents or yeah. new parents or the simple minded. If they if they gravitate towards something, buy a duplicate and buy it before they don't make them anymore. I think it's I, actually that sounds like great advice. Yeah. I, I, I remember. I, I guess when we lost my my toys were always so weird that when we lost them, they were you know hard to replace. But uh, man, the fact that you held on or that you have stuff from your youth. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I love it. Let me go to Mike. Hey, Mike, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Right. you guys at work. Nah, you're doing great, man. So what's your, your story? Your daughter lost something? All right, yep. So this requires just a hair of a setup. Yeah, All right. It, it's Christmas Eve. We're out of the house, my son and my daughter, Tabitha. And we're running around. We're doing some shopping, you know, Walmart, Target, Best Buy, everything we needed to do to keep the kids out of the house so that Santa could help, you know, do a little wrapping. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter has a security blanket, and at the time she was five. She calls it Banky. We were all over the place. We decided to go to the movie tavern to see a Christmas movie, and on the way there, they had to go to the bathroom, so we ran into the house between, you know, the stores and the movie theater, yep. house kind of the middle point. We go into the movie tavern. They got to go again, so we go to the bathroom, and we go into the theater. Come out, come home, can't find Banky anywhere. I'm like, oh, my God, i got to call the movie tavern. It, it has to be there because I swear I remember having it and setting it down in the bathroom. Long story short, we leave. We're home. Can't find it. I call the movie tavern back. And the woman was like, the theater that you were in, in 45 minutes, the movie ends. If you want to come back, I'll go through the theater with you. We'll find it. I went back. We go through the theater. Couldn't find it. I go through the bathroom that we were in, couldn't find it. I noticed the trash can was empty, and I said, hey, is there any chance somebody may have thrown it away? And she said, well, maybe. I am out back. Oh, no. 18-degree weather, blowing wind, searching through the trash can of the movie tavern. At one point, you did say, long story short, (laughs) did you not? Um, And then you're supposed to do the resolution right there. Well, he's got the the cell is 18-degree weather. It's pretty heavy duty. So So you're going through the trash. You dug around in there for a while. How long did you dig around? Uh, Well, just a a six-and-a-half-hour process from the time we lost it to the time we found it. Uh, Oh, my God. I dug in the trash can for over 45 minutes. I am covered in different trash (laughs) Ew. That stuff was nasty. My wife calls me as I'm in the third dumpster and says, guess what I found? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Found it. Behind the bed. Behind the bed? Behind the bed. So when you... So was home the yeah, whole time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I guess she went to her bedroom, set it down. We left. I didn't realize she didn't have it. She didn't realize she didn't have it. And... Uh-huh. Yeah, needless to say, it took me like two days of scrubbing to get that smell off. Oh, I'm sure, man. If you're dumpster diving, man, you put wow. in your due, your due diligence. Uh, how old is she now? This was this just this last Christmas Eve? Yeah, 
No, she's nine now. Oh, she's nine. Do you remind her of when Daddy went digging through the trash for Banky? Every time we go to the <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. I appreciate it. At least you got that out of it. Something you can hold over your kid's head. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. Let me go to some people who have uh, misplaced something, and uh, then they found it, and it was pretty obvious. Let me go to Zach. Hey, Zach, good morning. Morning, guys. How you doing? Good, buddy. You're on the air. Go ahead. Oh. Uh... A couple of years ago, my fiance and I were driving home from Virginia, and we're about two hours into our drive, and my fiance starts freaking out, going, "Hey, uh, uh, uh babe, I, I can't find my keys anywhere. I don't know where I put them. I think I might have left them at the rest stop." I looked at her, I went, "We're driving. <laughs> we're driving." We're driving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, we're driving. <laughs> how how do you think the car has been engaged oh, if you don't excellent. have the keys? That's good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I like it. Well, you you have the classic one at the sunglasses. resort, the sunglasses. Oh my god! Where you're just so sure. We're in Mexico, and I'm come walking. I'm looking for my glasses. I can't find them anywhere. I'm they're really good glasses, and I come, and you guys are on the pool. I'm like. Who's the dead man that took my sunglasses? <laughs> like, they're on your face, man. They weren't even on my forehead, you know, sitting yeah. up, which might be excusable. They were on my eyes. I just didn't know it was tinted that I was looking at. But the world was tinted. Come on. The uh, sun's going down. We're going to lose light. Uh, uh, let me go to let me go to Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Good morning. Morning, guys. So Hi. this happened this past Christmas. Okay. My, my son got a gift card, like an Xbox card, a $100 one. You know, Christmas is crazy. Paper all over the floor. Everything's cleaned up. We're looking for it. Ends up being a battle. The house, we're all yelling at each other. You were supposed to put it up, blah, blah, blah. Well, two days later, there it was up on the shelf so we wouldn't lose it. Yep. yep. Oh, that where it was. Yeah, we won't lose it. Let's put it here. And then you forget yeah, that you exactly. put it there. And the thing is, is that and you have... started talking to each other again. Yeah. You, uh, you always... I, I have certain places that are my... That I force myself to put things where yep. I know these are my landing points in the house. Yep. And, and try not to do it. My, my wife is a little bit more scattered. Oh, my God. With that. So so the the other day, Preston, I come home. She can't find her phone. I can't find my phone. I can't... I, I know it's somewhere in the house. She had gotten a pocketbook for Christmas, and she oh. was checking out the whether it would hold her phone. Yep. And so when she put it up in her closet, so did you try calling your phone? And then there it was, but she never would have thought of that. Yeah, I do the pat down too, Steve. So it's keys, wallet, yeah. um, and phone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the three essentials. Um, I went to see the Struts over the holiday break with uh, one Pierre Robert. And uh, we had dinner before. The master of organization. Oh, my God. So he walks in. He's distraught. He's, he's completely distracted because he had lost his wallet. And um, and so we're at dinner, and we're going to go to the show, and he got flowers for the band, and it was one thing after another. And Pierre, uh, to his credit, is a very generous and decent person, but he wanted to take everybody out for dinner. Couldn't right. do it because he lost his wallet. And uh, so we go to the show. We're, we're, he kind of puts it behind him, and he's having a good time. We're enjoying ourselves. After the show ends, we, we're lucky enough to go back, say hi to the band, chat with Luke a little bit. There's a, a chat with the openers. Go outside. Get in, in Pierre's car. We're going to be done for the night. And uh, he says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for my wallet one last time. He goes to the entrance of the Fillmore at the back <laughs> gate. The wallet was sitting on the ground. It had been there <gasps> the entire night. Oh, my God. <laughs> the entire night. It's sitting on the sidewalk. So sometimes these things come back to you. Sometimes they're sitting on the sidewalk outside in Philadelphia wow. for five hours. I mean, right. we know about his luggage, oh, you know, which God. that's went into the ether. Is that an endearing quality about him? Because uh, I, 
It depends on. I don't think it is. <laughs> it, it can I be mean, the, the stories are funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, but he no. doesn't find it endearing. He, it really frustrates. It, dri- it drives him crazy. Yeah, it frustrates. That, he has that tile app that you know, and he puts yeah. the little tile thing on his phone and in his car and the things that he that he tends to lose. Uh, he gets frustrated by his own misgivings. Um, but it's you know, it's, it's just what, him too. It's what he is, and yeah. that's uh, so that's part of the deal. I, I, he's frustrated. That's why he hires. He actually hires like a like a woman to come in and organize his life. Yeah. My my buddy Rick was that way. Uh, every time we would pick him up to go out, he would get in the car, and then we would start pulling away. He's like, oh, I forgot my wallet. So then after, I mean, so we were aware of this. So he would get in the car, and I would say, all right, do you have your wallet? <laughs> yep, got it. Uh, do you have your phone? I'll be right back. <laughs> every single time, yeah. it was something like I that. I do, Nate. In case yeah. you don't carry a wallet, Nick, you do? Uh, I, I carry a wallet. Uh, credit cards and license and cash. Okay. Yeah. But in your back pocket? Nope. No. Front pocket. Oh. That's where I keep my hummus. If you're a wallet carrier, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys do this in your front, but do you, when you're out in public or traveling or whatever, do you nonchalantly just do a little knock with your hand? Yes. Against yeah. it? Yep. Yeah. Just to make sure it's there? Yep. So I, yep. I keep my, my stuff loose, you know, not in a wallet, but that's always, you know, in, in the pocket. And you just do a quick brush press to, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. <gasps> Same with the phone. And you don't want to be too obvious about it either to alert people that, you know, you're looking for money well, or whatever it may be. why I don't keep it in my back pocket, because I always heard it was easier to lift out of your back pocket than out of your front. Yeah, it is. So I yeah. keep it in my front. So what I do, though, is I do this move to distract so people don't know that's where I'm keeping my money. I will actually pull out my penis. And I'll, pull that, <laughs> I'll pull that to the right and Too I'll busy looking So at they're looking Johnson. at that. But what, my... Is this guy pleasuring himself? No, no, no. The laugh's on you. I'm checking for my, my money. <laughs> my wallet is very small and compact, though, right? It just It's like basically a money clip with like a little, you know, slots for my cards and license okay. and stuff like that. So it fits into my, you know, front left pocket easily, and it's not like big and bulky, but, I yeah. go front right pocket. See, front right pocket is where I like to keep my hummus. <laughs> I keep my hummus in my back pocket. Yeah. Listen, to each his own. Yeah. You know, we all have our own system. It's, what, what, Why would you keep them? Why, why would you keep your hummus in your back pocket? Because so the, the pita is up front, okay, yeah. oh, closer right. to my junk, which is warmer. But when you sit down, the, doesn't the hummus fly out the it back? It squirts up, yeah, but I, okay. I you know. Well, he likes it. Yeah. And listen, that's the way you do it. That's, yeah. You do you. I want to go to I'm Alyssa. living my best life. I want to go to Alyssa. <laughs> Hi, Alyssa. Good morning. Hey, guys. I just want to let you know I keep my hummus in my butthole. <laughs> See, we hadn't even thought about that. Wow. Interesting. That's good. You can just squirt it out whenever you need it. It looks like a dispenser. Yep, exactly. Wow, you're an innovator. I'm going to fart. Get your pita quickly. All right, tell us, tell us the story about your pillow. Okay, her name is Baby, first off. <laughs> Baby? I never got more creative with that. I've been waiting for someone I know to call me because everybody knows about her. Oh. DJ Tanner had her in her room. They're pillow people from the 80s. Oh, okay. Pillow people. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. I still have it. 32 years old. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I went to Atlantic City tripping. <laughs> My girl. <laughs> wow. With your DJ right. Tanner doll. Yeah. All right, so you're in AC butthole. tripping, and what happened? And they threw her out. I mean, she does just look like a rag. We left her in the room after we checked out, and then we went back Oh my God! You don't understand. My mom calls from Darby. <laughs> and I was like, "You want to find her baby? You don't understand." They couldn't find it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I dumpster dived on acid in Atlantic City, but I found. Oh, good. Wow. You know, I think honestly, I think that was an episode of Full House. I dumpster dived <laughs> on acid. Wasn't there where, where DJ Wait, goes dumpster diving on acid in Atlantic City? In Atlantic City. Yeah, that's yeah. the name of your autobiography, by the way. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> 
competition. Did no, you? It should be titled this: "Baby, My Pillow Person," and then yeah. uh, colon. I on went a, how I dumpster dove on acid. On acid in Did Atlantic it enhance City. the experience at all? Uh, well, I honestly thought my ex-boyfriend was going to talk because he was with me when we did it. But I'll tweet you guys a picture of her. Yeah, please. I was a baby with her and now. So, right. uh, I, and you have it now, though. You found it. Yeah. Oh, uh, she's on my bed right now. There you go. All right. So she, it's where she keeps her acid. So you're tripping. You're digging through this dumpster. You find it. Did you find it? Uh, actually, <clears throat> my ex-boyfriend found it. And don't ask me about how long we were diving because... <laughs> We were on acid. Yeah, I mean, time time is just a... Right. You have no idea. Yeah, time is just a, a construct. A construct, yeah, 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 yeah. No idea. Alyssa, this is one of my most favorite stories yeah. I've ever heard on this show. Because it combines the, the poignant oh, sweetness of youth yes. with a, and a lost doll and uh, the delirium of acid. And, and being yeah, in a dumpster in a dumpster. Atlantic City. Yeah. Darby, that there was any acid involved in the storm. It's like, boom, I lost my baby. Oh, my wow. Yes, God. hi. My daughter's on acid in your dumpster looking for a dog. Could you help her out? Stop. That sounds just like her. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, hallucinogens in Atlantic City aren't like, I don't think they, they don't, go well That's together. not a good match, right? No. <laughs> no. We, oh, I'm glad uh, you got your doll back. Uh, Alyssa, that's awesome. Yes, please tweet a picture uh, at us about that, okay? Okay, I definitely will. All right, see you later. Oh, oh, that's a winner. God, that's phenomenal. And, and she keeps hummus in her butthole. So <laughs> that is her. What's not to love about Alyssa? Yeah. We need to meet her in person. <laughs> Why'd that boyfriend ever break up with her? There's a lot of calls. Casey, I have a question. Should we keep going or no, do we need to take a break? We need to take a break. Damn. Tell me, tell me when. Um, like now or do mm, I have time for another call? All right. Do you see a call that you love? I need to go through. There's so many on here. It's, uh, I'd have to scan them and pick one. Uh, let me see here. Um, blah, 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 blah. man, there's a lot of them. Um, um I would go, if you were going to take a call, I would yep. take line seven. Okay. Line seven. Let me do that. I'm taking Casey's advice. I'm going to go to Matt. Hey, Matt, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. You're the best. Thanks, oh, bud. You Appreciate too. it. All right. What's your story here? Does it have to do with misplacing something or? Well, when I was a kid, my, our very first pet we had was an orange cat named Han Solo. And Han Solo <laughs> went missing, and we were pretty <laughs> devastated about it. And my parents came home and told me they had found Han Solo. And they opened the box, and there was another orange cat inside this box. They were trying to pass him off as Han Solo. <gasps> and I, I don't know who they thought they were kidding. I mean, that's the. It was. It was obviously not my cat. He he ran into the corner closet and hit in the closet. It wouldn't come out. And uh, somebody opened the, the front door and he he bolted out. He only lasted about twenty minutes, I think, in our house. But I don't, how old were you? How old were you, Matt? Probably five or six. Old enough to believe my parents whenever yeah. they told me something. So, yeah. Is it possible yeah. they were doing acid? Maybe or yeah. You know that's. This makes puts me in mind of uh, Meet the Parents, you oh. know, with Jinxie the cat, you yeah, know, and replacing and my blue heaven with the turtle. It actually yeah, was yeah. dropped into the dis- garbage disposal. <laughs> right. Uh, wow. So, so Matt, did you guys did they end up getting rid of the cat, passing it on to somebody else? I don't know. All these years, I still don't know if they knew that Han Solo may have been dead in the first place, and, and he might have died, and, and they didn't want to just tell me to tell me straight out. You know, you, so you never heard the full yeah. story. Han Solo, yeah. we, we we know for a fact that Han Solo is dead at this point. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Wow. Okay. Uh, and your and your parents never fessed up on the story. No, I, you know, that reminds me, I'll have to go back and ask him, first of all, what were they thinking about it? But <laughs> whether he was bad, if they thought maybe, I mean, or maybe they thought that, I don't know, they're, they're a little funny. Maybe they <laughs> they're a little funny. All right, yeah. thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, wow. We have two elves on the shelf because, um, 
Marty Christmas, uh, he uh, he was busy the following year after he made his first appearance. So okay. then, um, but Stanley Johnson showed up, and Stanley Johnson looked nothing like Marty Christmas, and the kids noticed that immediately. Right, so you give them proper names? Is that what I'm? I don't give. That's the kids. Oh, that's okay. What their names their name are. Is, uh, I thought they all looked identical. Yeah, they don't. Okay. No, Stanley Johnson has a tan. Oh. Interesting. Uh, is that a George Hamilton doll? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> George Hamilton L. George Hamilton on the shelf. Wow, interesting. And listen, we could we could revisit this any time because people have loads of stories. Uh, but uh, the the important thing is this girl, uh, Br- uh, Brianna Ramirez, thirteen years old. She has a brain uh, condition. She's had all these surgeries, and she got her Minnie Mouse back. But it turns out, at least what we heard, that it was actually at the house the whole time. That's fine. I'm just happy that she got the... Yeah, you know, yeah. It's happened, as you can tell, it's happened to many people, that type of, of thing. Of course. Wow. And some on acid, too. We're going to take a break. Stay with us. The Preston and Steve Small Business Love You, Help You line. How you doing? My name is Anthony Delisandro from Anthony's Upholstery. Auto, boot, and small planes. Phone number is 856-631-9021. 411 North Grove Street, Berlin, New Jersey. We do it all. Custom and original and repairs. Next message. Hi, this is Lynn from Firefly Lash Studio, located in Berlin, New Jersey. Here at Firefly Lash Studio, I pride myself with giving each client that look that they're trying to achieve, while also giving them a relaxing experience, all at affordable prices. And hey, a face mask looks so much better with a fresh set of lashes. And guys, gift certificates are a great Valentine's Day gift. Please check out Firefly Lash Studio. Facebook and Instagram pages for booking, or you can call or text the studio at 856-336-5586. Mention President Steve and receive 10% off your service. Looking forward to seeing you. The Love You, Help You line. Shop local because small business needs our help. Find out more at PrestonAndSteve.com. 93.3 WMMR. Putting Philly first. Sponsored by DellAutoGroup.com, where Jack really does sell them for less.